All right, so we're back. Woo. But Steve, oh man, it's kind of bittersweet. We're we're finally uh, wrapping up the year, and we're also wrapping up season three. And season two. Yeah. Oh, season two. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm already thinking ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, we kind of yeah. do have our ducks in a row for season three, which is like uncharacteristic of, of us. But you are right. We are heading. We are, I guess, yeah, headlong, and we're on the home stretch here of right. season dose. And I think we have a, a special friend who's returning to help us kind of make it through, like, you know, help us get to the finish line here. Yeah, absolutely. We want to welcome back Jacob Rivera. How's it going, Jacob? Jacob, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob Rivera. Love section sports MMA and boxing. On his Twitter, he'll give you a shout out. He's Jacob Rivera. <laughs> The little ex uh, <laughs> Welcome back, Jacob. Yeah, we we all I'm do. Gonna, I'm no, I, Steve is trying X. to adapt the into yeah. um <laughs> into X, X. X is an LA band, Steve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Exactly. Wow, mm. two almost two years, huh? You guys have been doing this? Oh yeah, yeah, and it's funny because um when we started, right, it was like our year in review of the previous year. That's why I get so mm-hmm. confused because like. The first right. time we started, we're still talking about movies from the previous year. 2021, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, that was a weird movie year for sure. I mean, the, those past two years, basically, um, when that's what emerged. And it's funny how, like, we started this season with, um, you know, just, like successive guests. And that's the same way we're ending. Like, I guess with this one, um, including this episode, we only have three left. So, yeah, we're uh, we're we're on the home stretch of of this season, mm. and I'm excited for season three, Steve, because um, uh, we've kind of hinted at it in in previous episodes that we're gonna have like a unified theme for next season. So it's gonna yeah. be fun, and we already have a couple of guests lined up, so it's good stuff. Yeah, well, con- congrats to you guys, though. Oh uh, yeah, thanks, yeah, oh, Jacob. Yeah, thanks. A lot of, a lot of hard work, and I know uh, you know you got the savant here carlo and then you got the background <laughs> oh, yeah. of uh steve you know doing all the oh yeah the nice little mixes yeah producer steve produce, man producing yeah he makes yeah, it on the awesome. ones and twos yeah <laughs> no doubt it's, it's definitely not easy i didn't know competitions like you know big out there but uh, yeah i love the show and you know yeah i mean we appreciate your support jacob You've been we need to get more people on that out. patreon though man. <laughs> yeah yeah dude what's up with these people man? let's get, let's get it Come out on. there man help help a brother out <laughs> I know, For sure. I know. I don't want to get like salacious and like thirsty on there, you know. But yeah, <laughs> but I appreciate the support there. Thank yeah. you, sir. I mean, it, it's funny because we only really mentioned the Patreon at the very end of the episode, and I don't know, Steve, if you have like the stats of like if people finish <laughs> these uh, epic episodes that we have. So maybe they don't even hear that we have a Patreon. Maybe we should yeah. like bump it up to the the start. Maybe that might help. <laughs> we could move our business up. Yeah, yeah, yeah for no sure. doubt. But but it's so exciting. Like once Jacob's here, I just want to kind of get him going and see see what's cracking. You know? Oh yeah. And I, I feel like these two filmmakers were discussing slash films. Uh, like it's it's within his wheelhouse. I mean, the last time he was here, we were talking about one of the filmmakers. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, we do have um, some appetizers coming up. It's time for movie food appetizers, appetizers, appetizers. It's movie food appetizers. <laughs> so All obviously, right. Jacob, uh, we we watched one of the movies that we're going to be discussing today together. But have you seen anything else 
since then or anything that stood out for you? Any, anything new? No. I, I've been like, I've been on a kick lately where I, I've just kind of been revisiting some of my collection, like movies I haven't mm-hmm. seen in a long time. And actually, I've been doing a kind of a little, little, I'll call it a project where I'm showing my oh. oldest daughter like classic movies. Nice. And, yes. you know, so with this last, uh, I think I was telling you, Carlo, um, but this last time we went through Terminator, Terminator <laughs> 2. <laughs> Terminator Amazing. 3, Salvation. Whoa. We stopped there. <laughs> okay. Um, then we did Alien, Aliens, yeah. Alien 3. Uh-huh. Um, These are the did, best franchises. We didn't go, wow. we didn't go into um, Resurrection. Resurrection yet and mm. our Prometheus and all that stuff. But we're, we're getting there. That's a whole there. other yeah, um, thread. What did I show her? I showed her Superbad. Mm-hmm. I showed her. Um, I'm showing her Dumber and Dumber right now. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> wow. We did uh, Predator. We did Robocop. Oh, my um, God. You know, bunch of like stuff that i that i like and actually her her response you know because i'll ask her you know like mm-hmm. what'd you think you know and, you know was that good or it was this one better than this one and and she's been very like you know uh, positive about it and she loves it and we do it like in secret at night you know when she's going to bed <laughs> like for about an hour and then you know we kind of cut it up and oh okay you know yeah her, yeah. Mom, yeah. her mom doesn't know so man uh, that's, that's awesome. so cool <laughs> she, man she would be very upset yeah you're such an awesome dad Jacob. Yeah. Like, people would Jeez. love to have a dad like you, you well know? you know what the thing is is that i remember when i was a kid yeah. my dad w- had a big impact you know because my parents divorced when i was five mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know i went to go live with my mom but my dad would pick me up every other weekend and we would always go to the movies but we'd always go to the last movie like 11 o'clock 12 o'clock show Whatever oh, the, the, best the ones. whatever the rated R movie was, you know <laughs> oh, that we were yeah. not supposed to see. Uh-huh. You know, it didn't matter if there was like violence or sex or you know mm-hmm. all this stuff. You know, some stuff I, I saw probably at you know too young of an age. I didn't understand what was going on, but <laughs> oh man, but it had such an impact on me. And um, and I was like, I always tell my wife, I was like, look, I haven't killed anybody yet. You know, I haven't been to jail. Right. I, I, I'm an upstanding <laughs> yeah. citizen. I pay my taxes. You know, yeah. I do. I do. You know, I got a job. <laughs> you know, I got kid and family and take care of everybody, everything. And so. You know, right. like I think, you know, if you have good parenting and you mm-hmm. kind of know the difference between, you know, reality and like yeah. make believe and all that stuff, you could still have that moral compass where you don't, you know, you're not being. Mm. I, I'm not a believer in like music and movies and these type of things that turn you into like some type of psycho. Right. Like I just yeah, don't believe it's that. like they they already yeah. have that within them. That's why. That's cool. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that too. Like that was, I guess, very important to me because obviously when I was younger. um, you know, violent movies were very attractive to me. There was just something so exciting about them. And also, yeah, added the fact that I wasn't allowed to watch them, you know? So it was like when mm-hmm. you got your hands on something or, like, you were able to record it off the TV surreptitiously. Like, I remember I would even, like, write fake movie names on the tapes <laughs> so my mom wouldn't <laughs> know what movies I was watching. Like, you know, Apocalypse Now would be, like, Winnie the Pooh or something like that. Yeah. Because I had heard of, like, this version of Apocalypse Now or a version of Winnie the Pooh that basically was dubbed with Apocalypse Now. It's, right. like, called Apocalypse Pooh or something. So I would use, like, those kind of deep, like, codes for the movies. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do this little trick where I would take a movie if I didn't like the like if I my I don't know, my grandparents or somebody got yeah. me some like movie I was like ah, I don't want to watch this movie anymore <laughs> um they you know they just bought it for me I would right. just put a piece of tape over the little tab area and then you could record over that movie and yeah. I would like record wow, like something dude. off HBO or something like that oh, or we had a black yeah. box <laughs> also when I was uh, younger um, my um, grandma or my step grandma she yeah. had a black box and so mm-hmm. we had all the movie channels and so you know. 
late at night, you know, you'd get some, you know, some really good stuff on there. You know, the, of course, all the oh, Arnold yeah. movies and you know, oh, talking about sweet. violence, you know, uh, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, Arnold movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Like in the 80s, that was that was yeah. the thing. That was mm. the best was when you learned how to record things onto your own personal VHS <laughs> tapes. Yes. And yeah, yeah I, I, I remember I specifically I had one that I carried around for years mm. called it just was labeled Steve's tape. <laughs> and, oh, awesome. and I couldn't tell you what was on it like in sequence but it was it would be like music videos i recorded headbangers balls and then like oh yeah headbangers yeah and, yeah and then matt like Pinfield, random right? like yeah yeah matt i actually know ricky ricky oh, no, no, rackman yeah, you're right i think he did 120 minutes oh wow matt yeah Pinfield did 120 minutes i think that's right that's right and but then yeah i would have like cinemax stuff on there like it was like the whole the, they just ran the gamut it was like awesome television or yeah. like recording oh yeah television Rage Against Machine when they were on Saturday Night Live. Oh, shit. I think yeah. I still have that somewhere. Yeah, and that shit's, like, valuable now because if you have it and then you still have it, like, in somewhat, like, playable condition right. and you upload it online, mm. like, people just, like, really appreciate it because yeah. you're, like, bringing something back that we don't we don't see. Like, there's no repeats of Headbangers Ball or yeah. MTV Jams. Which MTV's so... not even MTV anymore. Exactly. It's all it's reality like, shit. It's like, how many times can we show ridiculousness? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Catfish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, amazing. So, so, hold on. So, I have to ask Jacob. So, of all the movies, did, did your daughter have a favorite? And then as a side question... How is she with like nightmares and stuff like that? Because that's oh, yeah. that's the limiting factor really for my youngest at this point is I, is, um, is so seeing something that's a little too scary and then having the nightmares. Yeah. So she's she's thirteen, so she's not as young mm. as I was when I was watching right. all like basically anything I wanted. Um, yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's but, good. But um, she doesn't have like nightmares. I mean, she does like talk in her sleep sometimes, but I never mm -hmm. hear her have any nightmares. As far as cool. like you know, I asked her like you know, what is her her favorites and whatnot. I think she really liked Terminator too. Uh, she really liked uh, Aliens. Um, yeah, you know, just I mean, the, these are like classic, you know, um, sequels. Some, some, some people <laughs> would argue these are sequels better than the original, right? Yeah. You know, kind of like in in the you know, Godfather Two conversation, Empire Strikes Back. You know, so but I'm just enjoying like seeing her react to it. And like sharing something with her that that I really love, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then you know, basically building her knowledge. And then at some point, she's gonna go off on her, you know, her journey and right. and you know, her types of music and whatnot. You know, because I always mm -hmm. I always play music too at the house. Um, mm -hmm. That's actually one of my my youngest daughter says that's one of her memories is that I'm always playing music. So I of course I put stuff that I like, you know. But you know, I put like Pandora on or whatever, and so mm -hmm. plays a bunch of different types of stuff. But uh, you know, they they're starting to recognize, you know certain bands or certain like singers and whatnot and nice and appreciation for that so i think it's all it's all good you know um for that but uh i did watch a couple of documentaries that i hadn't seen in a while um you know just kind of wrap this up here but uh i uh whitney the whitney document uh, whitney uh, houston yeah. documentary oh, yeah. and then amy oh. was the other documentary wow so you were like on a, a pop singer kick yeah kind of kind of i hadn't seen them i had saw whitney in the theater mm-hmm um, that was actually the first movie on my epic uh, arc light run. Oh that wow! That was the first movie we saw uh, with my buddy Mark, and um, so that you know it was just a like, crazy story, you know, mm. about somebody who was so talented and just basically, you know, demons got her and you know, yeah, basically for sure tore apart, you know. 
Um, and then Bobby Amy, Brown. <laughs> Amy, Amy's the same thing. Well, yeah. actually, it's not just. But it's not. Bo- I don't know if you've seen the documentary. No, I haven't. <laughs> she has a, like a very like troubled past. You know? Yeah. Like she. And there was mm. a there was a fictional biopic of her that came yes, out recently was. too. Yeah, but yeah, I I just had no interest. Like you know, it's. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think mm. it was like very sugar coated. Right. Like right. The documentary is very like. Actually, mm. some of the footage they have is actually kind of incredible that they, Whoa. Okay. Know, that they were able to unearth mm-hmm. and that they will actually share. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Brown wasn't really even. He didn't want to talk about her her death or anything like that or his mm. daughter's death because that's another weird thing is that mm. Bobby Christina, her daughter, died mm. almost very similar circumstances wow. as her as her mother. Dang. That's wild, mm. man. Did they ever mention the Kanye? Uh, bathroom picture cover that he used for the no. um yeah because you know the the cover i actually have the record here um for um oh why am i blanking on the guy from from clips um i i need jamie to bring it up jamie bring it up who is the member of clips okay. <laughs> uh now let's see it's um yeah it should, they, they a push of... a t so push a t had a, a record called daytona mm-hmm and the cover of it was the bathroom like it was like kind of like a crime scene photo of the bathroom of, of Whitney and Bobby when they they passed away and like the photo is like in terrible condition too mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if i can grab it right here you know we're we're recording live in my room yeah is there like budweiser's and then like yeah, parliament oh, lights yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about that that picture so i thought you meant the bathroom of the uh, the hotel that she drowned in yeah, this this is, this is a famous yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm showing this Jacob is actually, right now. Um, <laughs> the, the they cover. have a lot of people in the documentary that you know that her handlers and you know like her mm-hmm. friends and family, and they were talking about how her the kids like act, you know her kid actually went in and saw this. Like, oh you know, man, this is like a regular occurrence. Like they would. Damn, see. that's and awful. It's a just a, it's a messed Yikes. up. It's it's a sad story. It's a messed yeah. up story. But uh, you know the documentary is, is excellent. You okay. know they they don't really. They go into like you know all her you know history and stuff like that. So I would highly recommend it. And also the Amy documentary is another. Who know. made the the Whitney documentary? Um, um, I feel like it was maybe Kevin McDonald. Maybe? Oh yeah, he's he's very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was him. Yeah, and I mean, um, Amy, which is like been on my list for a while. I still haven't seen it. It's a blind spot, but I really like um, Asif Kapadia, the mm-hmm. guy who made it, because. I, I don't know if you saw his documentary Senna. Oh yeah, I have it. Yeah, oh, I love that. It's incredible, right? It's incredible, man. Yeah, it's one of those rare documentaries where they don't actually have like talking heads or anything. Right. It's all footage. Yeah. That they put together in a movie. It felt like a context. movie though. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, though, like, like the the narrative just yeah plays through. So Amy's like that too, or is it Amy, more interviews? Uh, or no, Amy does have some interviews with like mm-hmm. people. Um, so it's not like Senna. Uh, it's okay. different in that way, but it's still done very, I think, very well. Mm-hmm. You know, they go into, I mean, because I didn't really know that much about her. Yeah. You know, but it goes down, you know, like from when she was really young and then right. just kind of like when she was kind of teetering the line between, you know, alcoholism and drugs right. and all that stuff. And, you know, Blake, the how much influence that he had over her and mm. You know, and and I mean, yeah. her dad is crazy though too. Yeah, that's, I just remember, um, like I saw a, a kind of a clip from the documentary where it was just all the comedians, like, you know, making fun of her mm-hmm. and all that. And yeah, like she was definitely somebody I think I only appreciated after she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
uh, because I I just yeah I never really did a deep dive. I just like kind of wrote her off as a pop singer. But when I I listened to her, yeah, I have a couple of her records here and man, yeah, yeah, she's a very like I think I would compare her more to like kind of like almost like a smoky jazz like mm. underground yeah. kind of sound. You know exactly. That, I don't yeah. think she was really like going towards that pop way right I mean, they they wanted her to yeah but that's not where she wanted mm-hmm. to go you know she was mm-hmm. she used to listen to like old jazz records and, right. and old standards yeah, and, and like tony bennett and you know this type of stuff yeah and you definitely get that you know and yeah back to black and frank are just incredible albums you know all right okay well good stuff jacob i'm glad yeah. um you you were able to uh give us uh, an update on your recent watching it's funny you're mentioning like the whole personal journey, like rewatching certain movies of yours, I almost feel like it reminds me of in High Fidelity when like uh, John Cusack is like rearranging his records, right. and then his uh, his employee comes over and says like, Todd, yeah, yeah. "Yeah, how are you arranging your records right now? It's not alphabetical. It's not chronological." Right. And he's like, "Autobiographical." It's like no Whoa. fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> I could stay around and help you. If yeah. you, you, should, you shouldn't stack the records that way, you know, because they're gonna get warped. <laughs> Thank you, Dick. <laughs> Amazing. Um, all right. Well, yeah, Steve, what have you been watching recently? All right. Yeah, I got a couple. Um, have you heard of a movie called Survival Family? Oh, you mentioned this in a text thread recently. <laughs> yeah. So it's from a director, Shinobu Yaguchi. It came out in 2016, and a friend of mine just on a whim mm-hmm. recommended it to me a couple of days ago. Um, it's on YouTube, so it's easy to find. It's a two-hour watch, and okay. I was I set out just to kind of give it a chance. I was, you know, just trying to watch like fifteen minutes and see if it hooked me. And damn it, if I didn't end up watching the whole dang thing <laughs> in one setting, wow! Um, it got me. It's pretty good. It's about a family in Japan, and there's some some something happens where all the electricity goes out. And so it's just kind of like a case study of what what would happen living in a metropolitan area with no electricity. And 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 the movie just kind of slowly unfurls really naturally. You're kind of with this family of four and it it doesn't go too too far, but it, there's just like an underlying current of tension and dread and um and the the story just kind of unfolds and I don't know, in a really logical way, they kind of they kind of do all my favorite writing things, you know, where they kind of show you what's happening. There's not a ton of dialogue. It's not overly no, verbose. Cool. Um, yeah, and, you know, it kind of has some of those, like, I guess, triangle of sadness kind of vibes where it's like, you know, you kind of learn through through the process of like, well, what's actually important? Okay, you know, how do you get water? How do you get food? How do you stay warm? <laughs> you know, can you butcher a pig? You know, like, oh, all, like, man. All, like all these things. Um, it kind of tells that tale in a fun, not too harrowing or dreadful way. And so it was, yeah, I, awesome. I recommend it. It's like a nice, easy watch survival family. Yeah. All, all right. right. Yeah. I've never even heard of this filmmaker before. Shinobu Yaguchi. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Looks uh, fascinating, Steve. And uh, yeah, I, I you know I, I love survival narratives, so mm. you know for sure I'll I'll check it out. Yeah. Well, it's an easy watch. Yeah, which yeah. Is nice. yeah. You you've basically given me a an alley oop for mine because uh, my I'm staying with Japanese cinema and oh, yeah. uh, contemporary Japanese cinema. So this is kind of a 
I guess a remnant of of spooky season. Like I, you know, after we did our spooky season episode, I still continued to watch spooky movies. <laughs> Good. Um, because yeah. uh, I don't know, even November feels like you can still, you know, yeah. there, there's some some leak and um, uh, I it's a movie that I've been meaning to watch. Uh, it's by a filmmaker you're familiar with, Steve, uh, because you had recommended way back when on our first ever episode, uh, Wife of a Spy by oh, yeah. Kiyoshi Kurosawa and um I'm I'm intrigued to to see Wife of a Spy uh I have it on on deck uh, cuz up until this point the only Kurosawa film I had seen uh was uh this movie called Seventh Code and I think I mentioned that in the first episode but just to recap the reason why I watched that movie was it's only an hour long but it's incredible it's one of those movies where it's Best. basically like um you think it's going one way and then, you know, it, it makes a sudden turn, which, uh, you know, I love those types of narratives and oh, yeah. especially if it's pulled off. And the reason why I, I thought it was appropriate to also bring up Cure now, because I, I actually think he, he has a lot in common with, with Fincher, you know, um, uh, Cure is also like about a serial killer, but it's, it's a fascinating take on the serial killer narrative because it's not necessarily about like one killer, you know. Um, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, uh, but mm-hmm. basically, yeah, that, that's part of the beauty is how you find out how these murders are happening. But it, the basic premise is like there's these murders that are happening uh, in Tokyo, but it's like committed by different people, and they're trying to figure out what the connection is between all these murders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's it's a, a great cast. Uh, Koji uh, Yakusho, I think is his name. He's he's been around forever, um, but yeah, he he's brilliant as the lead detective who's like um, uh, investigating the crime. But yeah, the reason why I would compare him to Fincher is because not only because of the the serial killer angle, but also there's just uh, even though I wouldn't say like. Uh, this movie is like a favorite or it's deserving of Carlos Cannon. It's like, um, I just have the respect for the craft, you know, mm. which is the same with Fincher too. It's like, regardless of whether I really enjoy a Fincher film or it's just like another one of his films, like, you know, that, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. The whole like odd, even Fincher theory. Um, but yeah. The, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. But like, um, yeah, the, I, I know, like, I, I get my money's worth with Fincher for the most part. And it's the same with Kurosawa. It's like, there's just, there's a confidence in his filmmaking style. I mean, Cure was his film that basically he broke through um, internationally. But he'd been making films for a long time. And, of course, I had to research because of his famous last name if he was related. He's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's not related to Akira. Uh, but he actually started making movies in the 70s. And he only bre- broke through in the 90s. And now, you know, he's, like, internationally regarded. Um, yeah, I mean, every movie he makes is, like, an event. Uh, I, and, you know, he's he's been collaborating with uh, Reisuke Hamaguchi, which I think it, that's his protege. So, yeah, Hamaguchi wrote the script for Wife of the Spy. Mm. And I think Kurosawa's got another film coming up. Um, but, yeah, I know he has a short that came out last year called Actually... And yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about that too. So cool. yeah, yeah, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, man, he's uh, he's the real deal. 
for sure well, i can't wait to see cure it, it mm -hmm. seems like it came out just like only a couple of years after seven and it kind of has it seems like it's giving me a little bit of that same vibe oh so yeah cool yeah for sure um but yeah he, he brings his own um approach to it like uh there's just a formality to his style that i really appreciate like the the way he frames things the way the camera moves it's like it's very exacting you know and um mm. it's very different from fincher like fincher like well, we'll get into it, but <laughs> I have to keep holding off until we we get to the, to the Fincher movie. But um, but yeah, you, you just have so much knowledge to drop on us. Yeah, it's like spilling well, out. Well, no, I cool. mean, Jacob is a bigger Fincher fan than I am, so I'm curious what he has to say. Yeah, totally. Um, cool. but yeah, Cure was was brilliant. Um, and yeah, actually, this one it's kind of more of a conversation starter for us. That I want to say, it's not really a movie. But I'm curious of, of your thoughts. Um, so I, I sent this to you, Steve, and um, I, I loved your reaction to it. So, um, uh, like, Mike Flanagan was kind of uh, dragged across hot coals for his posting his top 20 movies of all time uh, on Letterboxd. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what was your reaction, Steve? <laughs> I think my reaction was something like, Hey, I like those movies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's my list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's ask Jacob, our guest. Um, so, wh what's your opinion on Mike Flanagan? I don't even know who's Mike Flanagan. You don't know who Flanagan? <laughs> well, I might know who he is. Nice. But I, okay. I well, uh, he's he's well known for his Netflix shows. Like he's been remaking a lot of horror classics. Like um, his most recent Netflix show was Fall of the House of Usher. He did. So I heard about that show. I just yeah. haven't. Haunting I'm, of Hill House. It's really hard for me to get into shows because I'm like, right. My time is limited, so I'm like yeah. focused on movies. But <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. I do want to watch that. I've heard yeah, that. yeah. So in our, so our does he have a deal with Netflix? Is that yeah, why he's doing yeah? But all now shows? I think he's moving on to Amazon. Like he has a better deal with Amazon Ooh, now. Amazon money. Versus yeah, Netflix yeah. Money. So we kind of talked about him in our spooky season episode last last. I haven't episode. gotten to that episode. Yeah, yet, yeah. Because he did a sequel to The Shining called Doctor Sleep. Okay, Which I did you, see that. In the oh, you did. So that's okay. Mike Flanagan. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So you did, but you forgot that he directed it. So that's how unmemorable. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I guess yeah. if I don't know, like, uh, if I go and see a movie, because I I saw that movie more so because I wanted to see what they did with the sequel to The Shining. Mm -hmm. um, that was like where my right. interest was. Yeah, it wasn't like who was doing it or whatnot. It, yeah, it's totally different than from like mm -hmm. a Pincher or. You know, whatever. Like, I'll go see his movie because it's Fincher, right? Versus, uh, you know, I I don't really follow um, planning it, but yeah, that, but yeah. I, that's the thing that I think is very telling, though, is like, don't you feel if you had it had struck you enough, you'd be like, oh, sh holy shit, I gotta watch more of this guy's stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it would, but <laughs> yeah. um, not. I mean, I guess. I liked. I actually liked Doctor Sleep. Mm -hmm. I liked some things that they did. I I liked that they didn't. Uh, do some like stupid CGI refacing things. I like mm -hmm. that they recast right. like the Jack Nicholson character and, and the ball. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I really like that they did that and yeah. I thought they did a good job with that. Um, because it's a Stephen King property, you know, and the, the big joke is like he has a his movies, you know, have good starts and, and middles but <laughs> bad endings, right? Like right. he doesn't know how to like end a mm -hmm. end, end a movie. So I don't know if it, it felt a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit forced or uh, yeah. whatnot, but I, I think that, you know, it was made well um, mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I guess I apologize for not seeing his other <laughs> No, no, you that. don't have to but, apologize uh, at all. But what what was in his top, okay, his yeah, top yeah, 10 yeah. of all time? Top 20. So I'm, 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 I'm going to list it. Yeah, of all time. All okay. right. So I'm going to list it for you, okay? Right. And it's in, um, it's in 
alphabetical order. Okay. Okay, so he starts off with 13 Assassins, uh, Takashi Miike, okay. um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, <laughs> Okay. The Abyss, Okay. Um, Aguirre The Wrath of God, Airplane, Zaz, by the, uh, Alien, Aliens, All That Jazz, All the President's Men, Almost Famous, Amadeus, American Movie, which you were a guest on for yeah. on this show that we discussed. Oh, yeah. Apocalypse Now, Army of Darkness, Arrival, the uh, Denis Villeneuve, not the David Tui. <laughs> Charlie <laughs> you, Sheen one? You know what I'm talking about, Yes, Jacob. yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Atonement, uh, Babe, Back to the Future, Back to the Future Part 2, but not 3, uh, Badlands, um, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Beetlejuice, Before Midnight, Before Sunrise, before sunset. That's weird that he ordered it in that way. Is that? Oh yeah, that it's is alphabetical. alphabetical yeah. yeah, it's still alphabetical. Okay, so it's not. Big fish, black coat's daughter, blackfish, Blade Runner. Shit, is this more than twenty? Hold on. <laughs> Blair Witch Project. Um, blow up. This Bonnie this is and Clyde. looking like a, a like a lar- like a larger list. Oh yeah. shit. Okay, so not now the discussion. I poisoned the well. <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah, the, yeah. the list doesn't sound too bad. It's yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. they have a bunch uh, no. of movies that a lot of people have on their list. Yeah, yeah. He changed it because... Um, because uh, he got shit for it? I think he, ch- I think he did change yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because he got shit for uh, it. I hate when people do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, Don't yeah. apologize for what you like. Right. You like what you like. Exactly. Don't so, be apologetic. Yeah, so I was, I was telling Steve, I was like, context is everything. Because, I, I, you know, I'm people are wondering, it's like, why is he getting dragged for this? Like, these movies are perfectly fine. Which is true, but it's just because of, like, I guess, um, how he presents himself as this kind of, like, artful director. And then his choices are so basic. But, you know, like, that's the thing. Most filmmakers aren't cinephiles. Like, you know, there's a lot. What does that even mean that they're basic? Like, the... A lot of those movies are classic and like right. great movies. Like, yeah. Well, if that means you're basic, then I'm a basic <laughs> bitch. No, yeah. no but yeah, yeah, see that that was the expanded list I was re- reading from. It was even more basic than that. Like, it was just like basically, it was it was it wasn't even like AFI 100 type of thing. Like, it was just like even ba- more basic than that. Like, there were no deep cuts at all. Like, <laughs> I, I, I I don't know. I I, I think. Unfortunately, you know, if you're looking at society, you're going to have some people here, mm-hmm. some people here, and most of the people are in the middle. Right. So I, I just I, – I think that – I don't know why we do this. Like we shame people for like not knowing uh, deeper cuts <laughs> or, hey, you never heard of this band? Well, I, I went and saw them in 1982, and they only yeah. played one show, right. and you weren't there. So, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean – It's just like <laughs> get, get over Dude. yourself. You're like – I feel I feel like that's what we're trying to hone in on on the pod even yeah. is like it's like we can we can have the movies and the bands that you know that we score cool points with and we're also going to celebrate the, the mainstream like hey I like Blink I like Aliens yeah. you know and, and and then we'll also celebrate Hiroshima and like the, you know the otter you know uh, James Benning you yeah know? so it's like you want you want you want to have the whole thing yeah absolutely yeah. and you know I, I think we've, we've discussed this before about like my journey from like going from snob to like you know, be, <laughs> appreciating all movies and then becoming a snob and then like going back to appreciating all movies again you yeah. know so it, it was like mm-hmm. a cyclical thing um, but yeah like I I I understand it basically from the perspective of like, yeah, that we can't really expect like filmmakers to be 
all Tarantino or Scorsese who like know all their movies and know all these like deep cuts. Like there's just a lot of filmmakers that are not cinephiles at all. I mean, you know, like whenever they ask David Lynch what his favorite movies are, he just like says La Dolce Vita and like um, Rear Window. <laughs> it's like Vertigo. Yeah. It's like those are his favorite movies. You know, he's like he, he, he doesn't really go beyond that. Um, but you know, he's a very original filmmaker, but yeah, I really think it's really more to do like people just have it out for Mike Flanagan and they just want to roast him whenever they can, any opportunity that they can. I think our our society just become like this thing of you can't like, nobody can be happy. Mm. It's like, if I'm not happy, then you can't be happy. (laughs) So I'm not happy with my life. So I'm going to rip your life and your choices. And it's like. It's not hurting anybody or whatever. Just enjoy your life. Yeah. You know? Hey, it's like, I don't want anyone to stand out but me. Yes. You know, it's like, nobody stand out, please. It's like, it, because it's like, as, as soon as someone, like, jumps ahead or or, th- or creates something, it's like, everyone, like, rushes to, like, first celebrate them and then tear them down. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's why my, my response to you, Steve, when you said, hey, I like all these movies, was like, context is everything, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's really it. Um, so who, who, who are the these truth. people that tore him down? He, so he posted it uh, there? On, well, no, I think Letterboxd, like, reposted it on Twitter. Okay. And then, yeah, like, people started, quote, tweeting it. And it was, like, the usual, yeah, f- like... Film Twitter. Film Twitter yeah. people, you know. Um, film Twitter reminds me, yeah. though, of, like, uh, like, YouTube. Like, the YouTube comments. Like, yeah. It's this whole other culture, and it's mm-hmm. easy to, you know, when you're an anonymous person to criticize people and, right. and stuff like that. But I'll bet you most of those people have done nothing with their lives, <laughs> haven't created anything or even right. attempted to create something. And right. at least he did. At least he yeah. you know, he went and made a movie, tried to make a movie. And so right. yeah, all oh, those yeah. people could shove it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then the, that, that phrase, like, termini- terminally online. You know, um, yeah, that 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 strikes me as a lot of these film Twitter people, and a lot of these accounts are like gimmick accounts too. It's yeah. like they they ha- they attach themselves to some sort of identity, yeah. like through a filmmaker or something. That's why I don't want to name any of them directly. I'm right. just like, you know, because they don't oh deserve any of those <laughs> any kind of notice. I feel because <laughs> well, it's funny. Like there is one that I do want to shout out. Okay, I, they don't do any of the like shitting on people mm-hmm. thing or at least not that i see i think it's someone called are you familiar with amir han the real amir han oh he dude <laughs> he starts all the, all these long threads you like that where it's like you know drop favorite photo uh of whatever and then he'll i'll start and then he ends up with these huge epic threads it's like one of the great movie uh on or at least twitter gimmicks ever uh-huh yeah, it's all for engagement. He's basically just a thread starter. Right. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> um, well, I got some news for you, Steve. Um, Movie oh. Food Pod, the Twitter account, has Emir Han muted. <laughs> so you will oh, never okay, see good. any of his posts okay. on okay, our feed. got it. On our mutual feed because he is muted. That's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We're definitely split on this, Steve. I'm on the opposite end. I'm just like, this guy okay. is farming engagement. There's no insight. Yeah. There's nothing to be gained from these posts. So I had to mute it. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just come out and say I muted okay. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't yeah, mute okay. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I think it, it's just like the perfect level of like brain 
Mm. Just, just zone zone out time. It's like light content that I'm I'm looking for when I go on sure. there. I'm, I'm yeah. just like I'm just gonna like flip through <laughs> this thread and see some scenes, and this is gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, I guess we're split. Wow. Yeah, amazing for sure. Yeah, opposite ends on that one. But that's good though. <laughs> it, it, we should have, uh, and that's what's a great thing about you guys' show is that you guys have, you guys are real. You know, like you guys you give your opinions, and you know. Um, if you like mm-hmm. something, you like something, you don't, you know, say, ah, it didn't really hit for me, but it's real. Yeah. You know, you're not trying to be fake or anything like yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep it 100 here on uh, movie food. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> the, I just wanted to bring that up. Um, uh, awesome. yeah, the Mike Flanagan list, but yeah, it's funny that he kind of, from the backlash, he expanded I see the, the original list, list though. You yeah, said 20, yeah, right? yeah. It was only 20. And then I got to search this one out. of the, the roasting, um, tweets though that i remembered the most was that he had reviewed possession the andre uh mm. zuwalski movie and said that it was his favorite movie of all time and then the guy was like well why isn't it in your top 20 then <laughs> it was your favorite movie <laughs> which is like fair you know it's like why because <laughs> yeah um but yeah like i would love to find that that original 20 list again um oh i think i found it okay, oh, okay. so it still exists yeah. or, or at least i found the link the post it has oh to exist. okay it's right here yeah, the internet so is an we'll ink yeah. not in pencil anymore <laughs> yeah okay cool all right okay um well yeah yeah when i started listening i was like yeah this is going beyond 20 now <laughs> and i think he only picked one of the before movies he didn't do the trilogy so um i think i'm bef- interested in which one he picked i think it was before sunset which is my favorite it's too. my favorite yeah, yeah that so. seems to be everybody's favorite yeah yeah Oh yeah. Um, so in this post, it's it's got things like everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> yes. Old boy, Fight Club, Seven, oh, okay. Shawshank, <laughs> Rudy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like it's like he he's not wrong. Yeah. Well, Jacob, since you haven't listened to or or completely to the last episode yet, I think you're gonna enjoy Steve's story about Mike Flanagan. Okay. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a very good story in the previous episode. Uh, so Steve, do you have any other, um, uh, appetizers? Yeah, yeah, I guess just like wrapping up the, um, you know, our, our spooky season, Mm -hmm. I came across a couple of horror fan films on YouTube. I don't know how often you like check out fan made, (laughs) uh, I think you sent me the the Friday the 13th one. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So the first one that I saw was um, this. It's a newer one. It's called Dylan's New Nightmare. Apparently, it's like a Nightmare on Elm Street fan made a new, a new new nightmare. Okay, that's based on the kid from Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I think he's now grown up, and so they got him to star in his his own new nightmare. And it's it's on YouTube. It's called Dylan's New Nightmare. And it's a little, it's, it's very amateur. It's very <laughs> fan. It's, it's kind of what you would expect mm-hmm. when you hear fan film. Yeah. So it's the actor though, the actor that was in the new nightmare. I think it's the, the, the little boy from, from new nightmare. I think it's wow. him grown up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he, he's in it. So it's like, it's really only if you're like a super horror, uh, Freddy fan, then it, it then it, you know, you might get something out of it, but it, Watching it, it reminded me of this amazing fan film that someone made for Friday the 13th called Never Hike Alone. Mm. 
So never hike alone is also on YouTube. And again, it's like the the same situation. I want to give a shout out to the guy who made it. His name is, uh, Vicente DeSanti. Mm. And I guess he collaborated with some of the, uh, of the Friday writers from the past. And he did an amazing, I think a little less than an hour. It's on YouTube, but it's fantastic. It's it. It's called never hike alone. Never hike alone. Okay. And, and it's essentially a hiker, kind of like a YouTuber. He's going for a hike. He's filming it, and he stumbles into the Camp Crystal Lake area. Oh, but but just the way it's shot, the way it pays homage to like the first couple Fridays. If you want to fully enjoy it, you probably need to see at least Friday one and maybe Friday six because there's a reference to Friday <laughs> six in it. But but really you could just watch it on its own and and it's scary it's like spooky it's you know it just captures the vibe of what's it like to hide from a huge killer who's who's like stalking you and like <laughs> so jason is in the movie jason's in oh, it. Yeah, absolutely cool all right uh just a funny like alone. piece of tr- uh, trivia about the kid from west craven's new nightmare and the uh, uh dylan's new nightmare <laughs> uh he's yeah. named uh miko hughes and he was the little kid in in uh, kindergarten cop who's who says like um, boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. <laughs> oh, that yeah. kid? Yeah, it's that kid. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's also he was also in like Pet Cemetery. Right. Like he's a famous like horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was adorable. I just yeah. rewatched Pet Cemetery just recently. Too. Oh, nice. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So check him out. <laughs> Not in, uh, the kid, that, the little kid, uh, Gage, right? Was that kid? Um, yeah, yeah, J- Gage Creed. Yeah, not fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, at least he, he's kind of still doing something now. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll bet of... you that that movie though is better than. I don't know if you guys saw it, but the re remake of uh, uh, Nightmare Sunday. Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh yeah, with, with the... Jackie Earl Haley. Oh, my yeah, God. I just yeah. heard bad things about that. It is one of the worst freaking movies ever. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, the the the, the makeup or the face or whatever mm-hmm. is is so bad. Oh yeah, it's like comically <laughs> bad. Damn, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable how bad it is. Damn, and yeah. I, I'm sure that movie cost millions of dollars too. Right, yeah. N- oh, yeah. New line, you know, just sinking all that money into <laughs> it because it's one of their most profitable mm-hmm. franchises. And actually, I didn't think that he was a bad choice. You know, not that anybody could be Robert England, but right. I didn't think he was a bad choice, but mm. they that movie is yeah. so trash. Because, yeah, he was really creepy in um, Little Children. Oh, yeah. And then um, he was pretty good as uh, Rorschach yeah. in yeah. Watchmen, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. too bad. They didn't know how to use his talents. Um, all right, so uh, what, what's the title again of the fr- Friday the 13th fan film, Steve? It's called Never Hike Alone. Alone. Never Hike Alone. Okay. Um, okay, I got two more things, and I think we we can move on to the uh, to our double feature. Cool. Uh, so first, I'll start with um, uh, just one leftover from the spooky season episode. It's time for movie food leftovers. <laughs> All right, so um, uh, it's relating to one movie that we really enjoyed, and um, yeah, I'm curious, Jacob, uh, have you seen In the Mouth of Madness? The John Carpenter film? That is one of John Carpenter's few films I haven't seen. Oh, my God, dude. It's great. I almost w- yeah. did watch it, though, recently because I think it was on 
one of the streamers. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like on Max or something like that. Um, but yeah, highly recommend. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, it was one of those few movies, Jacob, that actually like scared me. Like, yeah, I mean, like there were definitely some frisson scenes. Uh, but I, I just wanted to mention a leftover. You know, the kid on the bike. Uh, you remember the kid on the bike, Steve? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Hayden Christensen. That's oh no way, Anakin himself. Yeah, that's him. Like as a young kid. <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah, so it wasn't George Lucas who discovered him. Uh, John Carpenter was there first. Um, but uh, the other funny wow, thing I want to cool. mention is I found this out through. Um, uh, I don't know if you follow them as well, Jacob. Uh, Men on film pod uh no, I, yeah you know what, I, to be honest i don't even know who i follow on because <laughs> i'm hardly ever on yeah. right no nah, that's fair <laughs> i i did um, a big purge and, and got rid of like yeah of I, I forgot how we ended up following them but they're they're a mutual of ours and it's weird it's like this weird kind of um psychic thing where they seem to be watching what i've been watching like whenever they post like whatever they're watching i'm like shit i just watched that you know and yeah. they they frequent the new bev all the time so maybe we we should like do a collab with men on film and get oh, them sweet. on the show because yeah they're they're based in LA and um Oh cool. So it's two guys based in LA. Yeah, yeah, but I think it it's kind of like me and Steve where you know one of us is a little more active on the our uh, sure. <laughs> our uh, pod account. Right. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> um yeah, so yeah, whenever they they post a movie I'm like shit, I just watched that or like that's on my list of of stuff to watch. So yeah, he, uh, they highlighted um, Hayden Christensen in uh, in the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness oh, is a Sam Neill, right? Yeah, right? Okay. yeah, ninety four. Was this before mm-hmm. Jurassic Park? Right. It was or after. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant and great cast too. Um, uh, yeah, and just yeah, surprisingly good. It's definitely. I don't know. I, I'm. I want to say some people love Ghosts of Mars. Did you see that Carpenter yeah, movie? I haven't seen yeah, that. I've heard yeah, terrible yeah, exactly. And then we we watched Vampires. Vampires yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was that good. But this is like, yeah, it's it's prime Carpenter for me. Like I really think it, it's not what the thing, but it's you know, it's it's probably that second tier. I would say, uh, yeah, really good. Carpenter. I mean, he has quite a you know, he has a, a bunch of films like you know that are pretty classic. You know, yeah. I mean, Big Trouble in China, sold in preseason. I mean, he's got just so many. Yeah, but it was like yeah. I feel in the '90s. That's when they people were th- saying that that was his decline, and you know, yeah. his classic response that Q and A. You know, when he's asked like, "What happened with Escape from L.A.?" and he's like, "Oh fuck you!" <laughs> I saw yeah. that in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> How was it? It was not good. Okay, <laughs> I still want to watch it. Like Snake Plissken surfing. Come on. <laughs> they, yeah, it's 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 pretty i mean it's pretty bad but mm. i mean again y- you got a guy like carpenter i mean he's not gonna you know hit home runs all the time you know? right like uh you know, yeah like i said before you know even the greatest baseball players fell 60 percent of the time so sure yeah there you go yeah batting 300 is not bad at all right um all right so my very last thing uh for appetizers isn't actually a movie but i feel it has mm cinematic qualities <laughs> like that's worthy oh. of being highlighted i sent this to you steve i don't know if you've seen this jacob it was a viral video of this guy road raging in uh portland because uh there was a, a rose parade 
that was going on. And this is still part of Steve's hashtag summer of anger because this happened over the summer, even though the the clip only like was highlighted in the past month or so. Um, But yeah, this dude, he like, I think his name is Sidney Meacham. Um, So he's trying to like meet up with his mother and I guess they're trying to get to the Moda Center or the Rose Garden that's there. Um, The Moda Center is where Portland Trailblazers play. And, um, and the, you know, the, the transport authority has closed all the exits on the freeway and he just gets like so pissed off because like, I guess his mom calls him up and this was all cat caught on dash cam. And he has the, one of those dash cams that basically films inside this car. It films the front of the car and then it films the back of the car too. So yeah, you get the beautiful. full coverage and then, you know, it's almost like his rage escalates because his mom is frustrated as well so he starts getting frustrated and then he starts cursing at the transport people that have closed the roads and stuff as if like you know that it's their fault that the roads are closed and then he's just like fuck it like so he goes around the cones into the parade route and you know fortunately there weren't any like um you know people really like in the way that he had hit and then like um was this like uh, there wasn't any floats going on where in the path that he he went through but the craziest thing this is why like it has like cinematic value aside from like the the range of emotions he goes through it's like an arc it's also like he plays this song which is a horrible song out of context it's like um uh, i forgot the name of the the singer uh alabama yellow or something like that but it's just an awful song but like in the context of the clip it's brilliant like it's almost like he knew like he turns up the volume on his music when he starts raging and then you know the the cops obviously start trying to stop him like the there's a cop who starts following him and then that's when he kind of calms down a little bit but he says like oh yeah yeah i I made a mistake like i'm you know uh, i'm trying to get out you know he no he didn't say i made a mistake because he is like this typical like entitled american who is just like you know every oh, yeah. yeah everything is everybody else's fault i'm better than everybody else like <laughs> that was his attitude and he's probably driving a truck you can't really see what kind of car he's driving but it looks like a truck and yeah. um and yeah like and it's just crazy like the stuff that came out after that so yeah the the cops like chased him for a bit and then when he was finally like in a residential area he finally pulled over but it's so stupid because like that video is basically like incriminating evidence. So when they arrested <laughs> him, like they had the evidence of what he did. So what what, what is the point of the all the camera inside the vehicle? Like yeah, is that yeah. for the insurance company or how does um, that work? Yeah, some people just buy cameras. I used to have a dash cam like that too, but that was because I was driving for Lyft and Uber. But and that pointed was, at you. Yeah, yeah. So okay. you have something um because it's for my protection because you know it's like right, people right, right. like report like false shit all the time like right, right. i've been reported for like speeding and then i i would tell like lift hey i have the dash cam video yeah so if you want it i can show it to you and then they just they didn't even accept it they were just like oh yeah just keep in mind you know like your speed and blah 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 and i'm like yeah these people are just trying to get a free ride so yeah i i, I realized the importance of having the dash cam inside so but for him I don't know why he had it. Maybe it was just like, okay, it's just the package that he got for the dash cam. But the craziest thing is to find out about this guy. He's not just like some ordinary dude who like got pissed off. This dude had a suspended license. He shouldn't have even been driving at that time. And then Damn. he's also like um uh, a sex offender. 
<laughs> like, so what this, type of sex offender? Well, is there like any like uh, his kids? Is he? Yeah, yeah, he it's rape kids. A woman yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it, yeah, yeah. Like he. I, I mean, because I think you can uh, even if you like. I don't know. Take a piss somewhere. Don't right. you have to be like classified as like? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know, because you expose defender. yourself, yeah, expose or like, yourself. um, yeah. There was that. That was a really sad story. The autistic teen who like sent a porn clip to a girl he liked mm-hmm. because he had no idea, and then yeah, he's now a sex offender because yeah. he sent porn to a girl. Um, but yeah, like uh, with him, I think he had sex with a minor. Yeah, that was uh, his offense. So it was uh, her fault. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what he would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what he would say because he, she yeah, shouldn't he, look so good. Yeah, it's it's not it's never his own fault. Right. You know, it's like oh, it, it's yeah, it's the city's fault that they closed this route for this parade that's preventing Ultimate, me. Uh, was it uh, um, narcissism? Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, but the the clip is just incredible, and just to find out the context later on of like who this guy is and like that he shouldn't have even been driving. On a suspended list. I mean, this dude needs to be like. I mean, it's 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 um it's good that nobody got harmed. I was going to say he, could, he didn't hit nobody. No, though. he didn't hit anybody. But yeah, it was yeah. it was um. But that could have happened, you know. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah. So um. Yeah, because you know he was just seething with rage. <laughs> he really. So what, was, what kind of parade was this that was going on? It, it was a it was a rose parade. A rose parade. Yeah, yeah. In Portland. Area. In Portland, and it's something that they do every year in the summer. So he knew that that was going to happen. If he's a local. You know when they close the routes, you know, like we know how it is in L.A., you know, when they close the routes for, for certain things. Like you avoid Hollywood when they do the Halloween parade. You don't go yeah. there. You know, it's like crazy. Um, he probably just got turned down by some underage girl. And he was maybe, yeah, off. yeah. So, <laughs> but, yeah, the the clip is cinematic. Like I think there's really value. I need a – you need to send me the – Yeah, I'll send it like, to you, dude. It's yeah. it's incredible. Like, I mean, I, uh, I would even like hint that this might be in my uh, – in my top of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good, good. I like this that. might be like when we do our year in review. I think this this might be up there. <laughs> uh, hey, it's not John Wick level driving. Obviously, no. it's like it's entertaining. Oh for yeah, sure. for sure. All right, so I guess that wraps up appetizers. It's time for the main course. Fuck, man, I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, Carlo. I'm excited for this one. Hell yeah. yeah. I don't know if, if yeah, I don't know if, if yeah, if Jacob has heard the new Yeah, I did. I uh, actually main course I, intro. I heard that uh, recently on the on I think it was the Signs episode that you oh, premiered yeah. it. Wherever you premiered it, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I heard it. Mm, nice. Yeah. And I agree, it's the better version. I don't think we had it's one before, but it's the best version for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I think it's you're good. using a, a best for last uh, Vanessa Williams. Vanessa oh, Williams. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. Oh, it's wow. It's quite a departure. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it's kind of oppo boppo. Yeah, it's good <laughs> For though. sure. I like it. It, it. It's definitely, it's growing on me. Yeah. Awesome, man. But yeah, we're here. The main course, double feature. Mm. And um, I would even say it's like my birthday double feature because, uh, yeah, one of them came out on my birthday and then the other one came out a week after. So it was like a special treat for me, you know? Um, so we're here to talk about Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, and The Killer by David Fincher. And um, both have killer in the title. It's a killer episode. Yeah, for sure. And we're only missing one because there was another movie with killer in the title that came out in October, which was um, uh, 
totally killer on Amazon Prime, which some people actually liked. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, it's 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 a kind of Back to the Future meets you know the '80s slasher movies okay. kind of thing. So um, yeah, I'm I'm curious about it. Like uh, it looks like it has a charismatic lead. Uh, it seems like cool. yeah, it might be fun. But yeah, I, I wasn't able to watch it in time for this episode. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess we should tackle um, Killers of the Flower Moon first. Okay. It's probably mm. one of the big event movies of the year. Um, not sure. just in terms of its subject matter, but also because of an old master uh, that everybody's anticipating his ne- his next film. And then it's got um, giants of acting. I think it's the first time he's worked with both of his muses in one movie. With uh, Robert De Niro in the Leo, um, oh right, yeah, and it's 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 big. It's three and a half hours long. Well, three hours and twenty six, if you want to be exact. Um, and uh, yeah, I it was a big deal for me. It was my birthday the day I saw it, and um, it was also my first time being in this theater. I don't know, Jacob, have you ever been to uh, Man's Chinese? Yes, theater, the IMAX theater. Oh man, it's just. It's like a hallowed theater because of all the premieres that are, mm-hmm. are there. I mean, you know, it's like a grand entrance with the awning. And right. You got all the, the handprints and the footprints and the cement outside. And it was incredible. I, I caught the Friday, um, like, 3.30 screening. I was originally supposed to watch it at night at 8. But then um, uh, they had pulled that screening for some reason. And I found out later on that they put it back with a Q&A with Martin Scorsese. So I just missed Martin Scorsese on my birthday. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> so he was there? Yeah, he was yeah. there. He was in town. He was doing the rounds. And he even, like, surprised the AMC Century City crowd at a random screening of Killers of the Flower Moon and, and did a Q&A there, too. You know? So, uh, yeah, he did, was... Have you ever got to see him, like, uh, do, a, like, an introduction or, like, a Q&A? Oh, man. Like, I... when you were in the East Coast? Yeah, because there should have been times in New York, but I don't remember at all. Maybe not. Yeah, because um, I'm trying to think of, like, all the Scorsese movies. Obviously, there's only been, like, four in the past decade or so. Um, and Wolf of Wall Street I saw here. Like, I okay. saw it actually at R.I.P., the Arclight in Pasadena. Um, so I saw that on Christmas Day. Yeah, I I'm usually there like for opening day for Scorsese movies. Silence I saw in New York, but I I only saw it at an AMC, so he wasn't gonna show up at the and it was like a random afternoon mm-hmm. matinee screening. And then um, uh, what was after Silence? Irishman. Irishman. Irishman I mentioned yeah. I I saw it at the Lemley in Claremont. So yeah, I, like there wasn't really an opportunity wow. to to see him because yeah, he's up there in age man I mean, yeah we dude we don't know how and much it's longer just, he's gonna be around he's a great talker i mean yeah. like even when he's great like, storyteller yeah right did you see the the netflix um show he did with um fran Lebowitz, pretend it's a city uh i feel like i did yeah it's it's brilliant it's one of my I favorite like i did like netflix things <laughs> um and it's 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 like worth rewatching too, um, yeah. but yeah, it's it's basically a continuation of his um, his documentary um, public speaking with right. with Fran Lebowitz and um, uh, and yeah, like they a lot of the film is just their speaking engagements, and I was like, damn, I should have like gone to see those at least, or like um, you know when Abbas Kirstami died, him and uh, Jim Jarmusch like did a tribute to him, and <laughs> I love Jim Jarmusch like 
doing an imitation of him and Scorsese talking because he's like Scorsese's talking at the space of like blah blah blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah and then Jim Jarmus is like so what can you tell me about <laughs> that contrast of the, right. the speed and talking is just hilarious and you know two New York filmmaking icons you know right um yeah so Jacob I don't know if we've really gotten into it but where does Scorsese hold this place in your filmmaking life I I mean <laughs> he's a big part of, of, of that life. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a lot of his movies. Um, I think, you know, he's definitely one of the greatest living filmmakers. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy is just a giant, you know, and, and I think even more importantly is that, you know, you were talking earlier about, you know, some of these people that make film that aren't like cinephiles, like he is a true cinephile. Like, right. you know, he's, he's so vested in the preservation of film and, the importance of film and you know um i think it's sad that he you know he for me he he's done so much for film he should have a an open checkbook and like he should be able to make whatever he wants whatever passion project and the studio should back him but you know he these last two films he's had to like kind of go outside the studio system yeah um, because you know maybe you know his movies weren't bringing in the money that um that they expect you know you know the whole i guess era of like marvel superhero star wars you know all this stuff you know but uh it's gonna be you know a sad day when when he passes which you know will happen eventually but um you know the legacy he's he's left behind i mean one of my favorite films of his is raging bull casino like i watch these movies on the regular and i don't ever get tired of them like they're still funny they still hit me they still they're just great and it's mainly because of him and, and the passion that he has in, in, in these films. And, you know, I hope, you know, my kids, you know, some, they, these are their favorites too. And also oh, you haven't so- shown them any Scorsese yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm building up to it. I'm yeah. building up to it. I think I, you know, I probably do like a good fellas or, you know, like something like that. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, some of it I think is maybe a little bit more mature themes right. and stuff like that. But uh, um not that you know i'm a i am I care about that like i, I <laughs> but, figure you know they'll figure it out but. yeah i almost feel like it's ironic though before he had made hugo which is obviously a kid's film um uh that his like most accessible film for kids which was the only thing i could rent when i was a kid from the video store was king of comedy and it's a very adult movie it's just right. like you just don't get it as a kid you're like what's going on here well, what about last temptation of christ <laughs> That's no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard r movie well earned r yeah uh yeah for sure um yeah isn't the foe like even naked on the cross like he's completely naked yeah, right think, yeah wow so. yeah maybe you know yeah. uh, kundun might be a, like a yeah kind of a like a uh, maybe yeah. not too hard, you know. Yeah, maybe. and then uh, Age of Innocence is also a PG movie. Yeah, yeah. so he's made some PG films, yeah. but it's like um but yeah, it it's it still feels like they're they're made for adults even though they're yeah, right. they're, yeah. they're G or mm-hmm. PG. And then yeah, the irony is like, you know, as a teenager you just want to watch those Scorsese films that are fast and violent, right. <laughs> like, you know. Uh but then that that's the beauty of it. It's like that's like your your gateway into his films are like films like Goodfellas or Raging Bull. And then you start to find like the depth of it. Like, you know, I mean, one of my Bibles is Scorsese on Scorsese. Like it's an incredible book. 
because uh, it's just basically compiled from interviews right. of him and reading like what was going on with him during the making of Raging Bull or like leading up to the making of Raging Bull like that low point in his life like you know his his marriage to Isabella Rossellini Rossellini falling apart right. and then like um uh his addiction to cocaine you know all of those things like it, he he felt like he was making his last movie and he, and you get it from that film and then right. Paul Schrader also has his own like demons he's right. dealing with in that movie as well. Um, uh, but yeah, like uh, Scorsese definitely, um, yeah, he he's one of the filmmakers I think I've carried through my stages of of cinephilia. You yeah. know, like from like entry level all the way to now. You know, he's still like somebody I value. Um, even though I guess like my my rankings of his films have changed over time. You know, right. like. Um, uh, I now I want to say too, like with these recent films, it it feels like yeah he's definitely entered this phase of like um, he slowed down quite a bit. Aside from uh, Wolf of Wall Street, which is I think his final kind of uh, I guess farewell to his uh, drug era, <laughs> you know, like that, because all the other films haven't been the same. Like it, like he the, and it's noticeable even with this. Like uh, he he's definitely slowed down quite a bit. Like there's less, like kind of showy things going on. Like you don't get the whip pans or even like um, uh, the um, the kind of jagged editing that um, Thelma Sh- Schoonmaker is like known for. Um, and yeah, like it it feels like I with the last four films, I feel like I had to like go back and watch them again to really fully appreciate them you know um yeah what what are your opinions on on his recent work jacob you've probably seen them all right yeah i've seen yeah. i've seen i've seen them all there's only yeah. like a few of his movies i haven't seen right um and most people tell me i, I don't need to see them but i i still will see them because yeah. i like to form my own opinion um but uh you know with this movie i'll say that it's it's going to be one of those movies that i that I think I need to watch a few more times sure. to like, kind of like what you were saying to, to like fully appreciate it. Like I can tell it's like, it's expertly done. Hmm. It, you know, the, the craft is there, you know, the, the story is this immense story and hence why it's, it has a huge running time. Um, but, uh, you know, his, his other ones, Irishman, I wasn't, I wasn't that gaga over. I like Same. I could yeah. again I can tell that it's it's a good movie and I think there's for uh, the whole of the movie doesn't really work completely for me but there's definitely some genius things within that movie. Um and I've only seen it the the one time so yeah, again I probably need to revisit it. Um but again I it also it's hard for me being you know that i've ex- been exposed and i've watched so many times you know if i can call it part of like the trilogy of like goodfellas casino irishman like right you know those are so up they're so high for me mm-hmm. it's like how do you how do you hit that bar how, how do you even you know it, it still could be a good movie but it's not going to be those other yeah. movies right and and that that's not a knock on the movie but it just means you know he's just done such great work that it's it's hard to like you know when you're comparing his filmography it's like it's, it's a tough thing because you're, you're kind of knocking it down a, a few pegs because you know what he's capable of right. and he, he doesn't hit it but i i you know i 
what I do like is the the attempt. I, I love mm-hmm. the attempt of wanting to get what he wants to get across on the screen and the feeling that he's accomplished that. Um, Silence was uh, was another one that uh, I think I watched in a couple sittings. You know, it was uh, I know it's part of like his like religious trilogy, I guess you can say. Um, again, I thought it was a good movie. Um, but so another one that I need to watch again. So, yeah, but I could. I see what you're saying though. He he has slowed down a lot. Mm. Like it, you know, it's not the the exciting, you know. I guess uh, you know, uh, tells of you know crime or debauchery that you yeah know, that we're used that's to seeing. Like, you know? Yeah, I really feel like Wolf of Wall Street might have been the last of it. Yeah, because, possibly, possibly. And that's the funny thing. Wolf of Wall Street was another movie that I had to come around to. Like uh, the first time I saw it, I was like. Yeah, what the hell is this? Like, this is just way too long. And then I guess the broy energy of it like really put me <laughs> off. Um, and yeah, the actual bros liked it too. And like you know, they actually now use the movie as their bible, which is just so ironic. <laughs> um, and I like that movie, but yeah. I don't love it. I don't oh, love okay. that. Movie. I, most people they're like mm, they rank yeah. it up like at the top of his uh, yeah, like one of their top five. And I'm like, it's oh, good. Sure it's funny, but. I don't have it up in my top five, not even close. <laughs> yeah, I have it right by my feet in my stack of favorites. The special edition 4K for <laughs> oh, Wall the Street. Arrow. Yeah, the Arrow one, uh, UK only <laughs> release. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how much I've come around to the movie, I think. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, rank it high, but the reason being because my perspective of it shifted of just like, I look at it as a movie of like, and this might even come up with the killer with Fincher too, of like this man who's filtering this story through his own experience of like being a drug addict and being high on cocaine okay. all the time. And like, I feel like, yeah, he, he captures that feeling in the film and like, um, yeah, I, I appreciate it for that. Even though like, yeah, I, I've mentioned this before in previous episodes that I have issues with Leo, like, especially when he's like, raising his voice like that that's when i think he's least effective uh when he's acting because it, it just like it feels telegraphed you know but when he's doing subtle stuff which he's actually kind of doing in in killers of the flower moon a little bit you know I like i i appreciate it there's only really one scene where he really kind of emotes which is the um uh when he's in jail later on and you know we're, we're gonna spoil it because it's just uh People who wanted to see this movie have seen it already. And, you know, we spoil movies all the time on movie food. So, um, yeah, it's when he finds out that uh, his uh, his kid died, you know, um, of a whooping cough, I think it was. Yeah. Um, like yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't it's it's such a like I mean, we're, we're just even talking around it so far. But, yeah, like um, it's such a dense story um, and what's going on in the movie. Like, I, I don't necessarily feel like we could justify a summary <laughs> of the film um mm-hmm. but yeah the the most basic premise is that uh well the book that it's based on which is also um the same author who wrote the uh, lost city of z or lost city of z, z. <laughs> yeah david grant he wrote this book and you know it's historical but it's actually more leaning towards the foundation of the FBI and how um, th- these cases of the these murders of uh, Osage uh, Native Americans um, uh, were happening in Oklahoma in, in Fairfax, uh, and you know they were basically doing it to to take their their land and their oil from them. 
and um, but the books. Uh, I mean, I, I I read the the first chapter of the book, and it really is more about the FBI. Like it, it's more about their investigation into the murders. That's the the end of the book, and I mm. think originally the film was going to be that way too. And like um, uh, Jesse Plemons' character was supposed to be played by Leo initially, so he was going to be the the head mm. investigator, but. Um, yeah, along the way, they shifted it more to Ernest, um, which is who Leo is playing now, um, and more of the perspective of the the Osage um, rather than the FBI. Because yeah, the FBI don't come in until the final hour yeah, like, or so yeah, yeah. of the movie, and I think actually that's really where the movie picks up. Uh, I will say too, like my first time watching it, uh, yeah, I mean with the hype of my birthday and everything, and like seeing it in man's Chinese and IMAX. Like it was a big deal, and then um, you know I I never got up to to go to the bathroom. I sat through the whole thing, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, when I when I came out of it, uh, I was like, do I really like this? I'm not really quite sure. And then so I gave it a week. Actually, yeah, you know, we watched the killer in between. Okay. And then the following week, I watched it again. Oh yeah, that's right. You told me you went. Back yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I saw it at an AMC, and man, like actually. The funny thing is, IMAX. It wasn't quite the perfect screening for either. Like, so with the IMAX, visually it was great. Like, um, in in Man's Chinese. Uh, but then at the AMC, it wasn't as good visually. But the sound was fantastic at the AMC. Like, because I saw it at oh, a yeah. Dolby theater. Um, and like you know, I really appreciated the uh, Rob Robbie Robertson score, which ended up yeah, it's his last thing that he did. He passed away. Uh, and the movie's actually dedicated to him, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, that's why I, I feel like with these recent Scorsese's, like it, they need to be seen again. Because I definitely, the second time I watched it, I was like, I was really affected by it. You know, like um, uh, just the the heartbreak that you know Molly Burkhart goes through, and such a great performance by by Lily Gladstone. Like I think, um, uh, you know she. If she wins an Oscar, it would be amazing, you know. Um, right. Yeah, it would be well deserved, and you know, the real ones out there know that you know she, the people who've been following her since the beginning, like uh, from uh, certain women, uh, you know. The was Kelly that her Wright. first role? Uh, I think that was her breakthrough role. I'm not sure if that yeah, was. I know her it was first. her breakthrough, but uh, yeah, yeah, was, like, but that was first. the one where people were like they started taking right. notice of her. Like Marcus even uh, told that's this Kelly Reichardt. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's my favorite Kelly Reichardt film it's a really good kelly right yeah yeah so that's this is why yeah i haven't had like many appetizers because i rewatched this as well i rewatched them right a lot of what i've been watching is in the context of of, of our our double feature so Mm. i was like i gotta go back to the the lily gladstone performance in certain women and she just really is a master of um underplaying and you know doing like these really subtle things in her performance saying you really just get her heartbreak from, you know, kind of getting rejected by, by Kristen Stewart, you know, like she drives all the way to that town to go right. see her. Um, and then, yeah, Kristen Stewart's just like, whatever about it, you know, doesn't even appreciate the gesture. <laughs> and then this is what it, how it ends. And like the, that, that like long shot of her driving towards the end. And you kind of can see like the way her, her lips like twitch a little bit. It's like she's just so good at that, you know, and you know much has been made about like uh before she was cast in this film like she 
she was actually considering like quitting acting altogether like she was like looking for uh for data uh like not data entry but um like coding jobs mm. <laughs> like so oh, yeah wow. and you know she's she's been in a few things actually it's funny um this movie's uh, a little bit of a, a Billions. Uh, um, you know, I, I was a fan of the show Billions, but it just kind of got so cheesy. Um, but it's a Billions a reunion with her because she was in Billions. And uh, and Lewis, m- one of my favorite actor names right now, Lewis Cancel Me. <laughs> I'm sure that's uh. not that was pronounced. But uh, Lewis Cancel Me. <laughs> People are making a big deal of this. Um uh, he plays, uh, yeah, Jamie, bring it up. <laughs> who who does Lewis okay. can- <laughs> Lewis Cancelman? Um, so this is um, in Billions. No, okay. he's he plays uh, in in Killers of Power Moon. He's um, uh, Kelsey Morrison. Okay, so he's the tall guy yeah. who who kills Anna, um, Molly's sister. You know. Um, and yeah he's just kind of yeah there's a really funny scene you know this is one of the things that people say that there's these these funny moments in the movie but like it's not a funny movie you know it's just like there are just certain yeah. moments of humor like with him it's it's actually like a, a a double whammy it's first like he's he's talking to his lawyer about um you know so my kids are you know are are full blood <laughs> right osage and um so if they were to die, <laughs> would uh, would I end up inheriting what they have? And then the lawyer's like, are you telling me that you plan on adopting your kids and then killing them? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. not if it's going to – not if I'm not going to get the money. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm not going to do it. And then as soon as he walks out of the lawyer's office, the, the FBI guys go yeah. to see him. And then they're like, uh, is your name uh, Kelsey Morrison? And he's like, no, my name's Lloyd. Well – Come here, Lloyd. We have something to talk to you about when they arrest him. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, a, it's a great performance. He's also great in Billions as well. Um, even though he, he kind of just plays the same role, I feel. Like, he, his character from Billions is not that different. Like, okay. he's just got this kind of unblinking stare. And he's, like, willing to do, mm. you know, whatever and bend his morals. Like he's like, Maybe that's why he was cast in this yeah. role, you know? Like, sometimes, you <laughs> right. know... Yeah. If you're the Anthony Perkins of, you know, yeah, you just get typecast because <laughs> you're good at it. But, right. Uh, uh, so, Steve, uh, what about you as for? Yeah, yeah, AC? we've been talking so, so far. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, I'm, I definitely have a lot of reverence uh, for, you know, obviously all the classics. But he's not necessarily someone that moves the, that gets me super excited. Like if there's a new Scorsese movie, I'm not like itching to go see it, you know, like. I don't I don't really know if I have a ton of those actually as opposed to just like the overall plot or some momentum of the story that kind of gets me really excited um obviously I I would say like probably my favorite ones are like The Departed and um Goodfellas but um yeah this one you know I god I I feel like we we've been seeing photos for for like a year <laughs> No it's the one the for this one, one photo it's become a meme yeah. of them at the table and like everybody was like is this the entire movie for like three and a half hours is just them sitting there <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? like that he's making like a, a john dealman like contemplative movie yeah. <laughs> um so like i mean yeah in the modern day i like it's like a pretty good m- marketing to kind of just just do that because it definitely built and you got excited oh for yeah it. yeah um yeah, you the- know in a much different way than like barbenheimer for sure a little more organic a little more like oh my god look at this um 
yeah, and so yeah, I was definitely excited to see it. I would say I think you kind of hinted at it that the front half or the front hour is a bit slow. Yeah. It's a little there. It does get sleepy. Um, but man, the the last forty five, last hour and a half, like like really what? Yeah, once the FBI kind of gets involved, I like I I, I did kind of wish it had more right. of that, but. Um, yeah, the the last forty five in particular just flies really, yeah, really good. The moment Jesse Plemons shows up at the door, you know, uh, and that's been yeah, meme too. What is it about Plemons? There's, I just love yeah, that. He's guy. brilliant. Uh, Friday Night Lights, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, Todd night. was that? Yeah, Game Night. Yeah, <laughs> he's so good at Game Night. How could yeah. that be possible? Yeah. How could that possibly be profitable for free tooling? <laughs> See, that should be the opening quote <laughs> of the movie of the show. Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> We'll spice it. So in. did uh, you did you see uh, Steve? Did you see his other so the uh, Irishman Silence? I'm assuming Wolf you saw Wolf of Wall Street. I tried to watch I- Irishman. I uh, I didn't make it, and then and then I just like watched like clips. Yeah, it's just like they just got too long for me. And I think especially with um, you know, like I'm old enough where I've seen all the classics already and so to kind of see them revisit it it's 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 a little i don't know it's it's like not for me whereas i could see like if if you're 20 and say you missed goodfellas and you're watching the irishman being like oh wow what is this um and you know like if you're kind of seeing it with fresher eyes like being really intrigued by that whole style yeah i'm i'm definitely curious about that because there was definitely a turn i feel once silence came out because uh yeah there was a bit of backlash people were like yeah what is this like this was a lot of people were disappointed by silence and i i'll admit i was one of them but then you know friend of the show you know Rob Cotto, right. mm-hmm. he he's just a diehard Scorsese right. yeah, guy. Yeah. Like Marty's his boy, so he was really championing Silence. And this was around the time I first met him too. So he was like very boisterous about it. He's like, yeah, the real ones love Silence. Like you know, you're not a Scorsese fan if you don't love Silence. Uh, you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing, of course. This isn't <laughs> right. how he said it, but um, but yeah, I was like questioning my Scorsese credentials but because also i was put off by by um, wolf of wall street as well you know right. so i was like is it, is this like kind of a downward turn for me or is it um mm. but yeah i haven't seen silence since uh it came out in theater so i am curious how it holds up now to me um yeah well that kind of brings up just an interesting thing of just do you guys feel like there's a pressure to be like a scorsese head like to be a real scorsese fan or can you kind of be in the like movie space with all your friends and you know like just be honest with the with the things that you like or don't like about someone as revered as scorsese you know? i think you definitely there definitely is pressure out there i think hmm. people uh will say like if you don't like i don't know uh goodfellas or something like that they'd, they'd be like you're an idiot you're you don't know anything about movies you don't know anything about film oh, you know shit. you're a moron yeah. um i think you're I, I think when it gets yeah. to some of the yeah. deeper cuts um but it goes back to what i was saying before like you know surround yourself with people that aren't going to judge you because you have different tastes in them uh what they considered you know cl- classics right now yeah you know, cosine like, for uh, sure it's I, I think it, it, it's we live in this type of world though that like people get I think pressured to like think that they like a movie just because it's a bunch of other people like it you know and right. uh, and then of course there's mm-hmm. the flip side of that there's the people that are uh, are like 
they oh. want to be the, the the you know the opposite of everybody, yeah, right? That's, like, there, there's that's an the obvious one. like yeah. good movie, right? right? And they'll be like they'll shit all over it, and they'll just be just to be that one oh, person. Oh, okay, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Oh no, I thought it was the opposite, which is like that when most people don't like something, like they're the ones that are championing it, but it's performative, right? Like you know that that's how I feel well, about it's, people. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's like just wanting to be that that minority, right? To get yeah. like I don't know if it's attention, or whatever, but like mm. I like there's a bunch of movies I hate, right? Yeah. But I'm sure there's somebody in the world that's like, oh, that's my favorite movie, and and I I will yeah. never understand it, right? right? Because I'll be like, this movie's yeah, like, shit. You know? Yeah, like, I just like I doubt these people's sincerity. It's just like I don't believe yeah. it. Like I honestly don't believe like these people really love the Last Jedi. Like they're just <laughs> yeah. It's like. I like that you picked <laughs> yeah. that movie. Yeah, because that's the one that I think is my, a perfect example of it. It's like, the, number one, I mean, you know, we, we've discussed this a little bit when Amanda was here because, you know, she obviously is uh, a big fan of Star Wars right. and, like, she really holds it to heart and she hates the recent trilogy. Um, and that's one of the things that um, we talk about is just, like, the um, are these people actually, like, Star Wars fans? You know, like, how can you, like, love the original trilogy and then be a fan of this as well when it's, like, completely shitting on it? You know? It's, like, it, it just doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. Um, yeah, but I think it, it's it's hard for us to... Because they, they grew up in a different time. I, right. Like, I, I, I agree with you that some of them are not sincere, but mm -hmm. there are people that I, like, I know that do like The Last Jedi. Yeah. And I believe them. Mm -hmm. Because I know like how they talk about like why they like it and, and stuff like that. Like it's, I don't agree with them, but it's yeah. valid okay. based on their I need to taste meet people. And, and whatever. <laughs> I, need to meet I mean, again, I, I yeah. For me, I already told my kids this yeah. too. I, I showed them the original trilogy and I said, mm -hmm. "Look, it, this is Star Wars. <laughs> All the pre you can go watch the prequels, but I'm not gonna watch it. With yeah, you. even the the reappraisal. Uh, I'm not gonna watch the, the you know these the other ones. I've is, seen them yeah. once. That's enough." Right, you know, they're not my Star Wars. This, yeah. is, this is, you know, whatever mm -hmm. they do in the world, whatever. It's to me, it's like a whole nother universe. Like, right. I, I will always have these. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna rewatch these. I don't care about you know new properties, but for them, you know, they actually get some enjoyment out of like even some of the parts of the prequels and yeah. you know, like for my my oldest daughter, you know, and actually my youngest is actually getting into Star Wars. Okay, um, and they do get something out of it because they. You know, they're they've been this is how it was exposed to them, you know, so they didn't have yeah. like back in the day we didn't have, you know, there was no Netflix. There was no all this stuff. I mean, right. You're lucky if you caught something like on, you know, Channel 13, they replayed it, you know, with commercials, you know, yeah. and, you know, I remember watching a, a 13 inch color TV with the bunny ears and you had foil on it and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. that. That was the time we grew up in. So right. when we saw something amazing like that and, you know those special effects i think still hold up yeah you know that was like amazing to me you know but they're in a totally corrupted different time now but you got to kind of like respect that but i get what you're saying i mean yeah, i do yeah. think that there are some disgenuine people out there mm -hmm. that just want to go against the trend and be different and say mm -hmm. like oh yeah this is better than all these other movies and yeah. whatnot and it's you know we all know that's not true. right yeah and i mean I, I i've been across the aisle too in that sense and and you know of, of loving babylon you know <laughs> which is a movie that a lot of people genuinely dislike and uh and then question mm -hmm. the people who like it you right. know and but that's the thing it's like i i admitted it on on the show that like i 
I don't associate with other fans of Babylon. Like, I don't think, like... Yeah, I even questioned them too. But like, I genuinely love that movie. Like, you know, I've seen. But it. you can give a reason why you like it. Like, why yeah. the the things in it mm-hmm. that speak to you that you like. Yeah. And I think you know, again, when you when you talk about film and or like even Steve, you know, you guys come across as like you're not trying to just you know do a show for you know to get hits or you know right. i know it'd be nice you know patreon everybody signed <laughs> yeah. up for patreon but uh, thanks Jacob. but Shout i out. think you guys are doing this you know at least from my perspective you guys are doing this for like the love of the conversation of right. film and being exposed to different things and you know having the guest on and just the conversation it creates and you know yeah. like you know the excitement of that like exposing somebody to something and then them coming back and you know like steve has done uh, a bunch of times to say i really like that movie you know like that yeah. that was i'm glad i you know i saw it you know like yeah i i mean you know i i guess i'm also speaking from just my 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 own limited perspective but like i generally enjoy steve's cinema smithsonian um segments yeah, <laughs> because, because yeah for me it's like watching it i get like the vicarious thrill of like him kind of discovering something and like considering it worthy of his canon you know, and uh, like, yeah, I really enjoy that because for me, like, obviously, there's no surprise when I'm like announcing Carlos Cannon. There's probably is when I see it, but like, right. you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not surprised that I like it because it's my taste. You right, know, right, right, right. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, the the discovery is is a big part of this show for sure. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, just the, we we kind of went a long way around to Steve's question, but yeah, I I I would say I don't really feel any pressure because yeah my 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 taste is outside of the context of anything else like i i mean uh, i was having this conversation actually with jr also a former guest of the show that um uh you know because they were revealing like the corruption of of rotten tomatoes and i realized like yeah i i never use rotten tomatoes as like uh, yeah as like my measure of whether to watch a movie or not and then you know the closest i ever got was metacritic which i preferred because it was just it's not even just the number but it was just like it felt like the the critics that they would highlight were more critics that i would I, i thought were worth reading you know um uh but yeah like that was that was it like i think metacritic was like the end of it for me like and you know like when i started my cinephilia mm. i've brought this up so many times already the timeout film guide was like my my bible you know because i would just read the capsule reviews and you know because i didn't have access to those movies so i just highlight them and i'm like shit i gotta watch that you know and those reviews like genuinely like made me excited for the film sometimes yeah the reviews were better than the actual movies you know <laughs> like it's just mm-hmm. i was just amazed yeah. like and it's probably influenced my like my reviewing style on letterbox like the way that they're able to paint a picture of the movies like i prefer those types of reviews over like whether just saying it's good or bad or just right. shitting on it like i i want you to create an yeah. impression for me of what the film feels you know um and yeah so now yeah i kind of exist in this vacuum i mean you know also just being away from new york city and oh, even la you know it's like uh, yeah jacob is sitting in my room right now and to me like this is what i i you know i jokingly say that this is the center of arts and culture in orange county is my <laughs> room right here you know i got yeah. all the movies <laughs> i got all the music like that's all i need man this is my own world right here you know um yeah totally. so uh, yeah like with scorsese like uh, yeah i it, i'm approaching him on my own terms and nobody else's and um mm-hmm. 
yeah and i mean i'm also approaching him on his own terms in that that sense of like yeah he's made those classics like he's you know he, he had that style that was very fast moving and like was very exciting um but now yeah like i feel like this movie in particular there was definitely like a conscious attempt of holding back that kind of satisfaction or that pleasure that we would get from previous Scorsese movies. You know, like the murders are done very quickly. They're not stylishly done in a movie. Right. Um, yeah, there's there's not really any particular murder where you're like, oh, shit. Like, that's like, <laughs> you know, some of the murders in, in Goodfellas. So I rewatched Goodfellas after mm-hmm. the second viewing of Killers mm-hmm. of the Flower Moon because I was like, yeah, I, I want to get back into that old mode and i hadn't seen it in a while um so i oh, really see hadn't it. seen it in a while yeah yeah like um actually it was my first time watching it on blu-ray so the last time i watched it was on dvd holy shit yeah yeah so it's been that long um so yeah it was just so much fun like you know i had a blast and you know the murders in, in goodfellas are all memorable like you yeah. you know it's like i mean yeah. the one that that kind of made me laugh this time around was uh maury's death <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, especially the aftermath of it where, you know, like, uh, who's it? Uh, Johnny uh, or Frankie Carbone is yeah. like having trouble starting the car. What the fuck are you talking about? Warming it up. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe Pesci. Yeah. You know what? You're kind of bringing up a really interesting point in that, um, you know, the death, you know, death is always pretty sad. Yeah. And this movie uh, killers of the flower moon it, it really you know all the deaths are like really tragic yeah. and sad and where what whereas like maybe like that extra spice in you know the goodfellas and in casino and in all these kind of more mob movies is there's a levity in the murders mm. or in the killings and in a way that's like the characters are, are the characters are just memorable they're funny and then you're, you're also you're kind of recognizing that it's it's mob, you know, it's like mob guys killing other mob guys, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Um, whereas like this has a whole other feel. And so, yeah, it's just like it's it's less. Yeah. You, the deaths are quicker and they're less, you know, like um, stylish, in showy a way. Yeah, and yeah, memorable, exactly. but almost intentionally like, mm-hmm. like our mem like our brains kind of memory hold them. Like we don't want to think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then, you know, that's probably for the better, you know, cause, uh, mm. there has been a little bit of backlash to this movie. Um, I think I sent you one of the Twitter threads, Steve, where it was like, uh, one of the native Americans, um, like actors from uh, Reservation Dogs, which is apparently mm-hmm. a really good show. I, I've never seen it, but um, you know, she was like saying how awful it was to like relive the trauma <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. But then she got like um, backlash for her own thing. Like they were saying, like you're not even Osage, you know, <laughs> so Jeez. you don't speak for us, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Man. Yeah. If you dare, if you dare to say anything online, just prepare for, oh, yeah. the, for the pummeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Pummel a pummel. Yeah, I, I, I sure. don't think that he made it to to like have people relive their trauma. I think right. The yeah. whole thing is, you know, there's so many stories within history and so many like injustices, I guess you can call it, mm-hmm. that you know that people don't know about and that have never heard. And yeah. so you know, he's just to me, it's, uh, Scorsese. You know, saw an interesting story. 
and he's such a you know visually you know he's obviously a master and he's like i'm gonna bring this to the screen right right and and you know bring good people around it to create you know a movie in in my yeah. vision and i think he you know he accomplished that again i don't you know it's one of those movies i think i need to see at least a few more times yeah you know um mm-hmm. and you know the runtime didn't bother me uh, at all um okay oh, cool. uh because i think it's because of the story that they were telling like i i didn't want it to be like there's some certain stories i don't want it to be rushed because I feel like it's almost like doing a disservice to the story that they're trying to tell. Like it's like, I don't want you to be convenient for the sake of being convenient for my time. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and again, I didn't see this in the theater. So, you know, sorry. Uh, (laughs) I saw it by by other (laughs) tipping your hand a little bit, but, uh, but you know, I, I give plenty, you know, I buy Mm -hmm. physical media. Yeah, for sure. All right. I I do plenty, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know, but, uh, you know, I stand, I stand. Yeah. How many Scorsese films do you own on, on, on physical media? (laughs) I mean, I own a lot and I own, you know, you know, even some of the ones that I just own on digital. I mean, Mm. I probably have about, I don't know, at least 12, maybe 13, 14. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, but yeah, it's, for me, I agree that you know the the first part of it is you know it is a little bit more of a slow burn. Yeah. But I was still like invested in this this world that I know nothing about. Right. And just like kind of what was happening, and and again, some of it's very typical, like you know, uh, the, you know, uh, the underdogs of the you know Osage coming uh, upon wealth right almost by accident and of course everybody flocking to that and trying to steal it away from them yeah any way they can you know even in the Mm -hmm. the robert de niro character of uh, king you know yeah Uh, and i'm i don't know if this is going to be this might piss some people off but i actually kind of thought that robert de niro was miscast in this movie oh okay Okay. <laughs> I I know people were okay. saying like this is the best that Robert De Niro's been in a long time because he's been like That's mailing, how I felt. Yeah. <laughs> mailing it in, you know, for, yeah. for a lot. But yeah. I I just didn't. I feel like he's kind of gone past the point of being this menacing figure. Mm. Um, I don't know. I I just didn't. I didn't. I wasn't like scared of him mm. in the way that I think that they wanted me to be. Really? Because yeah. I didn't feel that way. Like, I didn't think he was supposed to be scary. I thought it was more about, like, just how banal he was. And that's what what it was. It was, it was like he was um, he was just nefarious in what he was doing. Because, you know, the, the most striking moment for me, seeing it the second time around, knowing that he was now behind everything. Because, you know, as it was progressing, I, I had no idea that he was actually Oh, you, really, you didn't think he was behind the... No, no. Because of... That that first sit down he has with with Ernest, where he basically gives him the book, yeah. and he's talking about how like great the Osage are, you know. And I was like, oh yeah, he's actually like very respect the respectful of the people. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Oh, I, was, okay. I, I instantly was thinking like, oh, yeah. this guy's he has an angle here. You and got he's the like, vibe, yeah. You know, I, maybe it was because of like that whole speech about King, call me King, and oh stuff yeah, like that. yeah, for sure. So like yeah. to me, I was like, okay, wait, he mm. this guy's out for his own. You know, whatever advantage he can have, you know, like right. he's not here because he loves the Osage people. He's here because there's oil and there's money. And <laughs> yeah, he, wants even he points out he's on the land that has no oil underneath. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I, I I definitely get that. But uh, I guess for me, well, with this and then his role um, 
as uh, Frank Sheeran in uh, The Irishman. Yeah, it, it just it feels good to see him kind of be more present a little more than you know just mainly even though they, they were saying like yeah the real turning point in his career was when he just started buying po- property in in new york city uh-huh. and became like this massive like real estate mogul <laughs> and um but does he even op- own that uh, property anymore and that they, oh yeah he yeah. got divorced like a yeah, bunch yeah, of times and like yeah, yeah and he he all like Pacino he also has like a uh, a baby mama that's like thirty years old yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's crazy yeah. yeah but um no yeah so he he was buying all this property in Tribeca and that's yeah. why he's able Tribeca, to do the yeah. the film festival um and yeah he he has a restaurant like the he's all these entrepreneurial things that he was doing so he was basically using his movie career to fund all of that stuff you know. Um and that became the priority, too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, that yeah that that became his priority over just like you know actually because you know he he pretty much he, when you hit the top like that you've won two Oscars, you know you you command whatever you want for the movies you you do you know even but like, also maybe it's the people that he's making movies with because he mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever mailed in a Scorsese performance. That's true. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, if you look at like, you know, Michael Mann or, mm-hmm. you know, some of the other directors he's worked with. Yeah. I think, you know, and again, of course the, the material it, it plays a big part too. Right. Um, you know, and again, I get it, you know, like you get not everything, every, not every script you're going to get is going <laughs> to be a plus and, you right. know, and sometimes Maybe it was a good story, a good idea, but it wasn't executed mm-hmm. correctly, right? And so it becomes a flop or it becomes a, yeah, a piece and, of and, shit. And, and that's the other thing, too. We're, 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 most of us have the luxury of seeing the final result and making our judgment. But right. that there is like a bit of a fog of war when making a movie. Yeah, of you, you, you all think you're making something great until it comes out and then people react to it and then... I don't yeah. even know how people could think that they're making something great because, you know, everything's yeah. shot out of order. Right, and like, right. You know, you're yeah. not even there some of the days, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not in the scene. True, and, yeah, exactly. You know, so, like, you, you don't really even know what you have until mm-hmm. it's, you know, put together. And, I you know, to give credit to the editors, right, you know, yeah. like, you can have a a great a bunch of footage, but if it's not put together right and the story doesn't flow, right. it could be a complete mess. You yeah. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, for for all we know, De Niro thought he was making like a masterpiece with the uh, <laughs> Rocky and Bowling uh, or Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, match. Yeah, yeah. He, he, well, you know, he got Righteous this, Kill. Yeah. Yeah, the one that Why ruins the Pacino <laughs> trilogy. Um Righteous Kill, man. Uh yeah, he he's made a lot of stinkers. But uh <laughs> But yeah, I I thought he was pretty effective and you know, one of the most kind of predictable De Niro ticks is the repeating, you know, this case is closed. <laughs> this case is closed. <laughs> it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. What was the other one? Um, In Copland where he says, um, but you blew it. I gave you a chance and you blew it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of those, uh, those lines. The only time he does that in, in killers is when he's like trying to get the insurance money. For uh, oh, for uh, his friend Henry, y- right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want my rogue money. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. It, it, like I'm owed this money. I forgot what he he says. It's something like uh, you're gonna give me this check right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was so the only like, time. It's not. It's not in Denver. It's here. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. Because it's, like, oh, you gotta talk to the people in Denver. It's like, yeah. Why, why are you telling me that? It's not, we're not in Denver. Yeah. Th- that was one of the more masterful things I love about this movie too. Is just how it gradually introduces these new people. 
into the town and then you kind of suddenly piece together oh wait they're all working with at that time the bi not the fbi right. had the right, right. investigation um and yeah what a team it's like I, I gotta give a shout out to these people so number one uh aside from jesse Plemons, i got a shout out of pat healy man yeah yeah um if most of you yeah pat healy's like this character actor he's been in a bunch of movies and it's funny he shares the same name as uh Something matt, Mary. matt dylan's character's name i was just thinking yeah. right? i work with retards yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah not oh, the same oh wow. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah pat healy he was also in a very underrated uh fun movie called the uh, cheap thrills i don't know if either of you have seen that i feel like I, I... yeah it was like from 2013 i want to say yeah, yeah one of a rare like um lead role for him and then you know he was in ghost world he's the one who keeps giving the videotapes to thora birch and he's right. like you jews are so good with money <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah pat healy's brilliant so he's kind of like the main interrogator of um and right. he, yeah he, he definitely establishes himself as fbi and yet a lot of the scenes where he's doing the interrogations are great um tatanka means which i i learned is he's the son of russell means who was in last of the mohicans uh really? and yeah oh, yeah cool. yeah that's his son and so oh. like you know passing on and then i think he's also like he he has another um career as a stand-up comedian <laughs> he wow. focuses on native humor which is amazing <laughs> like he has that niche uh yeah so tatanka means is great i mean one great moment that he has is like um when he he captures uh john who killed henry yeah and then he like walks up to him and he's like in his pose and he's like don't you go running now yeah. such a great moment mm-hmm. and i mean yeah the the guy who plays john um you know he's like a cowboy like a, a real life cowboy ty mitchell yeah yeah john he's ramsey, like yeah. yeah john ramsey and he's like in true grit and like yeah like it's just finding these people the guy who plays blackie thompson as well like i think this is yeah, his that first guy was great also role <laughs> yeah um yeah and there's so many like yeah i think later on people are going to catch on to like the quotable lines from this movie i mean you know there's so many good ones and then he cast musicians in here too there's quite a few like mm-hmm. jason isbell is really good as a uh, bill um why am i blanking bill he's the guy who keeps marrying the native americans um, uh, smith yeah, Bill Smith. Bill Smith. Yeah. <laughs> so such yeah. an easy name to remember. Uh, what I forgot. Yeah, Bill Smith. Uh, he's he's great. And then um, that's a great scene with uh, him and Leo when. Uh, oh yeah, when he offers him a drink. When he when yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, like, I really love that scene. Yeah, it's brilliant. And then he's like, uh, well, yeah, I'll have a drink if you have it. And it's like, no, I just was asking if you needed one. <laughs> And then he's like, see, I don't really like you, Bill. <laughs> Did I say something to offend you? Like, it's such a brilliant scene. Like, Isabel's performance is also, like, very measured and low-key. But, like, yeah, there's also something nefarious about him. But he's also, yeah, that's, it's not as black and white. Because even though he, he's he's married, like, two of the, the sisters. Right. Uh, um he also was like involved in investigating like who was behind the murders so and he eventually becomes a victim <laughs> of it too with uh yeah probably the scene that everybody talks about the the house explosion um yeah, yeah and there was like because uh, i saw it in the theater there was a huge gasp in the theater when they picked up minnie and then the back of her head fell out yeah, with yeah, the yeah. brains and stuff and you know it's like 
uh, yeah, this is just how far I think Scorsese has become. That that's like a tragic moment. It's not like something like, oh man, I got to replay that shit. Like you know, it's like, right? Yeah, you like, know, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so um, we don't see it. we don't actually see the explosion. We just hear it and we yeah. I mean, you feel it. You, y- know, you know what like... I I I thought about um this the scene because it's like Leo and um and um uh, I keep calling her uh, by her real name Lily Gladstone Molly Molly. Yeah. They're getting ready for bed, right? right? And you know what scene it reminded me of? Um, uh, Godfather Part Two. You know when Michael and um. Okay. K are getting ready for bed before and they, they shoot through the window. the windows yeah. and then the explosion, and it's almost like yeah. shot from the same angle too. Um, and then yeah, you, we don't see it. We don't know who's behind it. And then like yeah, we just see like they use too much dynamite. And then yeah, that's one of the lines. Like, yeah, kind of a funny line. Yeah, yeah. And, and then the, by, like, eh, too much the guy who um who who kind of sets up the dynamite guy like the connection is like this rodeo star and it's played by Sturgill Simpson okay. who's, who's also a kind of a country mm-hmm. singer oh, yeah. but yeah the most surprising musician appearance for me who I didn't recognize the first time around and then I recognized him the second time around because I had to look at the cast um, Jack White Jack White yeah. at the very end you know yeah. and um, yeah that ending oh my god yeah the second time around like I was I was pretty close to tears at that ending, you know, um, most people have made like you know the the snarky uh, comment that it's like it's a it's a true crime podcast. Like that's how he decides to end it. But you know, it's a true crime radio show with full foley effects and Jack White doing multiple voices, <laughs> which is incredible. You know, and uh, I mean, you know, I I love Jack White in uh, in yeah. in Walk Hard. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, Elvis, right? Yeah. There's two things you got to remember. Number one, I'm the king. And look out, man. Look out, man. <laughs> That's some karate. <laughs> uh, so good as Elvis. Yeah, I think the, that's my favorite Elvis performance is, is yeah. Jack White in, in Walk Hard. Oh, man. But, yeah. He, that movie's he, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, that that deserves a reappraisal. Like, there, you could even create, I think, like a, a double feature with that and pop star never stop oh, never stop yeah, yeah. That's another great movie <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I own them both yeah yeah uh, yeah i i definitely have pop star yeah it's brilliant um uh but yeah like th- these these great musician performances and then okay let's since we're on the the track of performances um there was a big deal made out of one performance in the movie that some people were like it took them out of the movie so what did you guys think of brendan oh. fraser and his appearance <laughs> it didn't take me out of the movie it yeah. was just to me you know it was a small role you know maybe a little bit overacted but it was such a small part of it and i was invested in the story already mm-hmm. that it didn't really take me out right. of it um lithgow was good also yeah um, his, uh, counterpart, yeah, the, his counterpart the prosecutor yeah, yeah. but uh i mean I, fraser you know brendan fraser i think he has talent, um, but I think he has a, a limitation on his talent. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, yeah. I know he's the feel-good story, you know, because he had right. been away from Hollywood for so long and won the Oscar and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it's just ironic but that it's for the, a terrible movie. <laughs> but I, that doesn't mean that, you know, like, just because somebody makes a comeback that everything that they're in is going to be gold, you know. like Right, you know, right. That's why I, I think sure. he has some limitations on what what he can do and what he can play but you know he's he's serviceable yeah 
I would say I was definitely distracted by it. Like that, like I was just, I was like, Oh shit, Brendan Fraser's in this. And, and so I'm just kind of like watching Brendan Fraser. Um, <laughs> whereas like, you know, once you're that far into the movie, you maybe don't want a star to really pop out like that. Right. Yeah. He's, he's in it for maybe four minutes. Yeah. That max. Was say three or four. Yeah. Minutes, yeah. Yeah. It's a very small role. <laughs> Yeah, and so it's like it's like nothing against him. It's just his own stardom. Like by the time you get to those scenes, you're already in a rhythm in this world, and then to introduce a big star is just gonna kind of zap you out of it. You know, I think that it's only natural. Yeah, it is funny though that he kind of. Um, yeah, I don't know if he had any say in it, but like his 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 role is kind of downplayed. Like he, he his mm-hmm. name isn't on the poster. Um, like, uh, you know, uh, he's not in the, the credits for, um, for the, the, the trailers, you know, like he he is in the trailer, like the the first teaser. uh, Yeah. I I should point this out too. the, the first teaser of this, the, the one that's only like a minute long is incredible. Like that, 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 I think that was probably part of why there was an initial disappointment for me when I first saw it, because the trailers make it seem like it's a bombastic, like Scorsese film. Like, there's all these explosions. Like, the second trailer has, like, this Native American song that's, like, really, like, yeah. hyped up. And then the, mm-hmm. yeah, the that scene that, like, people remember from the first teaser, uh, which isn't in the movie, you just see the shot, but, like, the, the voiceover isn't attached to it. Is the, can you see the wolves in this picture? And that's the only time you see Brendan Fraser in the teaser. He's, like, standing there off to the left. And I, I completely forgot it. Like, I didn't even see him in that group shot. Because I was like, you know, I was focused on everybody else who was mm-hmm. in it. Um, or I just saw it, like, I guess as a group rather than yet. Oh, there's that movie star right there, Brendan Fraser. Um, and I, I just remember, too, because I saw it with my dad. He leaned over to me when he shows up in the courtroom. Uh, and my dad was like, is that the whale? <laughs> is that the whale? <laughs> that was my dad's reference. Oh, George of the Jungle. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's the dude from Blast from the Past, man. You know, <laughs> Dudley Do Right. Dudley Do Right. Yeah. It's Encino Man. It's the Mummy. <laughs> Encino Man. Yeah, that, that's the deep cut. Oh man, named California Man internationally because nobody knows where Encino is. The quiet American. Oh, no yeah. way. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in the Philippines, when it got released, it was called California Man. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, C- like, yeah. Encino is such a specific location oh my god right. it's like van nuys man or something it's like <laughs> yeah. jesus yeah and and the context has changed too because like encino's now kind of like more upscale right um oh, yeah yeah nice. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah and in the valley you know it's like yeah the people are yeah fancy over there yeah um mm-hmm. but yeah uh there's just so many it, it, i i think that's another thing about this film that i think will have lasting values is it's a great gallery of performances you know from mm-hmm. yeah all these people with the smaller roles i mean i haven't even highlighted the, um, you know the the sisters like uh especially uh cara jade myers who plays anna yeah, she's she really, really good. good uh you know i i hope like this leads to more roles for them you know and especially lily gladstone because i think she is like that redemption story even though not many people were following <laughs> her career up to this point but it's like for her to to turn around and like yeah reach stardom with this would would be amazing you know Um, i I think i mean if what i'm hearing is true i mean she seems to be a shoe in for 
not just a nomination, but oh, to actually win. win. Yeah, that probably would be great. the win. And um, you know, which would be, you know, I agree, it would be great for her, you know, especially if she was so close. I hadn't heard that she was uh, that close to like, you know, you know, calling it, maybe calling it a day, oh, you know, dang. as far yeah, as yeah, as a career. But um, yeah, I think I mean she she you know all the things you said before she just has such that that quality of like not having to um say much and you know i guess the physical acting the physical presence of of acting and you can see on her face through her expressions and even through her motions like what she's going through or what she's feeling and yeah you know like all the um the heartbreak and mistrust that you know, this, this gauntlet that she runs, uh, you know, with between her and, you know, uh, Ernest and, uh, you know, just all these people around her. It, it's, it's crazy, you know, um, you know, I hope she, you know, she gets her due, but, uh, what'd you think of, of Leo? <laughs> Are you asking me or asking Steve? Uh, both of you. Let's hear from Leo? Steve first. I've been saying a lot. So yeah. Sure. Well, how, how do I you mean, feel about Leo? I mean, it, in general, I'm kind of sick of him <laughs> in terms of just like <laughs> his persona and like the the articles and like just the the movie twenty five year old women. <laughs> yeah, the, just the just just the whole 25. Leo package is just mm-hmm. it's just like it's been that lemon's been squeezed. But like, right. so it's hard to like just focusing on the performances and right. you know I thought the main thing that I liked about the movie was I like that I'm kind of looking at obviously good looking people but not they're not classically good looking in this movie you know like leo has kind of like weird like yeah, was, was he wearing like like um a prosthetic tea? yeah yeah it seems like it, like his like, chin kind of like yeah juts out or whatever he has right that kind of like that and then yeah his, his downward, mouth yeah, is, yeah. mouth yeah yeah and then also like he has a permanent like furrowed brow like yeah. he's always like kind of just yeah. squinting <laughs> Yeah, his um, hair his hair isn't slick like it is in in so many other yeah, films, and so it's greasy. He's got the middle parting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so like in that sense, you know, if if I could put everything else aside and kind of watch this in a vacuum, like I I, I found his performance good. Like I was locked in on that character, Ernest. Um, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm 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 curious what you guys have to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm definitely a Leo skeptic overall. Like, I just don't believe in the why he. I don't the get. Hype. I mean, I understand like he's good looking and that appeal of it, but like talent wise, I don't think it, it's quite there. You know, I've mentioned this before. I think. I think. Uh, yeah. Well, we we didn't really talk about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because this was pre movie food days mm-hmm. when it came out, but like. That's always what I've just felt with him is like, you know, I admire that he tries, <laughs> right. but like, I don't believe in the performances most of the time. Like, I'm just like, yeah, he's just, he's acting like, it's just, uh, like, I think my favorite mm. performance of his is in catch me if you can, you know, uh, the Spielberg movie. Uh, Frank yeah, yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I think that was a perfect role for him. Cause it was like the perfect mix of like, he's kind of naive. He's, he's still got that boyish look about him. Um, and yeah, well, like that was always, I guess, part of the reason, like with all these Scorsese collaborations that they've had in the past two decades, um, of just, I didn't really like buy into it as like, oh, he's the lead. It was more like, oh, he's part of Scorsese's tapestry 
of what he's trying to tell even though he's he doesn't quite fit you know it's like uh, i mean you know the worst has to be their first collaboration which i thought they would never collaborate again after that was um because it was such a disastrous production um and the movie was a bomb um gangs of new york you know um uh but yeah i actually their follow-up movie to gangs of new york i i praised on this movie it was a carlos cannon uh the aviator like i really champion that movie right. now like i think it's one of the more underrated scorsese i agree with movies. you yeah yeah and like yeah he's great in it too and especially because i also suffer from some of his, his ailments like i'm not a clean freak but like i definitely like repeat things i say things over and over again and that's get what, some milk. Get yeah, some milk yeah yeah i get do that milk. yeah i'm gonna get the papers get the papers yeah <laughs> jimmy <laughs> two times yeah so um yeah uh yeah so i i think like i think his 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 screen presence is fine that's like my my mid take of, <laughs> of 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 Leo. It's not like I, I when I see it, I'm like, damn, this is a star. You know, he's he's definitely like not on the level of to me like Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise is like, you know, you just feel it in the movie. Like you can tell why Tom Cruise is a star. You yeah, know? he's like the last action right star, like movie star, like in the classical sense. Yeah exactly like that that's really what i feel and i think if if leo's like the next generation of that even though now he's you know he's pushing 50 um uh it's just yeah it's not like quite the torch and you know who's next after him like rob pattinson actually i i probably like rob pattinson more than i like leo and also the choices of, of movies that rob pattinson right uh, but, you know, that was one of the things that they revealed was that everything goes through Leo before everybody else. Like, mm -hmm. if Leo passes yeah. on it, then, you know, they'll start chopping it around to other actors. It's like, crazy he, how much power he has. Yeah, it's yeah. wild. Yeah, and that Is was... Is it that crazy, though? Well... I mean, he's a... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it, it really was, I think, that, that turning point of choosing Titanic over Boogie Nights, you know? Because that really gave him, you know, carte blanche on what he could do in hollywood you know because titanic was just so massive in every sense of the word but you know it's like um what pta says that you know leo was my first choice then but mark is my my first choice now you know but i, yeah, I think that would have been a completely different movie yeah it would i, mm -hmm. I it's almost like a happy accident like that it yeah 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 exactly you know, um i mean we hear this all the time about movies you know who was originally supposed to be cast mm -hmm. or who you know how and john travolta is a perfect example mm. there's tons of movies that that guy passed on yeah uh, and to do like other movies that ended up being forgotten you know <laughs> yeah. movies like uh um was it the what's the cowboy one uh uh urban cowboy uh, yeah, yeah urban, urban cowboy, cowboy yeah and, <laughs> um, that was an hbo like staple for me yeah. <laughs> like, i just put it on like I didn't even follow the story, and it was one of those movies I never even finished. Like I would just yeah. like watch parts of it, but it's like, oh, yeah, Sorbonne Cowboy, whatever. Yeah, I mean, Leo, yeah. I get what you guys are saying. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm not, I don't, I guess I don't hate on him as mm -hmm. much as as a lot of people do. Yeah, but I get it. I mean, I I feel like there is a little bit of fatigue with with Leo. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I agree with you in the sense that I I think that he's trying to do a good job and. Yeah. Does he always succeed? No. Um, but I think he's a pretty good actor. I think he, mm. he, you know, 
he's not great on the accents. I think that's um, <laughs> the unfortunate part is that Diamond? His, oh my God. his collaboration, you know, oh, yeah. like he always has to do an accent, right? It's like whether it's Irish yeah. or, you know, like oh, uh, Boston God. or oh. you know, The Departed or like, you know. Southern. Yeah. yeah. It, he just doesn't have that talent <laughs> no. of like of nailing down the accents. And yeah. shout out to Bill Scurry, who is the master <laughs> of pointing out the accents. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but I, I again, I appreciate that he's trying and it doesn't bother me like the accents doesn't bother me as much as it does you know like bill or, or most people but yeah you know i think he does a serviceable job and i guess i can imagine maybe a few other people in the in the role but uh i'm gonna go with uh you know scorsese on this one and, mm. and just be like i'm trusting in his judgment yeah. of you know whatever his newest muse is you know like that's <laughs> that's that's his that's his guy right you know and and that's who he sees in, in the role and yeah uh, you know and he's gonna get the performance that he wants out of him you know it's not like it's a, a play where they just do one take and that's it what it is you know they gotta you know shoot it a couple times and you know which he's right. not notorious for or anything but like yeah that, but. Th there was that um that kind of viral anecdote that went around i don't know if you guys read about it that like scorsese and de niro were kind of making fun of leo for improvising too much on the movie oh no I didn't. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was like them like sharing a joke of like yeah look at this kid <laughs> like, you know? i just saw but, that, that there wasn't there like a little mini video where uh they're both talking about like oh, this is my director and they're oh kinda, like, yeah, that's the short film. That, yeah, yeah. That was, I, I, I saw that after watching yeah, yeah, Killers yeah. of Our Room. It's a hilarious short film. I can't believe. Do you know what the budget of that short film? It's called no. The Audition, and it's obviously funded by Chinese money. Um, oh. it, it costs seventy million dollars to make, more than most feature films. Like Jeez. all, all three of those guys cashed out on this movie. <laughs> like, Damn. yeah, and it's like you know, it it's shot on like virtual sets. Like, there's a lot of CGI, <laughs> which is like. Un, uh, How yeah, long is that, is that film? It's like 15 minutes. Yeah, it's not that long. But, like, yeah, they spent $70 million Jeez. on that short film. But it, it's a really funny short film. I don't know. Have you seen this, Steve, the the short um, the audition? No. Oh, dude, you got to check it out. Okay. Cause, cool. uh, There's it, a few clips of it online that they're yeah. already playing on Twitter and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah. But the the whole thing, somebody uploaded it on YouTube. Right. Even though it's not the best quality, like, it, it's still watchable. And... I do like this whole thing of like, yeah, Leo and and De Niro kind of making fun of of themselves a little bit, right. and like you know they're they're kind of competing for the same role for the Scorsese movie, and then like um, they're even like kind of doing a dick measuring contest of like right. who's been in more Scorsese movies, <laughs> that kind of thing. So yeah, it's funny, and yeah, it's kind of like a weird prequel to <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon, um, but yeah. Uh, I, 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 I definitely have come around a lot to Leo. Maybe there was a time where I was just like, "Oh God, another Leo movie," you know, that isn't Scorsese. I, I, I didn't really care for it, <laughs> you know. But, um, uh, but yeah, uh, I feel like he's definitely, you know. I mean, I'm curious how he progresses, you know, out of context of whatever his personal life is and the the girls and all that. Um, you know, as an actor, like now entering, you know, middle age, you know, what what the the performances are going to be. Because, um, yeah, I mean, there's a weird connection, too, with 
with Killers of the Flower Moon because, you know, the looming presence in the movie is J. Edgar Hoover. Right. You know, because he's, he's the guy who basically brought the these investigators to that city. And then at the very end of the radio play, it's sponsored by the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover. Um, so, and then Leo plays J. Edgar in J. Edgar by Clint Eastwood, which I've never seen. It's terrible. But it's terrible? It's not I, bad. Okay. I hated that movie. <laughs> Okay. Did you see it, Steve? No. Passed. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was. It, I don't. I didn't. I mean, I, and I like Clint Eastwood, and, and mm-hmm. I like a lot of his movies, but that one just totally fell flat for me. Gotcha. Yeah. It's it's just incredible too going over his filmography, uh, Leo. That he's played so many real life right. people. You know, like when you look at it, it's just man. I mean, even this guy, Ernest Burkhart, is is a real person, and yep. uh, Frank Abagnale, um, Howard Hughes, uh, Jordan Belfort. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Like this whole lineup of of real people. Um, yeah, was I, the guy from The Revenant uh, based on a real person? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah was, he right? was too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's he's played a lot of real people. Um, yeah. So do you guys have any more thoughts on on Killers of the Flower Moon? Where where does it rank for you guys in like? Oh, good question. Yeah, I'll 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 hand it over to Steve first. Sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll say, let's like w- without thinking too hard. Let, let let's put it like s- top ten. We'll say Whoa. number number eight. <laughs> Whoa, that's pretty high, dude. I mean, considering. Well, how many? I guess how many? Scorsese films have you seen? <laughs> I mean, the, I probably see. I've, I've, I've probably seen. You seen seven? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's so just ranking all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's like it's it's definitely good. It's it's probably one of those movies that's actually in five years we're gonna look back and be like, you know what? Like, damn, like all these scenes are good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's how I feel. And just for whatever reason, in this current context, like the first first watch, the first hit. Yeah, it's a little sleepier. So yeah, yeah. Did you guys think it was too long? Because that was one of the big criticisms, right? Of it. Mm-hmm. Like people were saying, like I, I think there's a a good two and hour fifteen minute movie in there, but you know, <laughs> two and a half is too is too much, or three and a half is too yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. So it was long for you then, for sure. I would say so. Yeah. What about you, Carla? Was um, it too long for you? No, not at all. Uh, and yeah, I, I just think. Because I pretty, I, I'm just going over his filmography. I think I've seen every Scorsese feature film other than like Have you seen New York, New York. No, that one is uh, I haven't seen. That's like the uh, one that people <laughs> tell me I don't need to see. But yeah, I, yeah, I want to no, see I, it. No, I want to see it. And also because like, uh, <laughs> yeah, of the big budget and you know, um, I'm not a believer in Liza Minnelli. So, yeah, I'm not uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a, a skeptic on her. Um, but uh. I would say, yeah, it's like the '70s movies. There's, there's a couple of gaps. So, um, New York, New York, um, uh, Boxcar Bertha, and um, Alice doesn't live here anymore. And then his first film, um, Who's uh, That Knocking? Yeah, Who's That Knocking? Yeah. So I haven't seen those films, but Alice pretty... doesn't live here anymore. Is that... you should check that one out. Okay. I think you would like that one. All right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, pretty much everything from Mean Streets. Uh, well, yeah, Mean Streets was before New York, New York, right? But um, yeah, yeah. Whatever, what was after New York, New York? Was it Raging Bull? <laughs> uh, let's I think, see, New yeah. York, New York, and then it was The Last Waltz, yeah. then Raging Bull, 
Yeah, so he he's directed twenty seven feature films. I'm, I just looked it up. Wow. You know, this is the prolific. Um, yeah, that's incredible. From you know a career starting in the late sixties um, to now, uh, but I, I ha- kind of felt like there was more. But I guess you know because the documentaries also. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's done. He has done a lot more stuff, mm-hmm. but um, you know it shows sixty eight directing. You know things that's shorts, documentaries, yeah, everything. Ads, but yeah, but uh, as yeah. far as features, um, yeah, I, I hate that IMDb doesn't like categorize directing credits like they'll include like short films right. with features yeah. or like documentaries I hate that too. yeah with fiction like or ads with <laughs> you know with uh, proper films like yeah so tv series yeah, yeah exactly like those things need that. to be separated man they're um but uh but yeah i would say because of just like how strong the top 10 Scorsese for me yeah. is like yeah it's definitely outside of that top 10 yeah it would be but, for me also yeah but it, it's only because the of just how strong everything is it was like uh, this brings me back Steve when we were trying to rank Commando with the Schwarzeneggers <laughs> yeah yeah it's just because like the top three is just so strong that yeah, it's exactly. hard to break it's like a triple <laughs> Sophie's choice <laughs> yeah exactly. it's so hard I mean I love Commando <laughs> yeah. I love Predator. I love Terminator. Yeah. I, love, uh, I love Total Recall. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. There's so many good ones. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it's like. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. me thinking about it right now, I'm like, I know it's, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be in the bottom. No. Um, But, you know, again, talking about his bottom, his bottom is still not, they're no. not bad movies. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? like, they're still good movies that I yeah. own. And right. I, I still, you know, really like. Um. You know, like bringing out the dead, I think is a, a totally yeah. underrated movie. For yeah, absolutely. That yeah, a lot of people forget about, and I think it, it's getting more love now. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's a good movie. But yeah, I think it would. It's going to be in the middle for me somewhere. Like right. maybe like again, I I need to see it again. I've only seen it the one time, but it'll probably be hover right around that like mid upper middle to middle mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Gotcha. So is it safe to assume, uh, Jacob, that your number one Scorsese is Raging Bull? It is my number okay. one. Yes. <laughs> cool. Yeah. 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 Can you guess what my favorite Scorsese is? <laughs> Hold on. Oh God. Hold on. Boxcar Bertha. Oh no, wait. No, no that's yeah, the one I haven't seen. Yeah, you can try chime in too, Steve. What do you think mm, is my favorite Scorsese? On. Knowing, okay, knowing everything we know about the great yeah. Carlo here. It's actually oh. right right by my feet right now. <laughs> is it After Hours? Is it The Aviator? Jacob's correct. Yes, it is oh, After Hours. Yes, nice. that is my favorite Scorsese film. I saw um, that pretty recently. Like, oh, within really? Within the last Dude. Like, few years. That had been one of the ones that had yeah. escaped me, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I ended up buying it, you know, after... Uh, yeah, you have it, the cause Criterion. Cool. Yeah, because uh, it was like a big deal that it... Well, first, it was really hard to find um, on tape. And then when it came out on VHS, it was great because it had, like, the Scorsese commentary on it. Right. And, like, I think he's with Griffin Dunn and the producer, Amy Robinson, uh, who was the girl in Mean Streets. And she became a producer, which is right. funny. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, man, something about that movie, even though it was, like, a work for hire, like, that was his weird, like, mid-80s period where he was just kind of finding his pudding and he was just basically doing a lot of movies so he could make Last Temptation of Christ. Right. You know, um, but yeah, the pace of it, um, you know, I, I love that whole narrative of like the journey into the night and getting lost in the urban nightmare and then eventually moving to New York and obviously Soho is not that that way anymore. 
um but yeah the there you can have like those kind of adventures you know just because you like a girl and you know you want to pursue her <laughs> into the night and uh yeah it's just to me yeah it, it's the one i would rewatch the most out of mm, all his films cool. you know um there's so many just great moments that i love even it's a fun movie man it's yeah. a really fun movie <laughs> yeah like uh just one i want to highlight just one moment was when he doesn't even have enough change for the subway <laughs> And then he's like trying to tell the the attendant, it's like, hey man, come on, can you just let this slide? And then he's like, well, I don't know, I could get drunk at a party and then tell everybody that I let this slide. <laughs> you know, it's just so good. Yeah, and then Terry Gar's brilliant in it. Um, uh, Home Alone, Catherine O'Hara, <laughs> Kevin's also another, mom, another Home Alone, the dad. Is yeah, yeah, too. John Hurt is yeah, also John in Hurt. it. Oh shit, Rest who? In peace. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Um. Uh, just like a little uh, teaser for our next um, episode, we might actually be talking about a John Hurd movie. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But After Hours is is my favorite Scorsese. Uh, yeah. And I, I was so happy when Criterion finally released it. I'm trying to look for my copy right now. Or is it? Is it here? These are. This is my stack of stuff to like watch and rewatch. Yeah, it's right here. <laughs> this is my Criterion of After yeah. Hours. Yeah. Yeah, that just came out with this year or last. Yeah, yeah, it just came out this year. Yeah, it was like one of the most anticipated uh, titles because the, there were like rumors for a long time. Um, but yeah, like I, I would say, yeah, I, I really feel like Killers of Fire Moon is gonna grow. It's just a shame that its final place is gonna be on Apple TV, which is kind of an underrated streaming service. It's it's one of the, it's probably one of the cheapest. Uh, streaming services along with uh, Amazon. How much is it? Uh, I think it's like five bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely is one. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, Apple only has original content. Like they don't have like uh, you know, like a, a syndicated mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Or anything like uh, doing like reruns or something on on their streaming platform. Everything is like originally produced for the platform, which is admirable. But at the same time, it's like well, you know, like their main money maker was Ted Lasso and now it's over. So it's yeah. like yeah. people, well, yeah, <laughs> to be fair, their main m- money makers, iPhones. And oh yeah. Yeah. I, but I you mean, know what they're, I mean? they're yeah. different than Netflix, you know, Netflix right. just has Netflix, right? Yeah. But Amazon has, you know, this yeah. other, you know, parent company. Right. And then, yeah. You know, and they can afford this. to like bankroll yeah, I mean, these movies. They can basically fail and it's not going to hurt them. Because yeah. They're one of yeah, the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not made a big deal because like right now everybody's talking about the Marvels. But yeah, I mean, at the pace that um, Killers of Fire Moon is going, it's probably going to be a bomb because it's like a $200 million budget. And right. it made like what thirty five million twenty thirty million yeah. <laughs> in its opening weekend, so it's like it's it's not gonna make its money back, um, but you know it's like they gave Scorsese, you know. I think that that that's not their goal here. Their yeah. goal is to make a prestigious film, win mm-hmm. awards, right, and then steal that away from the studios and say like, look, we're making mm-hmm. content, so sign up for our service. We're making. Right, you know, because a lot of people are swayed yeah. by you know the Academy Awards and whatnot. Yeah, like, I mean they they already won wins. an Oscar for Coda, which yeah, everybody right, exactly. doesn't talk about. <laughs> I've never seen it, you know, and I probably will never it's, see it. It's fine, it's, yeah, yeah, but it's not what I would say is like you know it's going to be one of those things that yeah 
what what one back in the right yeah like, like king's speech or yeah like, or you know, shape of water yeah, <laughs> which we talked about on, very on the car ride uh, to the killer which is probably going to be next film but before we just get into it my i guess my last parting thought on on killers of the flower moon is um I, I didn't stay as long for the opening uh, the end credits in my first viewing because I, w- I was with my dad and my girlfriend. So it was like, you know, <laughs> they they kind of wanted to leave. <laughs> and we we <laughs> yeah. had like a reservation for dinner. They so had we had the fill of Leo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Um, so, yeah, we, we stayed a little bit. I think we only stayed until like the, the cast credits and then we left. But the second viewing, I sat through the whole thing. And, you know, because I was still reeling, like really moved by by the ending and it's just so beautiful because it's not like you know i mean you know, the, the most boring debate on film twitter is the scorsese versus marvel thing but like one of the things that people like one really interesting take i can't remember who posted it but it was just saying like how marvel movies have conditioned people to stay for the end credits just for that little sliver of the post credit scene yeah. which is so much better than the actual film that it's promoting <laughs> so it's like that just that few seconds um whereas you know nobody really stays for credits other than that you know like uh i mean i'll admit when i was a younger cinephile i would stay for the whole credits as kind of like i guess i thought i had to it was the honorable thing like i had mm. to do it because it's like i should respect like everybody right. who worked on this thing you know um but uh, now it's like I appreciate when they do actually give you something to say that isn't like a post-credit sequence. Like with uh, with Killers of Flower Moon, what they do because that's the key scene and it ties into that image that everybody had of the movie for the longest time of Ernest and Molly sitting <laughs> next to each mm-hmm. other on the table. That's when she's like saying, you know, it's it's that great scene where it the storm starts and then he 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 wants to close the window and he's like, no, leave the windows open and now we're gonna be quiet. You know, and they sit still. And I I remember the first time I saw it of the scene being a little longer. But in, when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, no, it's actually like it's very brief. And then it just cuts to um, the next moment. I can't even remember what the scene is after that. But so the the end credits is after the music subsides, you know, because it ends with the, the dance at the end with the drumming. Um, after that, all the subsides, it becomes the, the storm. So you just hear the storm through the rest of the credits. And yeah, it's really beautiful, you know, just listening to the storm and sitting in the dark, you know. And yeah, shout out to the the movie theaters that don't turn on the lights, you know, (laughs) until Mm -hmm. the credits are over. Um, So, yeah. I think a lot of those are on timers. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even the projectors are. (laughs) There's no projectionist anymore. It's just. That's so sad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because I used to do the projectionist, uh, you know, things. Yeah, dude, I it's just, a it's a lost profession. Yeah, yeah. at this point, bygone uh, era. Yeah. Unless you get yeah. to an old like uh, preserved, uh, you know, right? The theater, uh, like yeah, that. or like the new Bev, or right. um, he's uh, opening up a new one, right? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's opening soon. Um, uh, he actually bought the Vista. Yeah, theater. the Vista. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Los Feliz. So yeah. um, yeah, the, like uh, they're they're also still gonna stick with the shtick of uh, I call it a shtick, but it's like film only but they're going to be doing more like new releases there it's not just going to be uh so they want to keep the the programming different from the new bev which is admirable I, you know it's like you know who wants another new bev theater <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. um uh even though it's great what they're doing there i mean i think yeah like let's let's uh, change up the programming a little bit so 
I forgot what what's opening it too. Um, uh, but yeah, I would imagine you know it's gonna be a big deal when uh when Tarantino's last film comes out. That's gonna be playing. It looks like True Romance and Thanksgiving. Is it done? Gonna be I, or playing what? at the Vista. Really? Uh, oh, that's the double feature. Quit. Yeah, like a, like oh. I see an article in L.A. Times. Wow. Uh, Vista Theater will return with True Romance and Thanksgiving. What a fascinating choice! Like it's that's not an Eli Roth movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Another expanded uh, movie from a trailer, a trailer in in yeah. House. Where's the uh, yeah. the women of the SS? Yeah, the she wolf. She wolf. <laughs> no, uh, what I want to see is don't the Edgar Wright oh, the haunted house yeah. movie. That's the, the that's feature funny. I want to see. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, they've made Machete, right? And, mm-hmm. and this one, it's like, come on. Like really, um, you know that was part of the appeal. Was the trailers? They were just trailers. They right, were fun. I know, it was cool. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I guess yeah, he's starting with True Romance. Maybe also, I guess, as a tribute to Tony Scott. You know, um, which I yeah, I recently got his last film on on Blu-ray too. Um, Unstoppable. Right there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right there. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is a, a favorite of Tarantino's. He was on um, the Rewatchables uh, podcast talking about it with Bill Simmons. So, Tony Scott's got a great filmography. Yeah, I did an yeah. episode oh, yeah. with um, uh, James on, on that. Um, talking oh. about Tony Scott. Oh, I gotta listen to that man because yeah, I, I'm a I'm a latecomer to to Tony Scott. I mean, you know, I obviously have seen the bigger Tony right. Scott movies, but yeah, I never really dug deeper than that, and I kind of like tuned out after Man on Fire. You know, but like, yeah, I've heard like Domino's great, and um, Domino's is yeah. is like one of those movies that I think when I first saw it, I didn't because I saw it in the theater. Mm. I was like, eh, it's okay. But then, like, as I like would see it on like TV and like yeah. watch it more and more, I grew, I grew an appreciation for it. Nice, yeah, and it's written by Richard Kelly, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely intrigued by that, and um, yeah, I I have an appreciation for Deja Vu. A lot of the I Denzel. love Deja Vu. Yeah, all the Denzel. Mm. I love Deja Vu. A lot of <laughs> people Scott. don't like that movie, but I, no, I love I, it. No, it's I'm a great. sucker for time. Tra- you know, yeah, like and New Orleans setting. You know, it's I'm great. A sucker for the, that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, even True Romance, I think, is is worth revisiting. Uh, Crimson Tides. Uh, oh over. yeah, yeah. Which Tarantino did like uh, uncredited yeah, rewrites yeah, on. You right? can tell which parts that he <laughs> he did. You know, when they're talking about Silver Surfer and. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that. But that's two like you know giants going against each other, Denzel mm-hmm. and Gene Hackman. It's right. It's fa- and there's actually the supporting cast. You got Vigo Mortensen, James oh, Gandolfini. Uh, you got Steve Zahn. You got the kid from uh, Bron- Bronx Tell. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That dude. there's so many people in that movie. <laughs> it's it's got like a who's Sweet. who of in that movie and it, it's it's great it's fantastic okay awesome yeah yeah I, that, yeah that's definitely one i've seen but like i guess it was during that time where i was just like watching movies as movies not right. really paying attention to who made it yeah um but yeah yeah for sure tony scott uh what a legend man yeah unstoppable is great too i mean his train movies that and uh even his his the remake, of, uh, yeah, one, two, three. is not bad, but you know the the original is just so good. Like that's why I can't. I think uh, it's not bad, but I think John Travolta. Oh yeah, he's pretty awful. That's probably the the, the worst part of it. Yeah, yeah. But I saw that sure. in the theater too. Mm, yeah, and he just doesn't compare to Robert Shaw in yeah. the original. Like Robert Shaw was just so good. All right. Okay. So, I guess we're we're on to our second 
um, of our double feature. Uh, yeah. Second entree. Yeah. The second um, entree, which is David Fincher's The Killer. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Before we, we head into The Killer, a uh, quick question for both of you. What's a wine pairing for uh, for Killers of the Flower Moon? <laughs> oh, shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wine pairing yeah. for Killers of the Flower Moon. Do you have one while while we think? Yeah, this is tricky. Okay. Well, I would say um, Jacob actually gave me one uh, for Scorsese. Uh, Scorsese. I keep saying Scorsese. Yeah, everybody's so used to Scorsese, but he pronounces it Scorsese. So I'm going with Scorsese <laughs> uh, since the man himself pronounces it that way. Um, uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. I think I'll, I'll check that out because it's also like, yeah, it's a very strong female lead mm-hmm. uh, with Ellen Burstyn. She won an Oscar for that, yeah, right? She won an Oscar yeah, for that, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and it is a gap in my Scorsese. I mean, I guess at this point, I just gotta watch all of them. You know, I gotta, yeah. <laughs> I gotta complete the filmography. So I'll even watch a Boxcar Bertha, which you know Cassavetes, you know, ripped into him for, and you know, it resulted in Mean Streets. You know, he's like, "What the fuck is this piece of shit, Marty?" <laughs> um. Uh, and yeah, his first film, you know, just, uh, I guess as, uh, you know, just as an, in, uh, as something as like, you know, how did it all start? You know, and he worked with Keitel on that film. Um, yeah. Speaking of Criterion, they also have that great set of like his shorts and yeah, I think it has his first film, his first student short and the big shave, which I love like, um, on max, it gets categorized as horror. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the big shave is a horror movie um uh but yeah uh, my personal um i i think uh um wine pairing for killers of flower moon is also another um white man <laughs> uh telling the story of how we've uh uh how this country has destroyed the natives and uh that's a dead man by jim jarmusch mm-hmm. that would be my wine pairing for killers of the flower moon good have one that came to mind, but I, I don't know how it's gonna come off. But no, go ahead, man. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, say, put it out there. Michael Mann's Public Enemies is my Ooh. Uh, yeah, you didn't pick the obvious choice, mm. which would have been Last of the Mohicans. No, no, yeah. Um, so why Public Enemies? I just feel like it's uh, the story again, another long movie, right? Um, true story, true story. Uh. You know, another pretty boy in the in the title role, uh, Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like you know, has always uh, kind of been uh, pegged with that. But uh, also this kind of also a love story, like in in woven in between, and the, the deception that that's uh, right. played in. And then it's kind of like set in this older time, this older time period. Yeah, um, were they FBI too? Like Christian Bale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. So there you go. There's a connection. Down, so. So yeah. yeah, that's that would be my wine pairing. Ah, good shit. And like, yeah, and, and another master of uh, film, Michael Mann. Right, and it's also another film. I think the deeper cut there is like, it's one that a lot of people didn't appreciate when it came out, and I was also one of them because I was just like, I couldn't, my eyes could not adjust to the digital, like looking like that real, because we're just so we we're so used to like old films that are set in the past looking like film. Yeah. But the fact that he just shot it like the same way he shot Miami Vice was just like so jarring. But now it holds up. 
it's like now I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, actually, I appreciate the way this movie looks. You know, it was it was yeah. definitely the movie. I saw that in the theater, and mm-hmm. I remember I was disappointed by it. Yeah, same. and then um, you know, I, I had kind of like some of the critiques that this movie has, uh, Killers of Flower Moon, where I was mm-hmm. like, ah, it's too long, and you know, I did, wasn't really into the story or whatever. But then yeah. when I revisited it then I kind of got a, a newer appreciation for it. And then, you know, I've seen it a few times uh, since then. I own it. Yeah. So, like, you know, I've, again, gone back and able to maybe – sometimes, you know, it's the mood I'm in or maybe I'm, I wasn't ready to see that and yeah. appreciate it. You know, especially – there's tons of movies I watched when I was younger – you know, when I was just kind of like you were saying before, just watching movies, <laughs> just like go through somebody's filmography or just right. check that check that out the, off the list. That, oh, yeah, I've seen it. But then I didn't really like watch it. You know, I just yeah. my eyes saw it, but I didn't watch it like my brain didn't mm. like register it. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. now when I've gone back to, you know, see it, I go, oh, OK, I can see I can see what what what's here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, like Michael Mann proves us all wrong in the end, you know, because I, I think. He's in this weird era now of like people have reservations about Ferrari. And I mean, that's the last movie of the year that I'm going to be hyped to see, you know, because right. it opens on Christmas Day. Um, but, you know, they, they say it's flawed. You know, Black Hat has its critics, even though I love Black Hat, mm. you know. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 this like over time. It's just like I mean, it, I think the most like kind of um, apocryphal thing about Michael Mann is his use of music in movies because like out of context these these tracks suck like i really don't like a lot of the music that he uses <laughs> but like in the movies it's like holy shit like he makes me like moby you know it's like <laughs> he made moby like very moving at the at the end of heat you know it's like uh and i don't remember are there any like um anachronistic songs in in public enemies does he use like a pop song or is there like a rock score or something remember. yeah i'm trying to remember too but I mean, I remember... I feel like there is, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Scorsese would do that with... Like, you know, there was, like, that... Um, oh, Scorsese's that ro- Needle Drop King. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that's kind of been toned down now, maybe because they're yeah. so expensive. Like, I, I feel like um, uh, Wolf of Wall Street really was the last of yeah. those movies. And even that has, like, a really terrible needle drop in it. It's um, uh, for uh, Everlong, the Foo Fighters song. Like, it's used terribly in the movie. Like, it's basically when they're on the yacht and then the the camera's, like, zooming out. And it's just, like, why even use that song? Like, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased because it's, like, it's a movie that I, I really like, you know. I, I mean, a song that I really like and is personally significant to me. So, you know, that's a rare misstep for Scorsese with, with needle drops. But yeah, Public Enemies, good choice, Jacob. I feel like yeah, that's a good one. Um, so how about you, Steve? What's your wine right. pairing for Killers of the Flower Moon? All right, let's go. Steven Seagal on Deadly Ground. Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Steve just brought the pain. You know, oh my god! Fighting over we we, we got Seagal fighting over oil rights. <laughs> trying to do what's right he's native for, american for the eskimo or the natives it's unclear you know you i think you have you have asian actresses in there playing you know native americans or right like i'm not sure how it all works out but <laughs> you know it's 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 seagal yeah. doing his thing and it's probably short it's, this is probably a short movie yeah it looks like it's 100 100 minutes there you go perfect <laughs> um well okay i have a little anecdote about this movie i've never seen it Ooh. but i know that Seagal was uh, crying after he read this script. 
and he said like this is the most beautiful script I've ever read. <laughs> That's awesome. And then I love it. They asked him like who wrote it? I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a passion project for him. He wrote it. <laughs> I he didn't direct it though. I don't think he's ever directed no, it. No, it says it movie. says it's directed by Steven Seagal. Oh shit. Oh man, I I, I stand corrected then. Damn. Okay. Written and directed and starring and produced, but is it produced by him too? Oh god! I would just love for that credit Triple of threat. just like everything. Yeah. yeah, quadruple threat even. Um, man, yeah, okay. I, I think we got to do this movie, Steve. This is definitely gonna be. So, what year was this? Ninety. Oh my god, ninety four. Okay, so it's gonna be the thirtieth anniversary next year. Yeah. Okay. Wait, he didn't write it though. It says written by. Oh, okay. Ed, Ed Horowitz. Yeah, Robin... but let's let's bring back Petros. Let's go. <laughs> no, for sure. He's His name he's is our... Forrest Taft in it too. Oh yeah. man. Oh, and he's definitely wearing like the Glimmer Man, uh, like the necklace, right? He's yes. <laughs> yeah. It's he's got, got Michael Caine a... oh. is second build. Holy smoke! Oh wow! Yeah. Um. Congratulations, McGinley. Yeah. McGinley, Arley. Yeah, Army. McGinley, California from Billy seven. Bob Thornton. Oh wow! What a cast! I don't remember all these people. <laughs> Have you seen um, on Deadly Ground? Yeah, uh, Jacob. I've seen it. Okay, and I, I, not one of my favorites of Seagulls. <laughs> yeah, this is. I actually think this is when the downward spiral started. Oh started wow! Before okay. Before that, you know, when he had uh, Above the Law and Hard to Kill, mm-hmm. Out for Justice, Marked for Death. Oh yeah. Both of the Under Sieges and man, like that was. That was the run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, good pick, Steve. And you have seen it, right? Or did you just pick yeah. that out of the hat? No. <laughs> yeah. You I've have seen, seen it. it. Yeah. I've okay. Seen it. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. He's watching it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's on, on the in the background. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's 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 pretty awesome, dude. All right. All right. Well, there we go. That's our our triple wine pairing for for Killers of a Flower Moon. I couldn't have thought of a more diverse. Uh, like uh, pairings of uh, public enemies, uh, dead man, and on deadly ground. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to cleanse the, the palate because we have yes, uh, let's do it. a whole other, you know, array of of uh, tastes and um, flavors coming up here with this Fincher, this Fincher oh, fellow. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get into it. The Killer. So it came out a week after um, – uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, also a movie by a big streamer, Netflix. But uh, tragically, unlike uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, it did not get a wide release. Yeah. It, it's only playing in, in major cities. Uh, I, we had to drive to L.A. But, yeah, that was a fun thing, Jacob. So we all drove to L.A. together to go see it. Nice. It was your first time going to Alamo Draft House. What, do you, what did you think of, of the place? I was disappointed. Okay. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> I, I'm going to... You know, yeah, go ahead. I'm again. I'm just being truthful. Yeah, you know, I understand that you know they have this whole phone policy, which I think is great. It's yeah. fantastic. But Morthia, I was very distracted it. by the waiters and right. going under, like underneath me. Mm-hmm. You know, past me. You know, the guy ordering this martini next to me and telling <laughs> me, I don't know, he wants it like James Bond or whatever the fuck he wants. Oh, he didn't write it down. He had to say he wrote it. it down. But then he they were talking. You know. Oh like, come on, yeah. I just yeah I, that really it just bugged me. Um, yeah, I I will say um 
based on going to the Alamo for a few years now, um, I mean, you know, the LA one only rec- uh, recently opened. I think it opened in 2019. I, the first movie I saw there was uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, but the one in New York, uh, the one that was originally in Brooklyn, um, uh, I feel like the, the standards have, have gone down quite a bit because <laughs> uh yeah before they were very good at like being out of the way that wasn't like distracting like there was definitely one server at our screening that just didn't give a fuck like he was standing he never like stooped down to like serve the food he would actually walk through the the aisle standing up like full height yeah. so you would see the bottom of his head on the screen and then um and then the the main server lady as as sweet as she was she was talking very loudly during the trailers like just yes, explaining the rules to everybody yeah and i'm like really like is yeah. that like kind of intuitive so yeah i i i definitely understand your disappointment jacob yeah. um well, especially yeah. when yeah. you're you're paying that much for yeah know, an experience right yeah, yeah and i get it like it's nice to get like these gourmet you know mm. like these servings and alcohol yeah. and all this stuff but i'm kind of like the person that like look let's either eat before we go to the movies or let's eat after like, yeah you know, and i actually yeah. kind of like it i like to like eat after and just like talk about yeah. what we saw and just Absolutely. have that conversation kind of like we're having now yeah you know i think that's maybe one of the fun parts about you know when i used to go see movies with my dad mm-hmm. like we'd go we'd get out at you know whatever one o'clock one thirty <laughs> in the morning go hit a taco truck you yeah know, in, in la you know because my dad lived in la right and um you know we'd go you hit ever up go a taco to tommy's truck. tommy's oh yeah, yeah. We, we used to go to tommy's all the time in and but, out yeah, yeah we would go hit usually we would go hit a taco truck you okay know? And, you know, get some tacos, you know, and I mean, we used to get a lot of tacos. Like I would eat, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not joking. You know, the little street tacos. Oh yeah. I yeah. Eat, like 30 by myself. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Just like, a, like carne asada. Oh, like, geez. Uh, you know, uh, lingua, throwing it down, man. Or, you know, yeah, I would throw yeah, it down. Yeah. In between, know? uh, like great lively movie conversation. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and you know, we would talk about that. We'd talk about what we're going to do this weekend. Yeah. You know? Like it, awesome, it just man. was an experience. And so. Yeah, for me, yeah, I, I just, I think it was, it just wasn't for me. The, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I really do think like, yeah, maybe just have snacks, bite beforehand, and that's it. Like, yeah. I don't really understand the dinner and a movie at the same time thing. Like the appeal of that. Like, it's just you know, it's also even just to me the the small distraction is even the light underneath yeah, the right. seats because it's like that's how you have to look at the menu and write down whatever it is that you want right yeah so i yeah i'm also not completely sold but yeah at the same time it's like um like alamo draft house is now basically the only theater that kind of carries the same kind of prestige that the art light used to have you know it's like there's no other theaters like that i think in la that like are still like respectful about what they're showing and then also like keeping people away from their phones and being quiet. I will say, though, that maybe Mm. if the movie was a different... Maybe if it was, like, a comedy movie Mm -hmm. or something like that, but when it's a a drama, you know, like, where you, you... you kind of have to pay attention and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was very distracting, but maybe if it was just, like, a, a... typical like comedy movie or whatever it probably would have been just fine it would have been fine it wouldn't have bothered me but yeah or if it was like something you've seen before you think um Mm. like many times would it still bother you maybe yeah something i've seen many times yeah 
you know, but even like then, you know, the experiences like seeing it with other people that like that movie and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right. Again, I, I, I just think we need to separate <laughs> like don't don't Restaurant. fix what it wasn't broken. Right. You know, <laughs> right. we had the popcorn and the candy and the yeah. soda. That's it. It's perfectly Keep fine. It like you know? Nachos. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't have yeah. To ha- I don't have to have a four course meal, you know, right. curated for me. For yeah. A movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was even just like going back a little bit. It was a fun ride driving, and then you you were showing me photos of um, <laughs> of all your mo- your movie stub collection, yeah. and then um, and then uh, what was wild was you had this uh, um, the spreadsheet of all the movies that you saw when you were on that art light run that you were doing, right? Epic run, yeah, yeah, that's wild. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was just like noticing all these movies and yeah, we were even talking about some of them, uh, earlier before we were recording, like you had seen dark water. Right. Um, but yeah, like that was impressive that, that, and yeah, just the fact that art like doesn't even exist anymore. Right. Um, and you saw those movies then it's like, man, um, what, a <laughs> um, End like time capsule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, um, I think, yeah, overall, I think. It was just like going to see the movie with you was fun, and then like talking a little bit about it. But like you know, I was I was holding back a little bit because I wanted to save right, it right. for this conversation right, that right. we're having now. Um, and yeah, we we gave it some time because like uh, we wanted you, Steve, to catch up. Oh, cool! Um, now that it's on Netflix, and also for me, like some time passed, and I also so I watched Killers of the Flower Moon twice, and I also watched The Killer twice, um, and I watched it on Netflix. Um, so did you did you get a chance to see it again? Yeah, I watched Jacob? it. I watched it again when it nice. came out. Uh, cool. And so I saw saw it twice now, mm-hmm. uh, once in the theater nice. and then once on online. So same, yeah. So um, yeah. In our in our previous episode that you appeared in, Jacob, we kind of established that you're a big fan of Fincher. Yes. You know, and uh, so this is like a big event. You know, a new Fincher film. Yeah. I mean, we only get them like every couple of years now. Even though sometimes mm-hmm. he'll have like this streak of like, I mean, you know, wasn't Girl with Dragon Tattoo like right a-, a year after Social Network? Uh, yeah, it was, like they were back to back, I think. Like, yeah, it was, I think it, yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty, 2010, pretty, 2011. Pretty so, after, yeah. yeah, so he'll he'll do that sometimes, but then yeah, like uh, more recently, obviously because he's he's also been dabbling a lot in TV, right? You know, um, he had House of Cards and Mindhunter, R.I.P. Um, but, I'm still kind of pissed about yeah. that. I want that third season. But, Same, yeah. yeah. I want, I, I want it to come around to. And we, we were dis- discussing this, like the tease of BTK. Yeah, I know. Dennis Raider, like we'll never get that. It's just like so sad. Oh, yeah. Or if we uh, get it, it won't be him behind mm-hmm. it. You know, like oh, Netflix come on. will do some like thing where they'll get somebody else that to do it but it won't be him you know? yeah I mean, he that, won't that be would be awful it, which it won't just be the yeah same. yeah it's like um uh i'm trying to think of other series where they had they changed hands like actually we we kind of talked about it a little bit because um you had never seen it the girlfriend experience mm-hmm. tv show so the first two seasons were handled by amy simons and uh, lodge kerrigan and they've only released the first season on on blu-ray the second season you still have to stream it through right. stars and i lent it to you but yeah the, the third season Lodge Kerrigan and Amy Simons left, and I'm like, well, then that's not the show anymore. It's right. like somebody else, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm not interested in in seeing the show because that there's such an integral part of it, you know. So it would be the same with Fincher, even though he doesn't direct all the episodes of of Mindhunter. His his stamp 
is indelible. Yeah. And yeah, I guess the best like way of going into the killer is he is one of the the last I think practitioners of the art of opening credits. And yes. the killer just starts right away after the Netflix. Doom. Yeah, it's just like, oh shit, we're we're in this. Like this is it. And you noticed more details than I did at the beginning that it was like all these different ways of killing people. I, like, I think yeah. what it's showing is mm-hmm. that all the ways that Fastbender's character yeah. has killed people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and there's some like you know obvious ones in there, but there's some funny ones in there. <laughs> you know, like one with like a snake. <laughs> like he got like a poison snake. One, he dropped like a hair dryer in the water. Yeah, in the bathtub. Like, like, oh, like one one yeah. was a bag over the head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I really, I mean, to me, the title sequences in Fincher's films mm-hmm. are like an event. And like, it's, like, yeah. it's almost like this like little, you know, cherry on top that we get of this Sunday. Um, where it's almost like you can watch it as a mini movie itself, you know? Right. So I was really excited when... I knew we were going to watch this movie, and I was, like, gearing up for when the movie started after the credits and everything, or after the trailers, and yeah. to see, like, what 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 is this movie going to bring us? Because, you know, he's had so many memorable ones. Uh, you know, you talked about Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, you know, incredible. With the, the, I think it's Karen O is singing uh, um, uh, an immigrant, immigrant song. song. Yeah. It's just an awesome, you mm-hmm. know, opening, and, you know, he's just had so many of those, you know, fight from Fight Club to, yeah, right. to you know, just so and- many. And you can even, like, break down, and I'm sure there's, like, a YouTube video essay of, of, of Lip Fincher opening credits because there's these these opening credits that just start right away. They're right. so bombastic. So, like, this one, it's not bombastic, but it's, like, it, it just, like, it. there's no cold open. Right. And then there's certain yeah. ones where there are a cold open and then the credits. Right. Seven is an example. Um, social Network. Social Network. But, yeah, even Social Network has its own subcategory because I would even argue that, Social Network and Zodiac, which most people would say are his best films, they also have the most low-key opening credits of yeah. them all because it's it's more like there's action going on. It's it's still part of the narrative because like you know we're following Zuckerberg basically like running Walking through yeah, yeah back to his his dorm room, and then with uh, Zodiac it's like um, uh, Graysmith is like dropping off his son. Oh, like interesting bit of trivia, by the way. I I think we mentioned it, Steve, be- previously, but I, it's worth bringing up again. Graysmith's son, the actor, is the lead in Monsters of California. That's his Whoa. kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he grew up to play <laughs> uh, the lead in Monsters of California. So wow. yeah, he was the young Graysmith kid. Um, yeah, and he's the one who swallows the toothpaste, you know, because it tastes so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah the the title shows up in zodiac like over jake gyllenhaal's shoulder yeah. it's just like so low-key and i mean even a uh, uh gone girl right. also has a very low-key credit but it, it's a mood setter that's yeah. that's the thing about all of them that's the one thing that you can you can link all of the the credit story like he he understands that credits are a way to you know this is the bizarre thing even though it was his previous film i don't remember the opening credit sequence of of mank do you? <laughs> How does the the opening credits of Mank go? <laughs> That's a good question. Is it like a classical, like black and white Hollywood style? You no, know, I don't remember. Cre- yeah, exactly. It's you like... got me stumped on this, yeah. one, Carlo. I guess I'm not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, I Son think, I, yeah, I I would definitely be down to just rewatch all the the opening credits of. Yeah, I'm sure I'm there's picture. a YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm this. looking. Yeah, I'll 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 post it in the show notes if I find it. Yeah. Okay. All right. For sure. Um, 
Yeah, because even like something like Panic Room, which I I mean it's I'm due for a rewatch. I haven't seen it since that came out. So, um, but yeah, that has a great opening credit right, sequence, and I mean, uh, a lot has been made about like how the opening credit sequence of the game is a big uh, influence on um, Succession, on the opening credits of Succession. You know, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, this guy, he is the master. <laughs> he like uh, we're we're so lucky that there's still somebody who gives a shit about opening credits <laughs> in this yeah. day and age, you know, and really makes a show of it. Because yeah, I, uh, yeah. What would you say, Jacob, is your favorite Fincher opening credit sequence? Favorite? Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough one. I really like Seven. Mm. Yeah. And Fight Club would be up there too. Um, but Girl with the Dragon Tattoos is <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. Um, it would probably be between Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Seven. Okay. Yeah, I think those would be gotcha. right up there. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, just it, the the thing that makes, I think, the girl with the dragon tattoo so unique is because it it is a song that begins a movie um yeah most of his films uh, with the opening credits it's more like a soundtrack that plays over the the credits um even though you know like um social network before the credits in the cold open it's it's ball and biscuit by um white stripes right, that right. plays right, right. um over the columbia <laughs> yeah you just can't forget these kinds of things even the logo yeah yeah that classic guitar riff but um yeah so yeah how about you steve do you have a favorite uh fincher God. opening credit i mean sequence? i was gonna say seven because mm-hmm. i just love you know him in writing in the notebook and just you know y- he gives you information that you're not going to ordinarily get in the in the rest of the movie, which yeah. is really cool. But I'm watching the I'm rewatching the girl with the dragon tattoo right now on mute, <laughs> and and even on mute, it's like it's like <sighs> yeah, pretty spellbounding, yeah, yeah, and yeah, such a powerful cover. I mean, the original is is already great, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, the, I I remember Fincher's story about how he he was listening to the Led Zeppelin original driving while they were location scouting and he got that idea it's like it should be sung by a woman and like he told trent Reznor, like can you call up your friend karen o and like yeah it will all make sense like just make right (laughs) yeah and then yeah it it, it totally paid off um yeah and it's just like the other i guess um kind of uh, unintentional well it is intentional because it is the opening credits and it's showing you all these these people, I remember the names of all the people who've worked on on Fincher movies because of the opening credits. Like mm, I see Kurt cool. Baxter or Angus Wall, I'm like shit. Yeah, like we're we're in Ren Kleiss. You know, you see him in in all the Fincher opening credits. Uh, um, I, I and yeah, I have to say, yeah, my my favorite opening credit sequence of of um Fincher's is is Fight Club because it's just man. I mean. Mm-hmm. It, it it's tied to the narrative you know it's not like an independent um uh like sequence like girl with a dragon tattoo like where it's like it, it hints at things in girl with a dragon tattoo but this one we're, we're coming from let's say the narrator's brain right and you see all these synapses snapping and then the i mean you know it's still one of my favorite fincher soundtracks uh the dust brothers, the dust brothers yeah. yeah soundtrack is so good and Again, you know, just a, uh, I had to rewatch Fight Club uh, in between the, my two viewings of The Killer, 
because I also hadn't seen it in a while and just wanted. I was curious to see if it held up. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not the same way as when I I originally saw it when it first came out. You know, it was just like such a. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like so shocking, I guess, in a way. Um, uh, that I, I I definitely enjoyed it so much. Um, even though it was a little uncomfortable to watch it with my mom in the theater. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the thing, but um, but yeah, I yeah, I guess I was at that age too. Where my mom was like letting me watch like more, you know, mm-hmm. um, mature <laughs> movies. Uh, but yeah, the opening credits of, of Fight Club is just uh, yeah. There's something yeah, to it. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. All the CGI and we, that's that's another thing about Fincher. The trademark uh, with, is the the he he uses a lot of CGI in his films, um, which is unusual for for a, a film that isn't like a, a genre film, like right. a sci-fi film or. Something that really you'd think is effects heavy because he, he he uses it invisibly. Like um, one of the things that continues that lineage in this film, since we see a lot of people die, is that he uses digital blood, and um, you know the reason for that, right, Jacob? Like why he he started using digital no, instead what, what's of the reason? it's because of the the multiple takes. So if you're if you're shooting multiple takes of people getting shot, like he started it with Zodiac, I think. You know, like the opening sequence, the July 4th sequence where they the couple get shot in the yeah. car. Like, they're able to do multiple takes of it because they don't have to clean up the blood, right. you know, splattering all over the car. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a big, like, proponent of, of using digital blood in his movies. But, you know, he does it well. You know, it's not that obvious that it's digital, which is right. Great. Like, he, yeah. Uh... I mean, it looks... To me, it looks good. I mean, mm-hmm. as opposed to some of the stuff that they're, you know, they're spending all this money on and looks like shit. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, exactly. Wait, you know, there's a way that you can do it and, you know, yeah. and be subtle about it. Like, even in Panic Room, there's a great scene where it goes through the keyhole. And kind oh, of yeah, that, yeah. You know, and obviously it's a digital effect, but mm-hmm. uh, it's done so, so, so well. But uh, going back to the title sequence, mm-hmm. I think why he's so strong at, at these title sequences is because he comes from a commercial music right. video background and mm-hmm. you know those are like mini movies right and so this is like his opportunity where he you know obviously has the iconic uh you know um vogue and you know so many um great you know short films or if you want to call them short films that this is like that's where he sees the importance of this this title sequence it, yeah it means something you know yeah absolutely and um yeah and it leans towards his um his emphasis on I mean, this part of his practice of of, of previs previsualization. So yeah, like there's a lot of talk about that with with Panic Room of how like those sequence were sequences were set up. Like he he can't work any other way. It has to be done that way now. Right. Like it's like everything is done through a computer where you know you, he has the shot set up in advance. And that's the thing. Like I don't really think I align with Fincher aesthetically that way like I, I i'm more of like you know seat of my pants like spontaneous but i admire that he does that and the results you know uh prove themselves like you know it, it's worth what he does and even like you know he gets a lot of criticism for that perfectionism of the multiple takes you know um but yeah i mean you you see the results then it's worth it you know <laughs> i mean just look at his filmography i mean yeah i feel like he he has a pretty good resume yeah so 
it's funny we talk about Fincher and his process and that's what's been made of with this film that it's also like a process film about like a perfectionist who fucks up you know <laughs> which is just funny mm. to me because it's like that's the other thing with with Fincher too like there's these you know he's known as a perfectionist but yeah it, he's not a perfect filmmaker you know right. like yeah there's there's definitely flaws in his films and that's actually what makes them I guess more human and like when even I think it branches out to his acting performances like that that's what makes him funny is because like yeah he he can um kind of present this kind of formal like prim and proper guy but then there's also like this perversion mm -hmm. this undercurrent which gives the films the edge you know um like yeah one of my favorite like uh David Fincher like cameos is the the art critic uh, or is like is he like a cultural critic in um, being John Malkovich? He like shows up on TV. And, like he's like one of the people like praising John right. Malkovich for becoming a puppeteer, like choosing the second career. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, there's this this whole thing about process and like um, uh, that's what we get like from uh from the killer as we'll call him i guess because uh, he, he's never given a name um he starts like talking about well, he's his... given names but oh, yeah. we'll talk about yeah, that we'll, later. we'll get into that yeah because yeah. i i have like a, a few questions but um it's funny so do you guys remember the philosophy that he, it's like kind of like his mantra he he says these things over and over again yeah well yeah like his main line is like something about um it's not like be prepared but it's yeah I, yeah, do you want me to read the the uh, verbatim philosophy? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, got it in yeah, my notes. Okay, it. so stick to your plan, that anticipate, yeah. don't improvise, trust no one, never yield an advantage, fight only the battle you're paid to fight. <laughs> that yeah. that's the, that's the philosophy, and you can even say that that's Fincher's philosophy in filmmaking. You know? Yeah, <laughs> especially the um like the never yield an advantage you know he's a as much as like he considers himself oh yeah and here's another parallel hired gun you know like he he doesn't feel like he makes personal movies or movies for himself but at the mm. same time like yeah there's there's a personal touch you can identify like what a fincher film is right um so you know there's that paradox there and then um yeah the the fight the the only the battle you're paid to fight it's like you know that's the other thing too like he's not if like hbo doesn't want to continue with his utopia show then he's not gonna do it or yeah if if netflix doesn't want to continue with with mindhunter he's not gonna do it either you know it's mm -hmm. like he yeah he's not willing to compromise in that sense um but then yeah you have like this anomaly and th this is my only blind spot in the fincher filmography of benjamin button you know <laughs> of like yeah what what led him to choose that movie <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, like it, it's kind of a blemish in this like kind of consistent filmography. I mean, you can argue with, with alien three because of all the compromise of that movie, but that, that's mm -hmm. when, you know, it, but that, that was a turning point for him, mm -hmm. you know, because the studio right. meddled so much. Yeah. He basically said, I'm never going to let that happen again. Right. So yeah. if I can't do it my way. Are you know as close to my way mm -hmm. as possible? Then I'm I'm not gonna do it at all. Yeah, and that that makes it even funnier to me that 
he he got 20th Century Fox to greenlight Fight Club <laughs> after right. that movie. Like you know, I mean, obviously Seven was such a big hit right. that um, that yeah, they they let him do whatever he wanted with with Fight Club, uh, even if it, it was a bomb. Uh, you know, you know, and, Fight Club might have been a bomb, but I bet you they've. You know, oh yeah, gotten so much Absolutely. after the fact because yeah. it's become such a cult, you know. Hit. Yeah, so like, that DVD, DVD was sells, yeah, and, you know, all that stuff. They made yeah. their money back. Oh yeah, for sure. Ten yeah. times full. Yeah, and just like you know, it, it. I mean, that was a funny thing. It wasn't available to stream. I had to like dig out my Blu-ray for it, <laughs> like you know. And you know, the funny thing about the Blu-ray, it, it's slightly different from the the DVD package, which was like perfect, by right. the way. Like I loved how it was wrapped in this fake like yeah, brown yeah. paper yeah, yeah. you have that one yes I have. yeah that one. yeah so the, the the i don't think i'll ever get rid of it like right i've yeah. upgraded to blu-ray i'm, I'm yeah. still gonna keep that you know I what like... i'm thinking like of doing because of like the great dvd packages actually is just like replacing the discs with my blu-rays like just putting your blu-rays yeah, in there yeah 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 because yeah, yeah, yeah. i have like a deluxe like dvd of of amelie it's like a whole like tin. I'll show you later. Um, yeah. yeah, remind me. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I have the Blu-ray of it, and I'm like, yeah, let me just stick the Blu-ray inside the box. You know, it's like, or like my Sin City um, DVD collection was like great because it's like a box. It has like the comic inside it. I think I have that same. one. Yeah, yes. it's great, right? The, yeah, the I don't special think I'll edition. Ever get rid of that either. Yeah, and I just want to slot the DVD, uh, the Blu-ray into that, and then yeah, like Fight Club, I could do that too because yeah, the packaging of of the Blu-ray is just like this kind of. Yeah, it's like a stencil, like yeah. graffiti art. It's not as cool. And then, but the funny thing about the Blu-ray is when it starts up, it's the the menu starts up, and then it's for Never Been Kissed. <laughs> like that's oh, how, really? yeah, that's how the fight called Blu-ray starts. <laughs> and then like, and then you're like, shit, like you know, I have the wrong disc. You know, like they misprinted it or some shit. And then like you know, after or after the music plays for a little bit, like it starts to get distorted, and then you know. It's like um, Tyler Durden, Tyler Durden yeah, like, like you know, spicing yeah, in the yeah. You're you're not your khakis, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, wow. yeah, it's good shit. So yeah, like yeah, again, that's the other thing. Like a Fincher like movie, um, you know, on disc is like it's like a film school because you get his commentary. Like I think every movie has a David Fincher commentary, right? Like um, I'm trying to yeah. remember. I so I know seven. Yeah. Gone Game, Girl, um, Alien Three, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Social Network also has one. Yeah, Social Network has one for sure. Oh, Alien Three has one too. Oh, I think in oh, the shit. in the quadri because I have the quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Yeah, one. I'm pretty sure. It has oh one. man. Okay. I'm yeah, I might. Sure I might have to put to that it, on my list because sure. yeah, that would just be worth listening to, listening mm-hmm. to the. I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure. I might be wrong, but I'm. Yeah, sure. and he even does like commentaries for movies that aren't his own. He's on the the commentary track for Chinatown. The the Blu-ray for Chinatown. I've heard this. Yeah, it's incredible. It yeah, yeah, it, it's it's brilliant. You know, so he's he's also like an avid film fan. Loves talking about movies, and you know, he loves talking about his own films too. And you get that insight. Like you know, I mean, the Gone Girl commentary is like hilarious. Like the the thing about like trying to compromise with them. Um, with Ben Affleck because he wouldn't wear a Yankees cap, <laughs> so he ended up wearing a <laughs> uh, a Mets hat instead. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. And then like sticking it to the people who criticize him for for doing multiple takes, where he said like, so this shot with like Neil Patrick Harris where he drives in uh, when he arrives at his swanky house in in Gone Girl, he said he did that in take two, so you can 
take that and shove it up your ass like he says <laughs> something like that yeah <laughs> it's so good um but yeah it's like uh, this movie um has all the hallmarks of a fincher film other than just that philosophy like it's it it has his uh like these people who are capable of violence and sometimes like not necessarily people that you um you would think that are you know on on the surface would be violent people but then like they commit like shocking acts of violence you know um uh, and in this case actually it, the the first kill that like really shocked me in this movie was when he kills a cab driver oh, you yeah. know yeah yeah because yeah. it's just like was it really necessary <laughs> like, yeah well, and we'll talk about this more because yeah, yeah my biggest gripe with this movie is the end okay all right, you all right. Yeah, so, um, you're not alone i think there's a lot of people who have yeah, there's issues a lot of people and and yeah. I, I i've talked about it with some people and so there's some interesting takes on it mm-hmm. but i still uh, it still doesn't you know it knocks it down a, a peg for me okay. because of, of the ending mm-hmm. but um mm. what did you guys think about as far as you know you know because they say you know voiceover is like a crutch <laughs> and, right. and stuff but i actually think it works in this context yeah. because you're talking about a guy who has his job is to basically kill people, right? Yeah. You know, he's an assassin. And so, you know, without – to know what's in that person's head, you have to have some way to do it. Mm. You're not going to be able to describe what he's feeling or be able to give his philosophies by, you know, him telling somebody because he's he's an isolated person. You know, he's – you know, he's – very i guess introverted in that way he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to stand out right yeah you know talks about being like a what a german and tourist, tourist yeah you know, i love like, that part he doesn't stand out right you know <laughs> that's um, his disguise his german and, tourist you know so i think it works in yeah. this context for this character right specifically that we're able to kind of be in his head and like actually almost like there's parts where he's thinking about something or he's telling us something and it like kind of cuts off because something's happened right right you know, like you know even like he's he falls asleep at, at one point and then kind of like gets uh, jarred by like a, a sound of a car backing up or something like that yeah beeping. so you know i i feel like this makes the character more based in reality mm-hmm. um you know i guess as, as realistic as 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 you can get and the fact that his first uh kill that you know are supposed to supposed to be killed mm-hmm. gets messed up <laughs> makes it i think a relatable character because it's like who hasn't messed up at their job even if they're right. really good at their job who hasn't yeah. messed up he just happens to have a crazy job <laughs> that you know we you know we don't you know we well, at least i don't i i couldn't possibly understand you know right but uh yeah i don't i, I don't know what do you guys think about the voiceover yeah l- let's that- hear from steve uh, what do you think about the voiceover yeah i mean i thought the first opening was it was a little long for <laughs> as far as like the um the amount of talking mm. and i think overall i mean but i think as the movie went on um i really enjoyed it i but i think again similar to scorsese it kind of suffers from the back catalog where it's like mm. unfortunately fastbender he doesn't have the same vocal talent of norton or of um, Morgan Freeman. And so, yeah. you know, with these other guys doing the narration, like their voices are just so um, soothing and there's like a musicality to it 
that just Fastbender doesn't have. And so hearing the narration, it's fine. Like it's interesting and it's good writing, but it just, it doesn't have that same it factor as when you hear Edward Norton's voice. You know what I mean? Sure. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't even think of it that way. Uh, yeah. Know, using uh, previous voiceovers and Fincher films. Right. And, you know. and like seven, the only part that I remember of narration is the end when he says, uh, you know, I agree with the second part. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I don't that's re- true. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. any other part. I where... could be thinking of like Shawshank. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like another one. Yeah. yeah uh, the voice March of God. Of, March of Penguins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. <laughs> The ads that he's done. <laughs> the no, but that doesn't um uh what's his name uh, in Zuckerberg or in uh, Social Network. There's a little bit of that like kind of voiceover. Um, he's talking I th- about I like thought coding, it... like he's as he's coding. He's oh like, yeah, yeah. He, it's he's, he's like oh they have yeah. this type of script or whatever. But, you know, he's not that... saying it. He's thinking. It. Yeah, that was really creative because it uses the live journal as the narration. Correct. Yeah, Correct, yeah. Yes. Like From I thought actual, that was yeah. so well done. Yeah, yeah. like cuz that's that's one like way to kind of yeah. do it creatively. I I mean, I'll just say it. Yeah, I love the narration. So, you mm. know, uh this is his first it, well, his first official like reuniting with Andrew Kevin Walker since 7 even right. though, you know, Andrew Kevin Walker worked on Fight Club uh, on the script of Fight Club, he like, you know, did some revisions and stuff. Um so yeah, just for them to like reunite together like was, you know, a nice feeling for me and then uh I think the key to it really was that uh, the narration is like his view of himself. Mm-hmm. And then we we get to see that it's like there's a disparity with his view of himself and what he actually is. Cuz you know, he he's like so full of himself. He's like he's comparing himself to like uh uh, Ted Williams, right? Like the he only batted like three hundred, and I'm batting a thousand, and then he fucks up, right? You know, and then it's like at a part two where he's like, you know, the key difference between me and everybody else is I don't give a fuck, right. you know, yeah. like that's the key line. <laughs> but it's like yeah. you, yeah, but you're not that guy, and then also like you're you're not also clean because it's like you have attachments and like people have a way to get to you, right? You know, and right. um. And that that's one of the things. He's like a flawed hitman. And I mean, that's one of the things I wanted to get into with you mm-hmm. guys is like, you know, hitman as a character, like as a, an archetype of, of like, you know, of movies. Because, you know, um, uh, there's this thing that's been going around that like basically saying that hitmen aren't actually real. Like it's like an, a pure invention that it's impossible mm. to really be like to do it uh, for a living. Like you can do a hit. Like, you know, there's there's definitely, like, you know, how we have, like, these assassinations, like, the political assassinations. But it's not like they hired somebody who's, like, that's their career. Like, they right. just kill dictators that we want to overthrow. Just have somebody that's part of your crew that's an enforcer that right. needs to yeah, take care yeah, of yeah. So it, it's purely, like, a movie wet. invention. Like, um, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that's naive to think that there <laughs> can't be some type of uh profession i mean yeah it's probably not you know again it's not the john wick world and it's right. not like as you know mm-hmm. you know maybe not as uh uh fantastical as, mm-hmm. as you know of course movies make it but i think there's got to be there, there's a job for everything yeah yeah I mean, and i mean that, that was what was talked about with the dark web that you could hire people to to do hits and stuff yeah. like that and uh, but um but yeah like i just feel like logistically 
it is tough to like get away with it like even, right. eventually like you're gonna get caught and i mean i love that that that's touched upon in this movie too that he talks about like it, you know it's impossible to to hide now like you know the best thing you can do is to just be forgettable right you know that's mm-hmm. what he talks about and he, yeah that's why i think it's perfect casting at least physically for fast bender because he's like this lanky dude and he kind of has a blank face like I think yeah. one of the things they talked about with his performance is that he he tried not to blink. Yeah. You know, so there's I like long the stretches, thing. yeah, that he doesn't blink. Um and yeah, that 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 makes him blend in, you know? I mean, you know, when he's wearing those those massive like sunglasses, like yeah, he could be anybody. Right. <laughs> you know, and then the the bucket hat. <laughs> it's like um those kind of things. So yeah, I, I love the the narration, especially because it's like this kind of mantra of like repeating his philosophy and as it progresses it's like it's con- contradicting, you know, it's like um especially the the one of the more botched hits is when he goes to New Orleans with the lawyer and uh Charles Parnell <laughs> yeah. who's like mm-hmm. having a moment right now, you know, in Top Gun Maverick and uh what was the other movie that he was in recently? Um uh I'm blanking, but yeah, everybody remembers him from Top Gun Maverick, and I think he shows up in a TV show as well. Uh, but yeah, he's great, and actually, this is kind of my reading into the film too, um, which is connected to to Top Gun Maverick. I, I'm a big um, bel- believer in the the death dream theory of Top Gun Maverick. Oh, you're not familiar with this, oh, Jacob? Death dream theory. Yeah, so the death dream theory of Top Gun Maverick is that. Uh, basically, Maverick dies in the movie, like at the beginning. You've when he seen tries it, right? to, uh, get yeah, the Mach 4G ten or whatever. Yeah, Mach yeah. ten. When he's trying to get to Mach ten, he actually died. So the rest of the movie is just his death dream. Like that's why it's such a ludicrous proposition that they need to fly into this canyon and then <laughs> drop the bomb and then like go straight up. Like that can't be done by a drone. You know, like, um, so all these things and like that he's being called back into you know the academy to to train these young pilots when they can they don't really need him you know because he's like he's a loose cannon you know he's like so um so charles parnell figures in that and i'm like okay like yeah i i also believe that this is another charles parnell movie where it's a death dream and the reason why i feel that that's what happens is because um it's actually when he goes to the hospital to visit his his girlfriend yeah and you know how like there's this thing, and it it's probably a common thing in in the Dominican Republic where the lights go will go out. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. But it felt like something that you know something that would happen in like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where the lights would go out when he's like visiting her at, at Barnes and Noble <laughs> and stuff. And like I was just getting that sense um, from the first viewing and also in the second viewing. I was like, yeah, the, maybe he, yeah this is all just in his mind like it's all just like something that he dreamed up and he believes himself to be this assassin and then you know he fucks up in the dream or maybe he did fuck up in real life and then you know he's dead <laughs> like they they actually got to him Interesting. Uh, yeah yeah so I'm, I'm a proponent that this is yeah I have a couple of theories about the movie there's a one is the death dream uh, another thing is that it it's a spiritual sequel to both Social Network and um, uh, Haywire, uh, the Steven Soderbergh movie. Yeah, with uh, Gina Carano. Yeah, which My- Michael Fassbender is also in. Right, and yeah. They have this great fight, fight scene, scene yeah. uh, which results in him dying. <laughs> um, yeah, spoiler, by the way. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like it's also in the world of, of assassins, you know. Um, 
And there was also this thing that um, apparently uh, Steven Soderbergh had a hand in in editing the movie because uh, he had like um, in he editing had, the killer. Yeah, yeah. Like he he had like some input in the editing because um, he he had mentioned like he had seen it like four or five times. So like basically Fincher was showing him rough right. cuts of the film. Nice. So he he definitely like gave his notes <laughs> okay. to Fincher. So yeah, th- there is that feel of of a, of a Soderbergh film as well because there's that. Uh, I mean, that is one thing that they I think mm-hmm. they share in common, especially when Soderbergh is in like his serious mode. Is like there's this kind of sheen to the films and like everybody's mm-hmm. professional and uh, the the shadows are a little darker, you know. Um, yeah, so I I feel like it it's it's there's that haywire connection and then with the the social network it's like kind of um the killer exists in the world that like zuckerberg created or you know the bay area like tech bros created because you know the first location where he's hiding out and like basically has the perfect view of of that apartment building is you know an abandoned we work space mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um the the final client is like a tech bro, you know? Um, and right. yeah, we can get into that um, at the end. Um, even though like, yeah, it, it ends in Chicago. Like actually in my mind in the first when on the first viewing, I thought it was in, um, it was in San Francisco. Like for some reason, like my mind just like completely mm. blocked out Chicago. And I just assumed it was San Francisco because it was like a tech bro, you know, <laughs> that right. he's, he's aiming for but yeah like yeah those are the things that i kind of subscribe to with this movie is that you know it it has these connections and um maybe you know one of the criticisms of the movie is that it's probably not as like deep as other fincher films you know there's not as much depth in it because i think it yeah it's it's relying on a lot of hitman tropes and that's why i was asking you guys about that that archetype of, of a hitman and like, uh, what do you guys think of like hitman movies in general? Are you guys fans of it, or I, I, I like? Yeah, I think I like. I mean, there's, there's really it. I don't think there's like many in the middle. I yeah. think they're either like entertaining and good, or they're right. just like really like dumb and, and bad. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, most obvious for me, it would be like Leon the Professional or something right. like that. Like, why I think that's uh, you know a pretty decent one. Mm-hmm. But then you can go to like something like the Hitman, uh, which you know, based on the video game. Oh yeah! Oh shit! Oh yeah! Yeah, terrible! Yeah, even though the video game series is fantastic, by the way. Right. Like, yeah, I really, I'm a big fan of the Hitman games. <laughs> um, but yeah, how about you, Steve? Are you a fan of Hitman movies? Uh, or I mean, n- not not specifically. You know, mm. like the first ones that come to mind are like Pulp Fiction or something. So it's like, yeah, I don't have like 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 a ton of like real deal hitman movies where it's like you're following the hitman you know Mm -hmm. as opposed to them being something that you're trying to evade right you know but um i think you know speaking to you know do hitmen really exist i think you know there certainly are like private security and they're like and you know and the government has all kinds of like secret service type in like you know specialized units that do hits all the time. Right. So there's like ways of, there, there's like ways that like, there's like it, that kind of thing. It, it definitely exists. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like black water and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the big hole to me is like, I don't really understand the plot. 
you know, of like what's going on okay. or like why. But like, but you know, the, just the aspect of like, it's not out of the realm of possibility for someone to hire some entity or put their goons out there to, you know, to do this and make people disappear uh, in, in mysterious ways. You know, like there's articles that pop up where someone is dead on someone's property in kind of a mysterious way, you know, yeah. tied to some, you know, politician or whatever it is. And it's just like, huh, that's weird. And it's definitely in the zeitgeist. And it's a little freaky to think about like how often it actually goes down compared to how, how often you actually hear about it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the point though, right? <laughs> exactly. We, you know, they yeah. don't want us yeah. to hear about it. Like, right. They, yeah. They yeah. Make it look like it was an accident. Or yeah. That's why my, something. my proposal of the, of the like people saying, well, hitmen don't really exist. Maybe that's part of the psyop of like just kind of that's yeah. big. That's big hitman <laughs> pushing that narrative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm happy to be one of the many. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the what's one of the main themes of the, of his yeah. narration is you know there's mm-hmm. like are you of the few or are you of the many and like life in the many is so much less stressful than oh, yeah. and then than what this guy's going through yeah and i mean uh, charles parnell even says it it's like you can just walk away you have like more money than you could ever spend like why are you even like continuing this you know mm-hmm. and but you know he's like fueled by revenge and maybe also he just wants like no more loose ends you know he wants to tie everything up and yeah that's why i i guess yeah it made sense that he killed the the cab driver because um I'm, I'm like contradicting myself now but yeah it, you know if he left the cab driver alive the cab driver could like talk about it and then you know it would like yeah. kind of lead to him and he's he's a local he he owns an estate in in dominican republic so mm-hmm. like you know um yeah, yeah that, that could give him away so he just had it to, doesn't even he, have to be you know when it doesn't even have to be that the guy wants to you know say hey this guy got in my cab and threatened mm-hmm. me or whatever and yeah. i told him this it could just, you know, he might not have any intention of to ever telling anybody, yeah. and that might be be true. Mm-hmm. But if somebody comes looking for this guy and yeah. then they put the screws to him, right. you know, most people, you know, crack right, and so yeah, yeah. they will, squeal, you know, squeal and yeah. tell like any information, you know, when put in that situation. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I, w- I would say with regards to the hitman archetype and the hitman genre, I am actually a connoisseur. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> connoisseur. The- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like one of my all-time favorite films is Le Samurai uh, by Jean-Pierre okay. Melville, and it's funny that like hitman movies always just have similar premises, and this one is no different. It's always about the botched hit, right. and like how everything unravels from that and like you know they they have to basically either go on a killing spree or they become like kind of accepting that like they can't run away from from everything and just like accept death and you know that's that's basically ghost dog way of the samurai um uh one of the more Mm -hmm. ambiguous endings and one of my favorites too is uh i think it came out the same year as the samurai is uh branded to kill the seijun suzuki uh japanese film incredible Mm a very original hitman movie too because it's like he doesn't even well suzuki doesn't care about the plot he's like it doesn't have to make any sense to me <laughs> like it's just like basically this guy cares about his ranking it, it's even funny because it's like he's he's considered to be the number three killer and he wants to kill like the two people who are ahead of him so he becomes number one <laughs> and then he's like um obsessed with like smelling like uh rice from a rice cooker and it like makes him horny 
Like it's just it's an incredible film. Like yeah, Branded to Kill is is brilliant, and it has a great ending too, uh, which I won't spoil. But um, but yeah, like that that's that's the trope of of this. So so Fincher doesn't really bring anything new narratively to the film, but you know it's just that he filters it through his style, which makes it compelling to me you know because it's like yeah this is mm-hmm. fincher's take on it even if it, it it is relying on those those old tropes of hitman movies what's well, his visual take on it because mm. like you know you know when you're talking about auteurs and whatnot yeah i mean he doesn't write you know uh his, his right. movies and stuff like that so this is based on a graphic novel that i haven't read yeah so i don't know how like true to the graphic novel it oh, is that's interesting you bring that up because um yeah the the graphic novel's actually been out of print so it's like really expensive to because I I was seeking it out when I first heard that he was making this movie I was like shit I gotta read this this graphic novel but what I heard was the graphic novel actually sucks like it's really bad oh <laughs> yeah it's like so it's kind of like a history of violence um mm. thing because like yeah I read the well I saw the movie of history of violence before I read the graphic novel but it made me seek it out because I was just like fascinated like that what was a, the thing about this source material that um. Cronenberg like uh, gravitated to and I read the graphic novel and it was terrible like it was just like so cheesy like the dialogue was awful and that's what they're saying about the killer that it's actually not very good but I actually kind of like this (laughs) because Hollywood has a huge problem with taking a great film or a classic film and say oh we're gonna make it we're gonna have our own spin on it and make it better it's like no leave it alone yeah I'd rather you just take something that maybe has concepts of a good idea right but that's a mess and then make it into something like yeah new yeah. Absolutely. right you know like uh you know talking about Soderbergh I think mm. you know Ocean's Eleven <laughs> was considered you know just a rat pack vehicle terrible yeah. movie or whatever I thought he made it entertaining you know yeah. like heist movie you know from from you know it had the makings of something you know good and yeah, he, he was successful, I think, in doing that and accomplishing yeah. that. Right. So, you know, yeah, again, and he, he, he's one of those but... big proponents because I remember his um, his kind of like retirement speech, even though, you know, he didn't follow through with the retirement, yeah. obviously. But uh, his retirement speech was so good. Like that talk that he, you've seen it, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that he talks about is, you know, his problem with like, you know, the people calling the shots because they don't really know movies or yes. love movies. It's and crazy. he was saying like, why can't you just hire somebody to who loves movies who can pick these remakes for you? And even better, how about remaking these movies that people have forgotten about rather than like the movies that are still in people's consciousness and right. like they, that they know and love, you know? Yeah. And these experts would identify these movies for you. Like, you know, what's what's something that like deserves a, you know, makes kind too of a much logical sense. For them right. To exactly. Do yeah, it, of course. yeah. And, you know, that's like the dream is like, you know. Um, that that's what Hollywood should be—the dream factory, <laughs> where they're actually just making good original work or remakes of something that was actually bad that could have been improved upon. You know? Yeah, there's a, a friend of of ours uh, that's uh, you know she's an executive over at uh, oh, one yeah. of the studios. And, I know who you're talking about, and she she often tells me and, and talks about like in, in group chats and stuff yeah. about. Like she'll be at a meeting and you know talk you know have such reverence for the the property or whatever yeah and the person that's in charge doesn't know shit about it <laughs> doesn't have like doesn't know anything you know is making all the wrong calls and whatnot and it's crazy that these are the people that are at the top right they don't have their mind isn't a completely different it's mm. not artistic at all it's mm. like just about money and 
cost and you know maybe efficiencies and stuff like that but it's not yeah. it has nothing to do with the the art right you know yeah of, of and making and, good stuff right and that's getting really like a lot of exposure right now because of of the way zaslav is running um warner brothers right you know it's just uh you know the the, the latest um casualty is um the the wily e. coyote movie you know, which is just really sad because uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of of that's my favorite Looney Tunes is is Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote, and I would love to see a feature film of theirs with John Cena. Like, come on, like, and now it's like being you know just treated as a tax write off. But the 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 silver lining to it because of all the backlash that it's received is now they're allowing the filmmakers to shop the the movie to other studios, so that's good. So hopefully it will we'll see the light of day but yeah that's that's it in a nutshell and maybe uh, again just tying in with the fincher metaphor of him being the killer it's like him kind of uh yeah working with these studio people it's the same as working with you know this lawyer and you know these clients mm-hmm. um uh where yeah maybe he yeah i guess yeah that that was the thing with um that's why he didn't budge with utopia cuz he was like we're making this show and it's going to cost like $200 million, you know, <laughs> and that's it, you know? And then HBO was like, well, no, we, we, how about like 50 million? And he's like, no, <laughs> so we're going to just walk away from it, you know? But, but yeah. Do you think it's weird though? Like, so going back to the movie mm-hmm. that, okay, so he messes up. Yeah. And so basically to make the client happy, they're going to basically rub him out. Yeah. Like, I, I just think that it's such a bad <laughs> business model, right? Like, right. You you know, how are you going to make more money if you're rubbing out, you know, all your people that are making you the money, mm-hmm. you know, just because they make a mistake or whatever? Yeah, because like, you know, eventually you'll just run out of people, right? right? And and if they're they're just generally good because, you know, as he said, he claims his batting average was a thousand. Right. Like that was his first fuck up. It's like, you know. Um, <laughs> but there's like no loyalty, though. Like, this, right. These are your people, right? Yeah. That are, you know, basically he doesn't have to get his hands dirty, mm-hmm. making you money. And I don't know. I, I think it would be easier to take out the client <laughs> than to take out your help. Right. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It's like uh, killing the cooks and, and instead of the patron yeah. that, that didn't like the food. <laughs> yeah, that's a good metaphor. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Um, well, and then just, yeah, that whole setup of what happened, it still kind of doesn't make sense to me. Like why the brute and the expert go and like, don't wait for him to come, to come back. Yeah. They don't kill the girlfriend. He is so good. Yeah. He is so good at stalking and setting things up and figuring it out. And so it's like, why aren't other people who are in one of them is called the expert yeah. You know, uh, you know, yeah. shout out to uh, Til- our girl Tilda. Yeah. Tilda. Um it's just not it's just very it seems very dumb to go bursting in when you don't know if he's there, realize he's not there and then rough up the <laughs> girlfriend and not get any information and then just leave. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I don't think they did burst in though because when he gets to the gate, he notices that there's footprints and a bunch of cigarettes. So, right. So yeah, I think they recent. they were probably casing it and seeing like, is he there? Is he? Could he? Could he be there? Maybe See, one I of them was I thought the cigarettes around? was Leo. I because I thought they asked Leo to stick around. Oh, you know. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Maybe. That's yeah. That's a good point. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. Why would they hang? Yeah. Why would they hang out outside? Yeah. I think. Yeah. He was made to wait 
for them. Right. Um, but yeah, is yeah, it is weird that they left because yeah, that that was the big deal of like them flying in, and then uh, oh okay, this is another kind of uh, tie into another favorite um, hitman movie of mine collateral <laughs> where okay, they fly yeah, in yeah. they do the job Shout and then out. they leave you know yeah, it's yeah. like a, they get the cat the taxi cab driver and probably pin it on him right. you know obviously they didn't do it this time around but um but yeah it is weird that they 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 flew in and then they didn't find him and then they just left like that was it like jobs over. i also thought it was weird that they paired these two people these two hit people together yeah the expert who's like seems to be like more professional and then you mm-hmm. have the brute who's obviously goes in you yeah yeah and she, and yeah, and she claims like she didn't condone his behavior, but she still let him do it. Like you know, well, I like, think that's that was her trying to buy herself time oh, right. and also yeah, get yeah. it out of this situation to see mm-hmm. like, well, this guy, you know, let me, you know, because she's also surprised that he goes to talk to her, like does the sit down, yeah, instead yeah. of just like you know just taking her out, right? You mm-hmm. know, probably like what she would have done. She probably would just take him out. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't need yeah. to talk to this person. <laughs> this person's a, a threat to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And th- that's the whole conversation, too, is the, you know, it's like you could have, like, killed me any right. other time, but you waited until, like, we're here and out in public and, right. like, you know. Um, but, yeah, it, there's definitely a lot of things that don't add up. We don't even really know why the client wanted that other person killed in the first place right right yeah right. like mm-hmm. um so that yeah there's a lot of like details that are, are are foggy but again for me like i'm just carried by fincher's style <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter to me what the plot was really like what the plot details were but yeah also that... i think Fa- fastbender was compelling to me mm-hmm. i think he did a great job and i i was with yeah. I wanted to see like what this guy was going to do, you know, yeah. even with the, the different flaws. But, you know, like most Fincher films, there was a, a bunch of scenes of, you know, dark humor and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I think you were getting to it at, at one point where yeah. um, when we get to the lawyer's office and he <laughs> puts the three nails in him yeah. and he's thinking, oh, well, it's going to take him <laughs> X amount of time to die. But he yeah. like miscalculates. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He says it's, it's going to it should like take six him like six, six to seven yeah, minutes. Yeah. And then the guy dies. Yeah, and then he's like. <laughs> Like, um shit. <laughs> shit yeah no he says fuck yeah fuck <laughs> you know in the voiceover i mean i think this is fincher's funniest movie like i'll, yeah. I'll go out and say it like it's funnier oh, than fight club to me, <laughs> like, Not to me. well what's it what's his funniest movie to you fight club is pretty damn okay. funny. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 i don't know there's so many like little yeah even little background uh things that happen in that movie um the 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 the, the um holt mccalney like picking a fight with the priest yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> even yeah. just like when he when he's at the uh, when he's traveling and he's at the hotel and, yeah. and he's watching the video and it's mm. like welcome. He, yeah, it's Brad Pitt's there with yeah. a bunch of the you know the the what you, space monkeys or the yeah. crew and I don't know, um, you know when he's when he's uh, uh, asking the the airline uh guy about you know why did why did they get my bag or oh like, yeah that oh dude. well we you know Shit. there's a vibration in there he's like sometimes yeah. it you know it's nothing but yeah sometimes, sometimes it's it is <laughs> yeah but we can never refer to it with the definite article <laughs> as your <dildo. laughs> yeah. and, and then so, he and then he's like trying to edward norton trying to ask him another question he's just like those little things yeah, are that whole sequence yeah. is amazing because like you also get like uh, Tyler Durden stealing that guy's yeah. car. He jumps yeah, in the hey! car. He just, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 
<laughs> in the background. I, mean, I think Helena Bonham Carter has some good lines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Too. yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. even the deleted scene of, like, you know, after they bang, like, you know, because the original line was. fucked like that since it was a grade, grade school. school. Yeah. yeah, that was grade the school. the one that ended up in the final right. cut. But the, the original line was, um, you make me want to have an abortion. abortion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's pretty wild. But, um, yeah. And the other funny thing about, you know, that, you know, Fincher has, like, these great, like, bit part players, right? Yeah. That's kind of one of his trademarks, too. That that guy, that airline guy. Yeah. Um, he's one of the Zodiac killers. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I rewatched Zodiac as well. Um, You know, I mean, that's why I was able to recount the, the opening credits of Zodiac because right. I, I recently watched it. And, you know, I think objectively people will say that that's Fincher's best. Um, but, yeah, it didn't quite hold up for me. Zodiac? Yeah, yeah. Like, really? it's, it's it's good, but it's just, like, I think I, I'm really now lean more towards Social Network. Like, that's my go-to Fincher movie, you know. Um, cause, yeah, yeah, a lot Zod- of people have Zodiac as his number one. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think, yeah, that's what I'm saying objectively. But it's not, like, something I, I would put on. Like, you know, uh, like the way I would watch Social Network. Like, I mean, I would put on the opening scene of Social Network or the opening credits, you know, and we'll just watch that. I again. watch that movie like all the time. Like, I, mm-hmm. I've probably seen that movie. I'm not lying. Uh, Zodiac like, or, or uh, Social, Social Network. Network? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I will put it on in like the ba- like at work, like in the background, <laughs> like just listen. I could just listen to it. Yeah. The score is amazing. Yeah. I, I, I got to show I you my that. vinyl of the soundtrack. It's <laughs> I, I freaking love that movie. Like, I, yeah, you know, it's the only one of his that I didn't see in the theater. Dude, uh, really? And it, and it was because for two reasons. Uh-huh. One, when I heard that they were doing it, because I've never been oh. on Facebook. I, I, I uh-huh. never had any interest in Facebook. Mm. When I heard they're doing a movie about Facebook, yeah, it seemed I, ridiculous. I was like, I don't want to watch a movie about Facebook. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and then even though I found out that he was attached to it, this was at the time when, you know, like I was trying to cut costs. I wasn't going mm. to the movies that much. You know, like me and my wife had just gotten married. And, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we're looking to have a kid, you know, and, you know, starting our lives, you know, in that way. Yeah. So like we were like, like I wasn't going to the movies anymore. That was like a luxury, like going out to eat, going to the movies, having cable. Yeah. Like these things were were gone. So that happened to be at that time. Oh, and so that's damn. why I missed that one. That's the only one I missed in the theater. Dude, the only one I missed. Well, I'll, I'll say this: when I first saw it in the theater, I just thought it was like it was it was like shallow Fincher. Like I was like, this isn't one of the big ones. It was only like after subsequent viewings where I was like, "Holy shit, I really like this movie!" <laughs> like a lot more than yeah. I realized. Like because yeah, of course the Facebook attachment, and then also the um, I don't know the Aaron the predictable like Aaron Sorkin movement of like you know the main character basically having this one flaw and this one regret, even though he's like immensely successful. Like he still has this one thing that he can't let go of, and you know that's the ending of the movie is like. Right. He's waiting for that friend request, you know, which never happened. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I think the more I like, I guess, separated it from what actually happened and just treated it on right. its own terms as like a Fincher movie. I was like, holy shit, this is this is amazing. Like, you know, this is the rare, the rare movie. With, mm. So I, I ended up seeing Social Network when somebody gave me a Academy screener. And that's how oh, I saw shit. it. Okay. And it's the rare time where mm. I watched it mm. and I literally watched it again because i was like so in love with it like i watched it back to back like in you know in one sitting that's incredible you know i was just like this movie is 
great. And it, yeah. it's another a funny movie. Yeah. Another funny movie of his. And it's so. probably his, like, fastest paced movie, I would say. Like, it just feels like it just moves at a clip. And I think that it, it has something to do with, um, I think, um, because the script was so long, they were like, okay, let's just have people, like, read the lines super fast. <laughs> you know? It's actually, like, a oh. kind of incredible, like, what they were able to do with that movie because yeah. it is just, like, mostly just talking, not, like, yeah. action. Yeah. Um, and Yeah, the most violent thing that happens in that movie is when um yeah the the most famous scene the, when he smashes the uh mark's laptop he's plugged in oh, right yeah. now <laughs> yeah all right um yeah we got we got sidetracked with uh it's still you know uh <laughs> fincher so you know it's all part of a conversation but um uh yeah i just wanted to tap into also like you know this isn't just uh netflix's only hitman movie this year and I don't know if it's still going to get released this year. Maybe they're going to give it some space. But, you know, they also acquired um, Richard Linklater's Hitman. It's called Hitman with um, oh. Glenn Powell and mm-hmm. um, Adria Adjorna, I think is her name. She's gorgeous. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Who's she from? I don't know, actually. I've never heard of her until this movie. Uh, but, yeah, it's this only... Linklater, you said? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's that been... seems like way off of what he would... Dude. Right, yeah. I mean, he he does have his like crime uh, movies, though. Like he's done um, the no, no uh, do, Newton uh, Boys, Newton Boys yeah. and then um, you can even say like uh, Scanner Darkly's kind of a crime movie. Um, eh, yeah, okay. but yeah, I'd say more like science fiction. Right, right. But, uh, um, but yeah, like yeah, it is a little bit. Um, oh, I mean, Bernie's kind of a crime movie, even though it's uh, also treated as like a comedy. But yeah, so Netflix is really doubling down on uh, their auteur-driven uh, Hitman <laughs> movies. Um, but yeah, I've been hearing good things about uh, Linklater's latest, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, just some, some observations uh, on the killer. So yeah, the Hitman really is like in because, you know, um, Brad Pitt uh, was originally offered the role for, for yeah. this movie. And he turned it down, but then he ended up making another Hitman movie, um, uh, Bullet Train, Train, which, you know, a lot of people hated. But I actually was entertained by that movie. It's not like... It was um, was fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not a movie I'm going to go out of my way to watch again. But, like, there's there's bits of it that I enjoyed. And maybe the humor didn't quite land. But, you know, that's, like, I think par for the course with uh, uh, David Leach, who's, uh, yeah... People are already have like their knives out for his next movie. You know, they dropped that trailer for um, the Fall Guy. I think is the title or something. It's about mm. Ryan Gosling playing a stuntman. Oh yeah, it's Fall Guy. Yeah, but I, I, I'm gonna be there. I'll watch it. That <laughs> guy is charming as hell. Yeah. I, I, I'll say it. Okay. I mean, he. I don't know. There's there's something about. It. I just I, totally. I, don't know. I like him. Yeah, and this is like his. The set. nice guys was was a, yeah was yeah a, fantastic was yeah awesome. and he, he, yeah we talked about it on the so pod funny. and like you know his uh he's got that that comic talent you know? yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah there, there's also like um uh the kinship with this movie with other well, I mentioned Les Samurai and Ghost Dog like one key scene which you know our friend uh, Marcus Pin did a side by side he posted it today of um the license plate changing. You know, uh, like that's kind of a tr- mm. a weirdly like continuous uh, thread through um through Hitman. Don't movies. they do that in Fargo too? Oh yeah, he does. Like he goes to the airport, right? 
Yeah. And he was like, yeah. ah, I, didn't, I don't want to park here. And yeah, like, I don't want to park here. Uh, sorry, sorry you sir, gotta... <laughs> but we still got to charge you the $4. <laughs> you enjoy this? Like, you know, this little position of authority that you have? <laughs> All right, here's your fucking $4. <laughs> Oh man, I yeah. Like, like, Shout out I, to the goat of the side by sides too, Marcus. Yeah, Marcus. I decided not to park here. <laughs> uh, my my flight. Uh, I didn't want to take it anymore. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, more on Fargo maybe on the next episode. I might actually be talking about that a little more. Um, uh, yeah. So when uh when the killer goes to Chicago and he hooks up with the because you know he has like these storage units that has like his armory, yes. but I think. When he gets to Chicago, he doesn't have. Oh, well, right. I guess he just decides to like buy. Because he, from... he says like he has like six. Yeah, and that just happens to be one of the cities he doesn't have one. In. Right, and then so he buys from like a you know underground like gun runner. Right, and then the gun runner says, "Oh, he brings his own potato." And you know, uh, people think that that thing is a is a silencer. It's not. <laughs> it's a, well, people who know their guns, it's a it's actually a muzzle brake. So it's not some supposed. Even though in the movie it works as a silencer, it's actually um, what it does. It's supposed to reduce recoil on the gun. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, you can, okay. if you look at it closely, it has holes through it. So that's not gonna mm-hmm. silence it. Like a silencer is always like this uh, solid cylinder, you know, on a gun. You know, I guess maybe this is me watching too many hitman movies. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. That, yeah, Are you those. Sure your name's Carlo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm I'm psyoping you guys. Yeah, as a hitman. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, an this elaborate is... way to get me into your room. So yeah, yeah. I live in. Kill me. Yeah, I live in this yeah. tiny room instead of like a a nice like estate in the Dominican Republic with a beautiful. Sure, we're recording. View of the... right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let's get to. Um... Yeah. I'm a soundboard. Yeah. All the everything I've said is <laughs> has been on a button. You guys yeah. have had a bot on here before. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you you mentioned just briefly my one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah. This movie is organization porn. Oh, like yeah. he is oh, yeah. so tidy mm-hmm. and so meticulous with his setup and the way he folds and unfolds things and carefully has everything down. placed. Yeah. Sets up the getaway, um, you know, car uh, scooters or whatever it is. Like all yeah. that is so enjoyable. It's so enjoyable to yeah. watch someone who's highly skilled go about something. And this movie absolutely captures it. Yeah. Like, I was enthralled with his process. Yeah. The, the organization of the storage unit and like the him- storage <laughs> unit in New Orleans blew yeah, yeah. me away. That's like my dream unit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's massive enough to pull back into with yeah. a van. It's like a garage. Basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's so well set up with mm. the racks, and then there's clear <laughs> bins, and then he he knows what bin to open up, and there's this like ready to go packages of passports, cash, mm-hmm. credit cards. He can just yeah, yeah, yeah. He can just pick one. Yeah, like that's amazing. So we're 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 you know I guess led to believe that he's been doing this for a while, right? Yeah. Like in order to mm-hmm. have this type of setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just building that armory, and I love the the allusion to um to storage wars, where it's like you know eventually when the when the bill stops coming in, the auto payments like they're gonna right yeah, and then they're gonna find this armory, basically right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to the IDs though, one of the yeah. things that I like that I picked up on and uh, and when we're when we watched it, Carlo is, yeah is that. You know, I, I recognized a couple of the names, and I'm like, wait, wait, what is that? But most <laughs> most 
the one that stood out to me the most was Sam Malone, yeah, who was uh, Ted Danson in Cheers. <laughs> yeah, but the, so all his IDs are basically you know TV characters, right? Um, you know throughout. Time. Yeah, I think uh, so. That's what I wanted George to ask Jefferson. Yeah, I wanted one. to ask you, oh. Jacob. If uh, I'll, I'll I'll rattle off all his aliases right. that he used in the movie, and you have to name me the sitcom that it's from. Oh, God. Okay, I'm not gonna okay. be able to. Do okay, it all, right. But, yeah, okay, go ahead. So Felix Unger. I, I didn't know this one. Oh, I know what it is, know. but but I yeah. I don't I didn't oh, know. Okay, so who is it? Um uh Steve. The odd couple, right? There you go. Okay. Yeah. Ar- Archibald Bunker. All in the family. There you go. Okay. Um Oscar Madison. That one I didn't know either. Also, also odd, the odd, odd couple, yeah. <laughs> yeah, odd couple. Howard Cunningham. That's from Happy Days. There you go. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Ruben Kincaid. Ruben Kincaid. Ah, which one is that one from? This one I don't know. Okay, it's uh, the Partridge Family. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lou Grant. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Mary, Tyler, Mary Tyler Moore. Moore yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sam Malone. You mentioned the Cheers. Cheers. Yes. George Jefferson. Um, Jefferson. Uh, Jeffersons, and then Robert. Just Part- right. George Jefferson is one of the names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, he's from the Jeffersons, and also wasn't he in All in the Family? And that was a spinoff of All in the Family, the Jeffersons. Oh, oh I did they not were. know that. I yeah, think, I, I think it was. I, I'm not all uh, like caught up in in sitcom. I, I actually don't. <laughs> I've never watched All in the Family, but I just know that as like like yeah. useless trivia. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And then the last name was Robert Hartley. Robert Hartley. Yeah. It's a Bob Newhart show. Ah, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed any of these. You know, I mean, Sam Malone maybe, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I'm just like Archie so... Bunker and and uh, no, Cunningham. I'm, I'm well, Howard Cunningham. Yeah, but like that would have taken me a while to put it together because yeah. you know I would just think of that Richie. was the dad. Yeah, yeah, his, exactly. Uh, what's his face? <laughs> um. Uh. But yeah, th- those names are great. Like, and then just the 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 various credit cards that they yeah. look at, and then you know, it's like. It's believable that he would be all these names, even though, like, is George Jefferson black? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, I guess, yeah, a white guy could be called George Jefferson, you know? I mean, Jefferson is such a, like, you know, yeah. you know, just a ubiquitous name and yeah. George, you know, like, but I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. But, the, but I, I like that. I like that, that that was put in there as, like, a little, like, a Easter egg kind of yeah. thing. Um, and that I was able to pick up on it. Yeah, and then you know it, it also has a tie-in with with Fight Club because you know the na- narrator also has his aliases to the different like um, groups that right. he attends, right? Like um, what is it, Travis, Cornelius, yeah, Cornelius. <laughs> Rupert? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Travis and Rupert I recognize. You know, tie into Scorsese, obviously the um, Rupert Pumpkin, right? Uh, but who's Cornelius? Cornelius. <laughs> what the Cornelius is um... uh, Soul Train. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No, I don't. I don't know. I, that's just a guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Don Cornelius was the was Don the Cornelius, was the yeah. uh, host of Soul Train. <laughs> well, there you oh, go. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Um, but yeah, like it, yeah, all of those little details like add up to me. And we haven't even mentioned one of the biggest things that people have been turning into memes: the Smiths. Yes, that was, <laughs> that was <laughs> the next thing. <laughs> yeah, and like yes, uh, Jacob, you and I have been talking off record about the Smiths, and yeah. like you've been listening to the Smiths. What's your favorite mm-hmm. Smiths album? Do you have one um, or a favorite Smiths song? I think, I think the Queen is Dead is is probably my favorite. Yeah. Um, I know the popular one is probably Meet His Murder is a, is mm-hmm. a pretty popular one, but my favorite song is actually not on an album. Oh, it's um, "Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now," which they actually play in the in the in the. Um, oh, I think it was that... released as a single. 
Was it on um uh Hatful of Hollow that compilation? It was on that yeah compilation, yeah. but not off. The, it wasn't released on like an album. It right, was right. A single, but um, that's my. I think that's my favorite. Uh, yeah. song. And it's actually plays in this movie. They, they yeah, it, it, it's but, a great uh, song. I, I mean, mean, they use a, a bunch of great songs in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think I actually was like looking at the titles and like listening to some of the lyrics. Yeah. I think it does tie in. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you're stages right. that is in these <laughs> yeah. chapters oh, yeah. of like cool. things that he's like. Yeah. You know, like um, you know, how soon is now? It, it yeah. Plays in, like right. I think within the first chapter, maybe the mm-hmm. second chapter, and I think they. They did yeah. a clever thing there to kind of like yeah. Tie all some the of lyrics stuff. are yeah are like thematically right. like linked to the scene yeah what's going on right. in the scene exactly um yeah uh, yeah and same with me like actually my favorite Smith song is also not on an album but they added it in later to um the self titled album right. the Smiths um this charming man and yeah. that's what I'm saying like the there's two versions of it there there was the one that was like I guess the more commercial version which was they called it the London version yes, but the one right. that they play in the movie is the manchester version which is my favorite manchester yeah which is where they're from um and uh it's it plays during the time where he's he's on the he's, it's after he killed the lawyer right. after he killed charles parnell and then he put his head in the in the paint bucket yeah. and he basically just kicks the bucket over the the side of the boat he's on the ferry, on the cross, ferry right? yeah crossing the river um, and yeah, he's listening to this charming man in the van. And I, I also love the other like underrated thing about the the needle drops in this movie. It's never continuous like on the soundtrack. Like it pops in and out. It's like it shows us like that we're kind of hearing it from him mm-hmm. like as a third party. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's like you know if he's playing the earphones too loud and you're just hearing it through his earphones, and then you hear it actually on the track. They also play a great uh, song by. Um... By Portishead. Yes, uh, I was gonna mention that too. Box, uh, which yeah, is, it... uh, when he's when he's going to the house, when mm-hmm. he, he he knows, oh, okay, something's up because you know there was somebody yeah. was here, and you know he's he's going in and it's man in the background. But uh, I I I just wonder, like song by song, how much did they pay for the soundtrack? Because yeah. it's incredible, and especially with the Smiths, you know, with like Morrissey and like Johnny Marr like yeah. basically not talking like how do they split the revenue with I heard with Morrissey sh- is just like a a tyrant when it comes to like anything like I've heard mm-hmm. he you know like if if so if they're serving like meat at his you know like at, at one of the his venues or whatever he'll like not play Jeez. like, like cra- crazy things like, like well, canceled concerts and stuff like that okay this is another like recurring theme um in the movie uh, uh is that He's always eating a lot of stuff that's like high protein. protein. Or yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Potassium. um yeah, when he has the egg McMuffin, he <laughs> takes out the muffin. <laughs> right. And he gives the stats of McDonald's of like the you know, like how many billions served. <laughs> Just has like the ham and the, the yeah. egg. Yeah, and then somebody posted that meme like where's the killer uh tie in McDonald's meal. <laughs> right. But yeah, Steve, um yeah, what do you think of the Smiths? Like are where do they rank for you and do you have like a I favorite? I definitely Smiths? appreciate them. The one that always I always liked was just um, "Girlfriend in a Coma." Yeah. Um, mm. But um, yeah, you know, it's like it just has a vibe. It's it's neat. I I never got I never delved too deep into them though. Like like yeah. I wouldn't say I'm like a Smith's head. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and this movie didn't convert you. <laughs> oh, Since I mean, wall to wall. 
I mean, I love that it was a part of the movie, and I actually really do enjoy this. Did I did enjoy this movie a lot? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to do a deep dive because I, I definitely think the Smiths it has had some kind of like a social resurgence over the last like right. five years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another kind of Smiths like meme is um, because you know. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character loves uh, <laughs> yes, uh, um, 50, uh, 500 Days oh, of right. Summer. Yeah, so like they've replaced him with <laughs> Michael Fassbender and then, you know, Zoe <laughs> Deschanel saying, I love the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's how the movie ends with um, uh, with uh, that song. What What is it? There's a light that never yeah, goes out. So it's like, yeah, he, he to die by your side again it's leaning into my death dream theory that uh, he may be dead okay. you yeah. know because <laughs> he died he with his be. girlfriend yeah and a good companion piece to this mm. the awesome you know killer soundtrack mm-hmm. pun intended yeah. um is that uh you know the score you know the uh, again mm-hmm. the trent reznor atticus Vince, uh, or atticus ross uh, score totally. yeah you know i think it works i mean this pairing that they have with fincher yeah is like perfect pairing of like right chocolate and peanut butter you know, yeah like yeah my, my yeah. only hot take though is that it isn't even their best soundtrack of this year <laughs> like i actually think their teenage mutant ninja turtles soundtrack is you so were much telling better. me about that movie i need to go see this movie <laughs> you need to see it you, you've been raving about it <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think yeah that their score for that is even better than oh, the killer score it i gotta see it but cool. yeah it, it brings up i guess yeah one of the most memorable scenes in the movie too is when the soundtrack is really pulsing is the, the fight with the brute in yeah. Florida and such a great sequence. And yeah. I, I will say too, like, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of uh cliched tropes in it. The, the reaching for the, the fire iron the poker, <laughs> yeah, the poker that <laughs> we've seen that several times in, in several movies. But then there's also, um, uh, I, I'll say this, like, you know, Fincher likes to shoot dark. Yes. And I always feel like a lot of movie theaters haven't figured out how to project it properly. And I think that was a problem at the Alamo. Like, it was way too dark. Like, I couldn't make out what was going on most mm. of the time in the fight oh, scene. Okay. Yeah. But then when I watch it on Netflix, like, and also because, you know, my TV here, I have custom settings. So, right. like, it's like I have my, my lighting and my brightness, like, just right where it's not, like... Uh, I hate like the you know how bright everything is now on TV. So I I darken it a little bit, and then you know I make sure that the there's no smooth motion and all that bullshit. Right. Um, but yeah, I saw it a lot better, and th- that was the same thing I had with Fight Club too. Like I could barely make out the fights in the basement when I saw it in the movie theater, and that oh, was projected really? on film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just way too dark. Um, and I thought that was like my eyesight failing me because yeah, I guess that was around the time where I started wearing glasses too. You oh, know? interesting. So, um, but yeah, like that that fight scene is is incredible. I think there, you know, in in this movie, there's a lot of callbacks to his other movies. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, when he gets like kind of uppercutted against the wall, it reminded mm-hmm. me in Fight Club when he upper, uppercuts himself. Oh, uh, to his boss yeah, and he, like, and, he yeah. Dry, and he like goes against the wall. Yeah, there's and definitely like, a falls down, yeah, a breaking um, of the wall. Yeah, just to show how powerful the brute is. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and yeah, it reminded me of another Hitman film that that has a great fight scene an, an all timer I feel um in gross point blank you know I love that movie yeah. <laughs> and he fights a Benny the Jet yes yeah, in black in, eyes ooh. man that guy has like a shark's eyes yeah, just incredible and like what is his doll. name like doll. Felix La Poubelle yeah yeah it's like some French like yeah <laughs> yeah this is me 
Yeah, it's like, um, my, you have grown. <laughs> yeah, um, and the, I think that's Joan Cusack too, who's playing the the kind of the the yeah. host in the. <laughs> I mean, Joan Cusack is always in the his. Uh, uh, oh no, 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 no and Cusack. Sorry, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the other say, Joan plays his, uh, his, his secretary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great in it too. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I I feel like uh, a lot of people have forgotten about Gross Point Blank. I saw like that the... twice in the theater. I oh, love yeah. that movie. Yeah. So and good. also has a great soundtrack. Oh yeah, so great yeah. that they actually did two, two soundtracks. Volumes. Yeah, two exactly. Yeah, like yeah. They did with a uh, train spotting too. Yeah, all these '80s hits, you know, yeah. like um, yeah, I mean, Clash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the specials. That fight scene, it, it's to mirror in the bathroom. Yeah, and, yeah, it's uh, amazing. The English stuff. beat. Yeah, exactly. And then um, yeah, here's another cold coffee from the Clash. You <laughs> know, yeah. Rudy can't fail. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, one of my favorite um, pieces in it is uh, the specials. You know, you're wondering now. It's when uh, right. he he visits Minnie Driver and he's like, uh, and she says, "You can't come in because <laughs> it's from the song." Yeah. yeah, you're wondering now. Such a beautiful track. But anyway, yeah, we got sidetracked again from good good the kill. You are a connoisseur yeah. though. You're yeah, I love my hitman movies. Hitman movies. Yeah, I mean, I well, love that movie too. Yeah, yeah. I mean. One movie that Steve and I are, are are planning to like discuss in a future episode, the Soderbergh connection is the Limey, which is also kind of. About I love him. that movie yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah, so it was my number five on his uh, filmography. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's an, my number one. <laughs> I did an episode of about uh, Soderbergh's uh, top. Yeah. Or top five for me. Yeah, and yeah, I, I believe Steve, you and I did a Soderbergh episode as well, right? What was the occasion? Yeah. Was it Kimmy? I think it was Kimmy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So it, it was like an occasion to yeah. to bring back his filmography. To celebrate. Yeah. yeah. But the Limey definitely deserves He's its own episode. He's got a deep filmography, though. I yeah, remember dude. James told me that was one of the episodes that – to prepare for that like broke of like he's like dude it was so many movies, movies. <laughs> he's like i you know just to prepare got, for it i had to watch so many movies i haven't oh, seen so man. many of them so yeah, that, yeah that's the fascinating thing about him is that he will do that like he as like you know a preparation for an episode whereas for me like if i'm a guest on another pond or even here like i won't watch everything like you know i just go by memory of of having seen the movies before you know like, well, I, I think, you know, as a guest, most of the time, if I'm talking, if I'm mm-hmm. being invited or yeah. talking about something, it's something I've seen multiple times that right. has become part of like my fabric, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. I, so you I don't need to, yeah, you I don't need to heart. like see it because it, it's mm-hmm. not, like, I, it's not, it hasn't been 10 years or 15 years since I've seen it. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, I mean, for that episode though, I remember there was some of the movies I had never seen before mm-hmm. and there was some that were hard to even find like bubble was like, Oh yeah. That's weird because it was like. A staple uh, of Kafka HD was that was another one that was hard to find. I mean, I was able yeah. to find them, but yeah, it yeah. was Kaf- hard as hell. Kafka is one of his most obscure yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, man. All right. So, um, any more thoughts about the killer before okay, we, we have to talk I mean... about the ending? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah we haven't I'm even gotten curious. there. Okay, let's let's get to the yeah. ending. So, what what is your your issue with the ending? Uh, My issue with the ending, and we alluded to it earlier, okay. is that he kills Leo, he kills Dolores, <laughs> he kills everybody, right? He kills the lawyer, he kills everybody, but he doesn't kill this guy. Like Arliss Howard, by the way, the great Arliss Howard. Any sense to me why, you know? And somebody pointed this out that um, so when he's buying the gun, right? Hmm. And the guy asks him, "Do you need uh, uh, do you need bullets?" Yeah. And he says, "And he says no. He, he doesn't need bullets." And so it was brought to my you know to my attention that maybe he knew he wasn't going to kill the guy. That's why he oh, didn't get the bullets. Oh shit! He I was just using the gun as a 
threatening method, right? You know, right. You know, to like kind of get the truth out of him or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, is that look, this guy doesn't want to die, <laughs> so he's gonna say whatever. You know, you don't right. know what he's saying is true. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to my earlier point. What if somebody comes looking for that guy because he's looking for you, Fastbender? Right. You know, you think this guy is going to not squeal? Yeah. And he's going to squeal. And then he, he goes back to his house. You yeah, know, you know like he, he doesn't, like, he move doesn't or move. anything. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, with his girlfriend chilling with, like, uh, Mai Tais or whatever the drink is, you know. It's yeah, like... and, and uh, you know, the I guess, uh, you know, I was hearing from different people who were telling him, like, well, he's, like, going into retirement. Like, he has enough money and, like, this is right. his retirement. But I just think... To me, that's a huge loose end. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this guy is capable of hiring someone to kill yeah. one of his competitors or whatever it is, you yeah. know, because we're, I think he's part of some type of tech, like high tech world, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. He, he's like the CEO. Like, what would, like, what would stop him from mm-hmm. being like, well, fuck this motherfucker. He threatened me. He came me. in here, he yeah. threatened me. I don't want that guy out there, so I'm going to hire somebody else. Yeah. You know, to, to get rid of Yeah, because, yeah, he basically leaves him with, like, a threat of, like, you know, you, you just don't know when I come back. Like, right. I'm going to make it look like an accident. Right. You know, and uh, that actually ties back to another scene, which I found very moving the second time around, was when uh, the secretary of the lawyer is, like, pleading with him. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I know you're very good at, like, making it seem like, you know, it was an accident, but can you just like make me go out in a dignified way? Which he doesn't do. He just fucking well, no. b- breaks her neck and then. No, but maybe, maybe <laughs> yes, he did though because uh, first of all, he he broke her neck and she went out like she, no pain probably like yeah, it was just right. an incident. And it looks like she fell down the, the stairs, stairs or whatever. And broke her so neck. Okay. her kids could be like, oh, mom, I accidentally fell down the stairs a tragedy mm-hmm. instead of right. Hey, mom got snuffed out by somebody. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. But was was it at her yeah. house? That, that yeah, yeah, it was at her house. Oh okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, that's yeah. her house. Yeah, oh, yeah, as opposed to like, oh, why is mom shot in the head, handcuffed to this <laughs> in the bathroom? You know, right, yeah. right. Um, yeah, but like, yeah, that looming threat again. You know, I forgive it because, and that's not dismissing your issues, <laughs> Jacob. But like, no, for I me, forget. because it, it leans into my theory of, of that he's already dead. Like he, if he left that loose end, yeah, they went and got him, and that whole ending is just like, yeah, him in heaven, <laughs> like with his girlfriend drinking. Heaven, <laughs> yeah. Wait, he or, gets it past yeah. the heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, everybody goes to heaven in my <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's world. Saint Peter's uh, has got lax on the <laughs> yeah. on the red the velvet rope into heaven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I subscribe more to the clerical error theory of, of heaven, you know, like um, soul and <laughs> and uh, one of my recent uh, discoveries of this year, a matter of life and death. You know? so, yeah. What about um, you, Steve? Did you like the ending? Um, I found it interesting. Like, I definitely uh, started talking about it with my wife after because we were watching it together. So it was just like a, it was nice, like jumping off point for a discussion um, as far as like trying to make sense of it the thing i just kept coming back to is you know coupled with the narration he's he's now claiming that he's not one of the few he's one of the many and he's kind of tying it to how the many are comforted by something like fate and i think he's even saying that that fate's not real but it's like a comfort but so he's he's definitely conflicted at the end and then, yeah. and so yeah, to me, it does lean more in 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 the sense of like he's done, he's out. I mean, he killed, he killed the employer, 
who is like really the only person who like knows where he lived. Like I don't know if the, the mm. if the client really knows. The client is just like, hey, right, yeah, because yeah, he's kind of clueless about it. Um, you yeah, know, of like how everything works, and you know, he's just like deferring to other people. Right. So I so know? yeah. So it's like you you kind of have to go a couple extra steps, which isn't great in in your head to make mm. it make sense. But I think that's kind of where why he feels somewhat safe is because all the people that n- could contact him he dealt with. Um, right. But then Tilda Swinton felt safe too, though, probably, you know, mm. she's going about her life and she <laughs> yeah. 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 She's enjoying like, uh, the tasting menu at this fancy restaurant. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. well, the other aspect that he, you know, you kind of see is that no one is as good as him. Like, um, the mm. brute is really uncareful. Tilda Swinton, yeah, right. you know, is just going out by herself the security guard for this client is like playing the wordle in his car. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know, he, he's kind of like making fun of the modern world in a way. Um, yep. and making fun of how easy this actually is. Yeah. That's why I, I, I said, it's like, it's a sequel to a spiritual sequel to the social yeah. network because he's now, we're now occupying. He, yeah. He's occupying that world that right. he's, tech bros have created right, exactly yeah you know? I'm, I'm with you there did you know that you could buy that that uh fob creator on amazon like that's an actual oh, real shit. product oh yeah the amazon connection that's <laughs> yeah, true that was crazy yeah 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 somebody told me it's the exact one that you like if you were go to right now to amazon to uh, put in, it's that's the yeah. product like they didn't create a product for that so that, that's that, the one that, <laughs> that overlay oh, like thing yeah. like that was actually an amazon that's like an a- actual that's amazon. so scary incredible that, yeah. yeah and then the whole yeah even just that whole like uh thing that he has to go through just to access that locker room and like going to bally bally equinox yeah like, you know it was oh, just yeah, hilarious like, yeah bally yeah. equinox and then, yeah, bally but equinox. so i want to ask you so in that last scene you know, he's like, he's sitting, he's seemingly enjoying being back at home. And then he has like, he has like yep. an eye twitch. Oh, did, oh did, dude. Did you guys catch that? Or was that like, um, I don't know. Did no. you guys put any, a, a, anything I mean, on that? Both of you are making me want to just watch the ending again, because like, I want to know where exactly we are. Like, is it really his house? And then that, yeah, I want to see that eye twitch. Like, I, I miss that completely. Because there, there's a part where it's like, I'm almost positive there's a twitch. No, <laughs> so, you, you're, you're right. There is. Oh, wow. Okay. And so it's like, what does that mean? And to me, it kind of means um, he's slipping a little bit. Like, in terms of um, from being this machine meticulous to kind of making the transition to civilian. And now he's maybe a little nervous or he's letting the, the feelings come out a little bit. And so he has this little eye twitch. Yeah. And you know, he's, he's famously played a robot before with uh, Prometheus. Yeah. Um, what what was the sequel to Prometheus? I, I'm blanking. Uh, Covenant, Covenant, a- Alien yeah. Covenant, yeah. right? As David, that's actually <laughs> gonna be my my wine. <laughs> wow. Okay. Alien yeah. Well, while we're at it, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Alien Covenant, which I yeah I yeah. haven't seen, and but you're a big proponent of this movie, Steve. 
I like Covenant. Yeah. <laughs> Prometheus is a little, it's a huge swing and to and in some eyes, it's a huge miss. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's a little more of a, of a roller coaster. Whereas alien covenant is a little more of like, it gives you a, it gives you just a little more of that good alien vibe that you were maybe missing, okay. even though it still has some kind of interesting, interesting actions by the characters that aren't, that aren't great, but, uh, yeah, I agree but yeah, with you, but, uh, but you got a fast bender acting like a legit robot, just doing <laughs> just meticulous doing his thing. And, um, yeah. yeah, I agree with you on the, on the Prometheus. So I think Prometheus is basically a remake of alien mm. to me. And so it didn't really add too much to me, but the covenant actually, as much as I don't think it's a, like a, great movie all together there's different parts of it that explain a lot of things mm -hmm. oh. um, that kind of add to this whole alien i guess world mm -hmm. yeah. um and and i think the the alien and covenant unfortunately like the actual alien itself is probably the worst version of the aliens <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um you know okay well maybe besides resurrection the like final alien that one yeah. is kind of weird totally. yeah and then it, we we tie back to to Fincher because uh, you know Valian Three. <laughs> I actually really like that. Alien. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and like how how it, like the vision and how mm -hmm. it's like running up and like you know upside down and like you really know, throughout cool. the, the hallways uh, and whatnot. Yeah. Although the CGI doesn't hold up that well, I mean mm -hmm. you can tell that it's you know, but again, it, it was during that time, so you know it was as good as it could be. Mm, yeah I, I i definitely need to fill the blank with that one uh yeah oh you sure. haven't seen it no i've never seen it and oh, yeah so okay. we'll, that's a good we'll, one. we'll yeah. get to our our, our yeah. fincher rankings but before we do yeah what's your wine pairing uh jacob for Gosh, the killer what's my wine pairing for the killer you know what i'm gonna go because i feel like the killer is a character study movie hmm. and i'm gonna go with the wrestler darren aronofsky's yeah. oh. wrestler that's Damn, cool. we are like, uh, I mean, not per tooting my own horn, but you guys are coming up with some great uh, wine pairings this episode. I think yeah. it's a, you know, again, it's another, you know, was good at his craft, but mm -hmm. kind of like flawed character towards mm -hmm. the end of his career. Um, you know, he has the, I guess, you know, you can say that his girlfriend and the, and this is, uh, I'm not gonna use Marissa Tomei. But more so his daughter, right? This yeah. this thing that he's trying to save with his daughter, but he still doesn't, you know. Even though in the killer, potentially, you know, it's it's still saved. But um, yeah, that'll be my wine pairing. Nice. Okay. Yeah, and I'm continuing with my Jim Jarmusch connection, <laughs> so I'm 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 picking The Limits of Control, which is another hitman movie mm -hmm. that uh, much maligned. A lot of people don't like it. Marcus, I haven't Pin. seen that one. Uh, Jarmish, right? Yeah, like, I'm not sure you'd like it. <laughs> it's it's an acquired taste. <laughs> I would yeah. say. That. I mean, Marcus Pin, you know, um, he's one of the biggest fans of Jarmish I know. Yeah, uh, almost as big as me. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know, we're, we're probably like equals, but he hates the limits of control. Oh, wow. Like he, he, he hates. Yeah, it. he considers it to be Jarmish's worst movie. But then I keep reminding him that he made um, the Dead Don't Die, which is even worse. 
Um, I saw but, that in the theater. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, because it's like, you know, Jarmusch making a zombie movie? That should be fun. But um, uh, yeah, I also saw Limits of Control in the theater. Actually, at the Arclight Hollywood. When, when, when did that? 2009. Wait, so what was it sandwiched in between in, in his uh, filmography? It was between Broken Flowers okay. and... Um, oh, shit. What was the movie after? Um Damn, was it Patterson? Like, was there no, nothing? I thought he did something before. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm being the worst Jim Jarmusch fan right now. Um, <laughs> I put you on the spot. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What? Oh, he made Only Lovers Left Alive. Oh, after that's right. that, that's yeah, right. yeah. Right. Also with Tilda Swinton. So yeah. Tilda Swinton is in Limits of Control. She only appears in one scene, but it's an amazing scene. And talk about like the soundtrack. So the soundtrack. I think this was one of the first movies where. Jarmusch started doing his own soundtrack uh, with his producer Carter Logan as Squirrel. So they're doing like this ambient drone soundtrack. And then they also incorporate um, Boris, you know, the Japanese like heavy metal band. And oh, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. They make use of Farewell from uh, Boris's most ac- accessible album, Pink. And it, it's, it's, and it's used in the scene where, where Tilda Swinton shows up. And she has this great scene where she talks to uh, another nameless assassin. um, uh, And she talks about, like, uh, how movies feel like dreams. And it's just, like, so beautiful. And it's in her, like, kind of open letter to her her son about, like, discovering the the love of movies. Um, But, yeah, it's also an assassin movie. It's also, like, philosophical, you know, like... um, Isaac DeBancole, who plays the killer in, in Limits of Control, has his kind of own aesthetic and his own way of doing things um but yeah the reason why i love it is it's not a great if you're you're treating it like as a hitman movie it's not good as that like you know there's barely any kills in the movie but um but visually aesthetically and also where jarmusch was at that point in his his life where he was like saying he was just like fascinated about like new ways of thinking and how that like informs a movie that's why i'm i'm a big fan of it i'm gonna check you know? it out yeah but yeah not a lot of people like it you know, that's, it's, i always saw it only had yeah. twenty one thousand uh, <laughs> rankings on the imdb yeah so yeah very I'm, many. yeah I, i'm one of the few I, I wonder too if it has like a rotten score on rotten tomatoes you know because like that's something that people have been doing i we retweeted marcus pin his favorite like movies that we, we've given a lot of shout outs to Marcus this episode. <laughs> He's a great man. Yeah, yeah. So he did like his his four like favorite movies that are that have rotten scores on it, and they're some of my favorites too. Uh, I remember Demon Lover being on there, you know. So um, yeah, another movie that not a lot of people like, but yeah, Limits of Control. Yeah, even Marcus Pin does not like Limits of Control, but yeah, I don't know a lot of people who like that movie other than than me. <laughs> I'm one of the few. <laughs> and, uh, um, I'm intrigued, yeah, for sure. All right, so um, yeah, let's let's wrap things up with um with our our Fincher rankings. So, let's first like say where the killer slots in our Fincher rankings. And since Jacob, you are a guest uh, and you are the Fincher head, uh, where is the killer rank for you in Fincher's filmography? <laughs> you know what? It's it's definitely gonna be. It's not gonna be at the bottom. He has such a strong, you know, filmography for me that it's not going to make the top five either. So um, it would be probably if I probably be just below like the mid mid, like lower mid. OK, so what what would be ahead of it? I'm just curious. So like for my for me, number one is seven. 
Um, and again, this mm-hmm. this ranking could change like on on any day. I right. love I love these movies. Number two would be Fight Club. Number three, The Social Network. Although I I love The Social Network. Wow, you uh, rank Fight Club over Social Network? <laughs> but I, like I said, it, it, on some days oh, it, it could be The Social Network. About okay. It. Um, number four, and this is probably not a popular opinion. I I really like the game. Okay. I, I I think the game. I know it has, it's completely you know suspension of disbelief you know and the you know like all these things could happen or whatever but i really enjoyed the game um and then number five is zodiac mm. and then so like on the bottom would be like uh, you know panic room curious case of benjamin button alien three um alien three actually i like alien mm. three so it, it would be i would have that above the killer right now okay Right I, now. I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Gone Girl and Girl with Dragon Tattoo. I really like Gone Girl, <laughs> but I think I like Alien 3 a little bit better. Okay. So I'll so the killer know. would be just behind Panic Room or the game, you're saying? Uh, no, it'd be behind um, – probably be behind – uh, what do we just say right now? Alien Three and uh, wow. Gone Girl. It's yeah, pretty probably, low. <laughs> probably, probably behind Gone Girl. Okay, that doesn't leave much at the bottom then. <laughs> like, because, because I even though I've come to grow have an appreciation for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, mm-hmm. it's still because I had seen the original. Uh, was it Swedish trilogy? Yeah. I actually think you know they were really done really well. Yeah. Um and. I, I know what you know Fincher's going for, and I, I think it's still a good movie. Mm. It still would rank below those that trilogy. I mean, yeah, I think it's a shame that 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 they weren't able to make the trilogy. Yeah, and then you know they made that other one um, yeah. that was not <laughs> so even connected. Pointless. Yeah, yeah, right. but which was terrible. But yeah, um, Curious Case of Benjamin Button would be down there, and then also um, what was the other one? A Panic Room <laughs> that would be down there. Okay. And how about you, Steve? Yeah, I, I probably have it around eight or nine. I, mm-hmm. I I like the killer more than Alien Three, but I like Gone Girl more than the killer. So like okay. I, I'd have you know, so like I'd have like all all the classics in the top five, and then also probably Gone Girl, yeah. Zodiac, the game. I think yeah. So the game or the killer? That's a tough one. Because <laughs> like what what what's hard is like with the killer, right? It's so fresh in my memory. But really, right. like, there's only a couple scenes I would want to go back and rewatch right now. But it's because it's mm. fresher, so yeah, hard to gauge. Yeah, so I'll put it in the same grouping as like the game and Alien Three right now. Yeah. I forgot Mank too. I, I oh, really yeah, like Mank. Mank. Yeah. I really like Mank. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. So oh, man, I might yeah. even put that above Gone Girl. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, shout out to the couple that uh, met on Letterboxd, like that married each other um, from being the only two fans of Mank when it came out. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and that's even more remarkable considering that, uh, you know, uh, Letterboxd doesn't have a DM feature. So they, they like, m- kind of flirted with each other in the comments of her review. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And they ended up getting married. It was like one of those how it that's started, creative. how it ended. Yeah, so they now... Yeah, that's how they, they identify themselves on social media. It's like I'm one half of the Mank couple. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, all right, so I'm I'm gonna pull in a, a shocker here, and I you know I mean recency bias and everything, but you know I I, I rewatched some of the Fincher movies, even though there's uh, you know I want to rewatch Panic Room, mm-hmm. um, and 
but and yeah, definitely want to see Alien Three, but. Uh, the killer is in my top five. Whoa, Fincher. really? <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, here's my uh, my ranking as of today. And you know, uh, like Jacob, it could change. Social Network is number one, just because. Yeah, it's the one that I can I'm put on and yeah. watch. Yeah. Number number two is Zodiac, um, because yeah, it is just objectively, I think, his best film. Just so many effective things going on there, and you know. Um, What's his name? John Carroll Lynch as Arthur Lee Allen is just such an incredible performance that I don't think like gets enough uh, praise. And then uh, number three is Gone Girl. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I really like Gone Girl. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's really good. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to knock it. Yeah, but... and uh, yeah, there's this thing uh, we brought it up in the seven episode of like um, even Fincher, you know, theory, the even Fincher theory that all his even movies are the best movies. And then the Honestly, the odd ones are yeah, but are then the you know ones. it doesn't work for you, Jacob, because like you know the game is is an odd movie because it was in between Fight Club and and Seven, right? Um, and you know Alien Three was one, you know, so it's like it's an odd number. Um, but yeah, I I don't quite subscribe to it, even though my top five fits into that a little bit. The only outlier is actually after Gone Girl, it's um Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which is an odd Fincher, you right? Know? Um, and then, yeah, number five is The Killer. So I ranked The Killer over seven. <laughs> what? <Wow>. Fight Club. <laughs> are you serious? Panic Room, The Game, and Mank. And then my blind spots are Alien 3 and Benjamin Button. <laughs> so you, you ranked The Killer over seven? Uh, yes. I, <laughs> I... Wow. I'm, I'm... You yeah. did surprise me because yeah. <laughs> I think seven has one of the all-time greatest endings <laughs> in my you know, of the movies I love. Yeah. I think it has one of the greatest endings of all time. And the killer Mm. had such a disappointing ending for me, you know, for me. So that's, and that's probably why, you know, again, I definitely will watch it again and I'm going to absorb it, but uh, I don't know if it's going to move like (laughs) the rankings, you know, I think there's still some things that, uh, yeah. Well, I'm more curious, Jacob, how you feel about limits of control versus um, the killer, you know, because the, yeah, of the philosophy, the philosophical aspect of it, the soundtrack, Tilda Swinton, all those commonalities. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I will let you know, I'm going to find this movie. Yeah, and, I mean, along with these other ones you guys recommended that, that I have on this list here. Yeah, like survival yeah. Survival Family I, and, and for the, sure. Mount the Mountainous and, you know. Yeah, yeah, all good stuff. But I, I will say there is like a, there is kind of like a pattern with my top five too. It's more like the post-Zodiac movies. Like I, I realize I, I gravitate more to recent Fincher movies than, uh, you know, Mank is the outlier, but... um. But yeah, I really feel like things changed for him after Zodiac, and it's not just like the move to digital. It's like I don't know that to me, he kind of comes into his own more with the later films, and you know, it's like he knows who he is. You know, like it's strange to say because yeah, he he established himself as a filmmaker that's very distinctive. But like, it, there's something about the Zodiac post-Zodiac movies where I'm just like, yeah, the, this is the Fincher I can vibe with, you know? Mm. So, yeah, that's why, yeah, my top five is very, like, you know, <laughs> recent heavy. Uh, I would say that. So, Whew. yeah. All right, we made it. Yay! <laughs> Another epic. This might break the record. We'll see. 
No, who doesn't uh... Kay keeps breaking our records, yeah. and she's she's like coming back, right? Yeah, yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. She, she's coming back in December. <laughs> so we'll we'll see how that goes, and we're wow. also talking about two movies. So <laughs> amazing, yeah. All right, so All right. yeah, thanks again, Jacob, for uh, coming back and you know uh, doing this live in person. Yeah. Being... It's, it's an honor to be on the show. Yeah, man. Hey, I, you know, I don't know any you. celebrities. You guys are like celebrities to me. <laughs> That's like, awesome, what I always man. say. I, I say like all the, you know, friends that I've made through podcasting and like through Twitter, like you guys are like celebrities to me. Like because you know I'm listening to you like I would listen to like a radio show or. or you know something like that and you know i really respect you know all the work you guys put into this and your opinions and just all the things you guys have exposed me to as mm. far as uh you know different recommendations and you know your episodes are you know funny and and just interesting and you know different and and you know like i i really like i really think you guys have a great thing with the chemistry that you and steve have with this balance of of uh you know personalities and just taste and things like that so i think it makes for a great show so i'm honored to be here as always well you know we appreciate your support mm. you know we can't thank you enough for you know the praise you give us and the retweets and oh, you yeah. know trying to you know you're even pushing us to to promote the patreon like earlier yeah i'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> beef up your patreon i'm gonna find <laughs> i'm gonna find some people yeah, you know, maybe even if I have to do a pyramid scheme, uh, type, <laughs> of, type, of, type of thing, level you know? marketing. Yeah. I, like I don't it. know. Maybe I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll MLM, say, "Hey, dude. I'll give you this this Halloween candy if you uh, subscribe for you know for five dollars yeah. a day." You know, instead of putting a you know saving a kid in uh, Africa, you know, feeding him, you could uh, help. Yeah, the show. there a, you go. I like that the old switch witch, but it's like yeah, you switch out the candy for for a Patreon. I gotcha. Well, That's awesome. Well, everyone, you got to do us a favor and follow our guy, Jacob. He's on he's on Twitter. He's on X at J-R-A-T-M 23. He will give you a shout out. It says it in the jingle. Um, yeah, if we're bringing this baby home, Carlo, as always, you, you can follow us. We're followable. We are on. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we, we finally hit, hit 100 uh, followers on Twitter. I think Twitter. you're 101 right now. Yeah, we're one, 101. Oh, I think sweet. I checked earlier and you're 101. Oh, dang. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Shout out to the bots. Sweet. We triple, love you. Triple digits. Yeah, shout out to the bots. Yeah, we're in triple digits. Yeah, baby. Here we oh, go. Oh, man. So, yeah. yeah. So, so be, be follower 102. Go to yeah. at movie food pod. Follow Carlo at Carlo Kino with two Ks. You can find me at Steve Positron. Of course, once again, hit up the Patreon. Join. We got a couple tiers. On one tier, you can even get your own jingle. Patreon.com slash movie Worth it. Yes, definitely get a jingle. Um, Carlo, follow what he's doing on his letterbox at Carlo Kino with two Ks. Of course, check out my Mosh Pit highlights at Pit Hits on YouTube. And Carlo, that is it. Sweet. Thanks again, Steve. Until next time. Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> oh, yeah, same. Oh, man, that was an epic, epic, epic. Look, 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 look.